entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. advantage he's coming to us we have what Thanos wants so that's what we use let's talk about this plan of yours I think it's good except it sucks so let me do the plan and that way it might be really good wow Episode 230. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the, leftovers. the Leftovers. Yay. So, all right. Let's, um, let's introduce, this is our uh, Avengers Infinity War episode. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Let's introduce our special guest this week. Uh, first off, uh, we have Mr. Dan West. Straight out of England and into your ear pussies. He's a motherfucking Jedi. It's Dan West. 
Dan, welcome to the Infinity War episode. Bonoist fucking hell, Infinity War. I know. Ah. I'm I, I'm just. I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm nervous to talk about it. This is crazy. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I feel like I'm about to lose my virginity. I know. It's insane. Fucking hell. Oh god. I just want to get into it, man. I know. I hear you. All right. And we're also joined by my co-host on uh, Runaways TV Talk and on Number One Comic Books, the Queen of the Leftover Army, Rebecca Daling. Thank you for having me back. I am so excited to talk about this movie with you guys. Yeah. Um, I do want to start off, by, and we're excited to have everybody. Dan, Jake, I'm excited to talk mm-hmm. to all you guys. Rebecca. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be breaking down this movie. But uh, first, little, little, we got to get something out of the way. It's uh, also, and we're going to jump into everything, but it's been five years of pop culture leftovers. This episode, episode 230, Invasion's Infinity War, marks five years of the show. Wow, that's awesome! Mm, that's great. absolutely crazy. That's so good. And to uh, to uh, in tradition, you know, as to commemorate such an event, as a great man once said, "Heads up, champagne pop." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow, that nearly went all over my floor. <laughs> Holy fucking shit! And that's the that second was- time Dan's quoted that today. Um. <laughs> yeah, Dan, that's great. Or Brian, that's great. What crazy timing that it's our five-year anniversary right yeah. at the uh, Marvel Studios 10-year with the Infinity War. Yeah, 10 years with the Infinity War, five years with PCL. We didn't plan this. It just kind of happened, and uh, it's 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 incredible. And uh, here we are, Jake, five years later. We're talking to two of our listeners who are now good friends of ours about uh, a movie that, uh, you know, it started off with Iron Man. We're talking about, uh, and here we are 10 years later, talking about something that we love uh, with, with two of our listeners. And that's, that's uh, I know, that's exciting, and it's awesome, and I can't wait to talk about this movie with you guys. Yeah, it's, I think it's safe to say that we've been waiting for this movie since before we even started doing Pop Culture Leftover. Yeah, I mean, it was first teased at the end of Avengers back in 2012 when Thanos turns around and looks at the screen at the end of the movie and everybody is like, oh my gosh. Well, 50% of the people were like, oh my gosh. Except <laughs> <laughs> for that one asshole at the front who's like, who's that? Yeah, exactly. One, you got, you had a smart theater. <laughs> no, it's just me and one other dude there. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so 50% of Dan's theater knew who Thanos was. <laughs> the math still works out. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, stick around to the end of the podcast after we get done talking about this stuff. I have a lot of predictions for Avengers 4 that we're going to go over, and they are really fun. And a lot of them, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the predictions for Avengers 4 are, it's, it's stuff that's coming out of this movie. So a lot of the old predictions, out with the old, in with the new. I can't wait to talk about them. Who knows where the next movie's gonna go, but, uh, I think I might have an idea, so we're gonna get started with this episode. Uh, it's the 19th film released by Marvel Studios in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is chapter 7 of Phase 3, and, um, let's just, I'm gonna start off number 1 with just playing the spoiler warning, get that out of the way, cause we're gonna be spoiling things. Oh yeah. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned. All right. Synopsis for the film. As the Avengers and their allies have continued to protect the world from threats too large for any one hero to handle, a new danger has emerged from the cosmic shadows. Thanos, a depot of intergalactic infamy, his goal is to collect all six Infinity Stones, artifacts of unimaginable power, and use them to inflict his twisted will on all of reality. 
everything the Avengers have fought for has led up to this moment. The fate of the Earth and existence itself has never been more uncertain. Uh, the directors for this film, of course, are Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. It's written by Christopher Marcus uh, and Stephen McFeely. And it stars everyone. I'm not going to name off all the names. If you're familiar with these movies, it basically stars 64 main characters in the film. That's according to Marvel Studios. So um, you guys, we all know who's in this movie. I don't, I don't need to say, Tom Holland, Chris Hemsworth, this Thor. Like, come on. You guys, you've been following this stuff. And, uh, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. You can. You don't have to do that, Brian. It's silly. It's silly. It's silly stuff. Um, let's see here. Some of the things that I wanted to talk about, though, before we jumped into everything. Uh, just a couple facts that I found that were interesting. Tom Holland was not allowed to read the script for the film since he revealed yep. too many sec- secrets for Spider-Man Homecoming. So I thought that, that I, was... I love that. Yeah. It wouldn't let him read anything but his parts. Exactly. I thought that was great. They just gave him his, his lines. So, uh, <laughs> And this is crazy. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Robert Downey Jr. here, but he requested the furniture in his house in Los Angeles be shipped to the filming location in Atlanta. And uh, the studios complied with that request. <laughs> That's when you know that you've made it. <laughs> I know. It's, wow. That's great. Good stuff, man. I mean, uh, if we could all be in a place where where we could have people just bend to our will. There. He's the real Thanos, right? I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the. Fu- to be the king. I the, mean, why not? Get he's got the the, the furniture stone. So, I don't know. <laughs> that, it's the IKEA stone. It's That's the Ikea. what it is. Yeah. It's the other one. <laughs> Runtime on Avengers: Infinity War is 149 minutes, and the estimated budget on this one, they said it's between 300 to 400 million dollars. They don't really know 100. percent It's a. Uh, it, it should have just said a lot of money was put into this film. And uh, yeah, I think it's hard to gauge that with the two movies being made back to back, right? Like it's because you save some production costs just in the act of doing that. Uh, just on this particular film, though, it's a, I guess they were trying to break down the production budget on this one. Well, you know, I know, but it, it would be hard to do that since there's a lot of shared costs when you do a project like that. Oh, yeah. You're saying like if they would have just done this as a standalone. Yes, yes. Okay. The information would probably just be boom right there. But sure. because there was a lot of shared production costs, yeah. then it's harder to say this one cost this and this one cost that. Exactly. They, so they got to – They both shared that budget. Yeah, yeah. Um, IMAX stated this that this film along with uh, the untitled Avengers 4 coming out next year was entirely filmed in uh, Alexa IMAX cameras. So it's all IMAX. If you saw it in IMAX – you watched it all in IMAX, and I, I think this is a first. I think the other movie that before this where they filmed the most IMAX might have been that last Transformers movie, The Last Night. Um, That's correct. And uh, this one is 100 It sounds like it was 100% filmed in IMAX, and if ever a movie deserved it, it was probably this one because of the 10 years, the culmination, and how much these movies have earned over the past 10 years. So uh, Marvel Studios definitely wanted to make sure that they gave it uh, the best treatment that they could. We're going to jump into our ratings right now. So we're going to jump into our ratings. If this is your first time listening to our show, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, uh, we are going to start off with Rebecca. I want to get your rating and your initial thoughts on the film. 
Okay, so my initial thoughts on the film. I I saw it for the first time Thursday night. Um, I saw it in IMAX 2D. I saw it again this morning in regular uh, 2D. Um, I I have been so hyped for this film. This was my my most anticipated film for for this year. I tried to like talk myself down from the hype, like just in case I was like, all right, maybe it's going to suck and maybe, maybe this is going to happen and maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it won't be as good and the music will suck and it'll be this and like trying to like lower my expectations a little bit. Cause I was so hyped for this movie and, you know, going into it, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to bury the lead. This is a Tupperware for me. 100% a Tupperware. I loved the music. The score was gorgeous. It was perfect. It was beautiful. This was a movie about Thanos and not so much the Avengers for, to me. Um, I, of course I have like my, I have, I have my nitpicks. We'll, 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 we'll talk about all of that, but I was so impressed with how well the Russo brothers handled so many characters in one movie, trying to give everybody the right amount of screen time. But absolutely, it's it's a Tupperware. All right. So we got a Tupperware from Rebecca. Dan, I'm going to move on to you, man. Okay, dude. Um, yeah, like you said, 10 years of Marvel movies. This is the 19th movie. So 18 movies building up to this. So you're going to be hyped you know like becca was saying you don't you don't want that hype to kind of build you up too much that you're going to be disappointed um so i same as beck really i just went in and i tried to just like take it for what it was but obviously being like a big fan of all the previous films i knew all the backstories and and just seeing it kind of culminated in this one movie was 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 awesome i thought the writing was fantastic um thanos is he's He's the best villain out of the Marvel MCU. Like, I just couldn't believe how well they they portrayed him as a character. Made you understand his motives, but also, you know, you, you hate the guy, but you also kind of understand why he's doing the things he's doing. So I thought that was really smart because I had no idea that they would be able to bring a villain of like that grandiose onto the screen and actually make him mean something. It was, it was really good. Um, uh, I saw this in 2d on not in IMAX. So I had to go to a shitty little screen because everything was sold out as uh, the box office has been showing. So uh, I got to see it in 2d on a smaller screen. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm going to Tupperware it. I absolutely love this. Uh, there's like Beck was saying, there's problems, a few dodgy special effects on through this but i thought the acting was on point the score was fantastic most of the special effects were amazing and i just think it's a huge um accomplishment to bring all of these films together in such a fantastic way all right uh so two tupperwares jake yeah yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to echo a lot of things these guys said. I mean, this movie's so crazy to me. It's like on paper, it's like, how can this even work? I mean, you're juggling all these characters, all these storylines. I mean, on surface level, it's different than anything we've ever seen. You can't even really take it as a solo entity and say, okay, you know, I enjoy this movie. You have to come in with the baggage, I think, to enjoy this movie. And so, I mean, that could be a big problem for it. Um the villain and you know knowing what they're going to do at the end and pulling that off could be another huge problem but somehow like everything just worked in this movie um and just on top of that it's like one of the most like visually arresting movies i've seen in the longest time i mean 
wow, you could tell that they used those IMAX 3D cameras. Cause, and I saw it both times in IMAX 3D. I was, I was going to go the second time and see it regular, but I, I just couldn't do it. I was like, I got to see it like that again. It, wow. It just blew my mind. And the fact that like the reaction that it's getting is just making me love it so much more. It was like for them to do that ballsy ending and to actually go through with it. Like it's, I know all the comic book fans, like, knew that that happens in the book and everything, but for it to actually happen and then to actually do it and end the movie like that, oh, man, it just it warms my heart. I love it so much. I love all the sad people that think all the heroes are dead. This is, like, one of the greatest... <laughs> this is one of the greatest movie events in my life. And all these people, like, watching it with me is, is making it that much better. Like, oh, my gosh. I saw a Facebook status today where my friend took his kid to see it. And he said he hated the movie because it made his kids sad. And I was like, yep, I'm evil. That makes me like the movie even more. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Brian, I'm excited to hear what you think. Yeah, uh, kind of like bouncing off what you just said there about, uh, you know, the kid crying in the theater and uh, how the the parent didn't like it because of that reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I want to think about like back when I was a kid um, – you know, Sunbow came out with a, well, not Sunbow, but, uh, there, it, it, was it Sunbow? But, uh, Transformers, the animated movie came out and they killed off my favorite character, Optimus Prime. And I cried and I, I revere that movie to this day. And I, I love it because they did that. It made me feel something as a kid and it, it's one of the most memorable moments ever. So, I mean, I think. As that kid grows up, he might appreciate the movie a little bit more because of that fact. It's, <laughs> yeah, the movie worked. The fact yeah. that his kid cried yeah. means it worked. It's oh, no. Like no. When, it seems like the parent didn't want to deal with it. We agree. Yeah. When Peter Parker died in the theater, there were kids crying in the back of my theater. And <laughs> and I I it took me my third watch to kind of like to get it that this was working with other people. Because for me, as – for ballsy as we're saying it is like for me, if I'm looking at it, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's ballsy. Cause I know that it's, you know, no, it's, it's so hard to look at it through our yeah. eyes. Right. Uh -huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be a black Panther two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or a, Spi a Spider-Man homecoming too. <laughs> I, re I remember when I was trying to give my rating, man, that was, uh, remember, remember, <laughs> oh, you know, sorry. I, gonna, I, I thought gonna we were say, having a combo. I thought no, you Jake for the, Jake didn't even rate it. No, I started my monologue and yeah, did Jake you rate it? I mean, Jesus no, Christ. He didn't. I thought he I didn't. said I Trump word it. No, he didn't. I'll hit, I'll hit my mute button until spoken to. I apologize. No, you're, no, now I feel all bad. This is now, this is not five years, people. Five years. Um, <laughs> so, so you Tupperware it then, Jake? He's, yes, Tupperware. Yeah, okay. okay, sweet. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, what did I think about the movie? Um, my my excitement level for this movie was, like, just uh, through the roof going into the theater. And, uh, you know, there's just, just energy in the theater. I went and saw it on opening night in IMAX. And, uh, you know, you could just feel the energy. And the movie starts. And, I mean, it was – I mean, it was just – Amazing. I had to watch it the three times to make sure because it's like I don't want to suffer from like this shiny new toy shit, right? So um, I, I watched it a couple more times. And I do a fucking podcast where we got to review this stuff and I want to make sure that I got everything straight and, and all together. And remember, I, I tossed Avengers Age of Ultron people and I saw that movie twice in the theaters. Um, I just wanted to make sure. But um, I, I, I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I had so much fun watching it. Um, really satisfying villain. And I think that's kind of 
the movie for me going in hinged upon Josh Rowland's performance as Thanos. And I felt like the Russo brothers, basically they got it. They got it. Everything that James Gunn had been uh, working towards with building the relationship and the, uh, this, this, uh, family, this weird family dynamic between the guardians and, and with, uh, Thanos and, um, you know, Gamora and Nebula. I mean, it all kind of, it all kind of came together. This, this is not how you make a typical movie. Uh, okay. I mean, you have to have watched uh, a, a lot of the backlog of this, but if you've watched everything and, and, and you know this stuff, I, I feel like this movie is very satisfying for you. And, uh, it, it just worked for me. I saw all these things and, and, and they, they worked with all the other creators. I felt like James Gunn had his hand in this too. And, it was just, it was incredible. The action scenes were incredible. I do agree with you, Dan. There was some problems with the CGI. I, I'm still not sold on these CGI suits that they're putting people in. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we get a shot of like War Machine later on and, and IMAX 3D. It just looked like a man's head floating on top of a video game character. It was just, just terrible. And then like Bruce Banner inside of the Hulkbuster looked terrible at times. Mm-hmm. Oh God, just mm-hmm. awful. It's just like they photo cropped his head on in the, in the suit. <laughs> it was terrible. But other than that, I mean, I I love this movie. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. It's a Tupperware party for, for Infinity War. Tupperware party. So fantastic. Let's go ahead and unpack this bad boy. I, I want to talk about you know, of course, I want to talk about. Um, different characters and things like that. But like, and I, I, you know, we're going to talk about some, like some of the main scenes and things like that. I I actually want to start off kind of like where the movie starts when it first starts. It's crazy how we don't have that, uh, that triumphant Avengers theme going as the Marvel logo is uh, spinning around and shit. Uh, We're hearing this ominous, dark, sad, foreboding music. And that's basically telling me that Thanos is in town, people. And it was just like, just from the get, like this movie kind of grabs you with that and it kind of shakes things up a little bit. What did you guys think? Shakes things up, man. It grabs you by the balls and pulls your balls off. It's it's completely insane. (laughs) That that should be your quote on the Blu-ray cover. (laughs) (laughs) Grabs you by the balls and pulls them off. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I... figured that they would they might start with something like this like after seeing the like the uh the end credits scene like in thor ragnarok and things like that and but seeing it actually played out like in the first sort of five to ten minutes was it i was my mouth was just like wide open i just couldn't believe what i was seeing so we get like two deaths immediately of characters from like loki's been in what four five movies yeah, including yeah. cameos mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and heimdall as well and it's like what the hell is going on it's like what the fuck am i watching it was oh my god it was insane yeah i thought it was a also a brilliant way to get thanos over as a as a bad guy too just to have here he is whooping the hulk down and he doesn't even yeah. have the infinity gauntlet yet like right in the first you know even beyond the killing oh he had the he, he, he had was a badass he had the power stone though and that's, oh, that's true. That's true. That's what I think made the big difference in that fight. I don't know if it would have been on a, more of an even plane if he didn't have the power stone, but he did. And like when he first gave the Hulk that neck punch and you heard the I'd never heard the Hulk make that sound before. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, we get to see Thanos basically beat the shit out of the Hulk. This is what I've been. That we've never seen. Well, some, this is something that I've been. I've seen it in the comics, but like in in the, like you're saying, like in the cinematic universe, like. You know, I've seen him in like uh, the Infinity comic with Hickman just punch him in the face and lay him out. And this was more satisfying than that because like this was like basically watching like a wrestling, a pro wrestling match between these two. Like the and they're they're huge. They're huge. And they're moving like they're not slow and lumbering. This is just two heavyweights just going at it. And uh, I loved how it was. uh, I think it was Ebony Maw. Who basically we were gonna get Cole Obsidian who wanted to like it's like he wanted like Thanos to tag him in and like yeah uh, and, and 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 it was like Ebony Maw was like no let him have his fun and I'm just like yeah yeah, I yeah. Know. and he's like he's just like he's taking all the hits and you think oh Hulk's you know we didn't think he was gonna get one over him but thought yeah. he was gonna put up a good fight and then Thanos was just fucking with him the whole damn time and then, like you said as soon as he lands that first punch. Hulk literally doesn't know what the hell hit him. And it was awesome seeing, like, you know, because we know Hulk is this this huge, super strong brute, and he just, like, lays waste to everything. Mm -hmm. But then when he comes up against someone who can take what he dishes out, and then Thanos was bobbing and weaving and giving him kidney shots and stuff like that. It's like, this is blowing my fucking mind. It was amazing. The sound effects were so good. Like the Foley work of when the the hits were connecting were just so good too. Yeah, it was brutal, man. Because I've been to a few boxing matches live and when someone takes like a shot in the ribs, it's like hollow and it's this horrible like dead sound and that's exactly what this was you felt these impacts in the foley work it it was absolutely brilliant what a way to start a film rebecca what did you think about this yeah i um i'm gonna echo everything you guys are talking about when there is a moment where thanos punches the hulk and it sounds like his jaw like cracks in half Mm. um and and i just like i like in my chair i like scrunched up like oh like oh man i felt that and and talking about killing loki and heimdall within the first 10 minutes of the movie um i just felt like Absolutely, the Russo brothers set the tone for this whole, the whole film in this first scene. And, and that's why the first scene is so important because it shows, as, as you guys have been saying, Thanos, how powerful he is with that power stone. And I think without that power stone, I think it's much more of an even match. But with that power stone, he's able to really take the Hulk down. Um, and then I think killing off Heimdall and killing off Loki right away, it's just, it, this is the Russos telling us, we're going to kill people and you're not going to know who it is and you're not going to see it coming and you're going to be shocked and don't think anybody is safe. And, and that's, that's great because we needed that. We needed real consequences to be shown to us. We needed to see deaths on screen in, in this movie. I, yeah, we're so jaded and, and you just yeah. fall into the fiction right away after you see that. I honestly mm. think that even without the power stone, Thanos takes Hulk. I, I, I think really, so too. I really? Okay. So it would have taken a lot longer. It, it would have taken longer, but he's from, I mean, he is from a race of godlike creatures, uh, beings on, from his planet of Titan. I mean, they were, I mean, that, I think when we get this Eternals movie that they're talking about, I think that, uh, we're going to be introduced to, and, 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 and it, it, it's canon now, 
uh, when uh, the, we'll talk about the Soul Keeper later on, but the Soul Keeper basically calls Thanos the son of Alars, and Alars was, I mean, one of the, one of these one of these titans, and I think that I think in the Eternals movie, I think we might get a lot of this kind of stuff in uh, mm-hmm. in that Eternals movie. I'm gonna, I'm also gonna say that I think the DCEU, and I don't, I don't want to bring them up, and I don't want this to be a huge thing where we, you know, bring all that stuff up. But I think that they, they need to look at this as maybe kind of like a, a way to kind of like do Darkseid. That's what I'm worried about because I, I, I do think Darkseid's an awesome character, and I'd like to, I'd like to see them flesh out Darkseid the way that we saw Thanos kind of like fleshed out in this film. Um, to. It felt like, you know, I don't want him to be like another Steppenwolf where he's just, I'm evil and bad, you know, and give me the stuff that can make me all powerful. And a lot of people were feeling like Thanos' main goal of, you know, doing this, what he did with the universe was like, like, what's the point in that? And I, I, I think it all goes back to his home world and, and seeing his home world the way uh, he he saw what was going to happen to his home world. He he saw that if they kept going at the rate that they're going, that this it's going to be overpopulation. There's going to be this catast- catastrophic event that's going to happen on this planet, and it's going to destroy his home world. And I think that he sees what he's doing by wiping out half of everything as salvation for everyone. He, he views himself yeah, yeah. saving the universe yes. right now. Like he Ab- absolutely agree. Like absolutely agree. He's, he thinks, yeah. he thinks of himself as a savior. And even, even Loki says you will, you will never be a God right before he snaps his neck. And I'm, mm. so much, so many, so many little things throughout this movie that just like when you, when you kind of like sit back and like let them sink in and you think about them, it can really just, can just blow you away. And I, I think that Thanos, that mm-hmm. character, the way they've fleshed him out here uh, is just not a big bad that wants to take over just to take over, but actually just wants to. He, he views himself as a savior. I, mm-hmm. I love. Yeah, I love you're, this. You're right, Brian. I mean, they did the impossible, kind of. They made me believe that he believes that genocide is the only way to yeah. save the universe. Like I, I get his motives. Like I don't agree with them, but they they did a good enough job of making me understand why the character himself does mm-hmm. and. It's there's so much to do with that. Like, like you said, if you think about it, it's crazy. Like, no one's gonna thank him for what he did, right? And he thinks of himself as a savior. You know, he's like he said, he's gonna look out at the sunset, and people will be grateful that he, you know, saved the world and all that. And that, yeah. that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Well, so, you know, it's here, crazy. Here's the other really interesting thing about Thanos um, is if it was just simply that he his motives were. You know what? There's too many poor people. There's 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 too many homeless people. There's too many hungry people, and they're just draining the system. We got to get rid of all these poor people, and then you know, then we'll be okay. That's so sort of like commonplace. But no, that's not even what he wants. He indiscriminately picks half the population, poor and rich alike. He even says that and says, "This is how I'm going to bring balance." In his mind, he is the hero in his own story. 
He mm-hmm. is the hero Thanos, not, not the villain. He's the good guy in all of this. And that's what makes him so compelling mm-hmm. is yeah. that yeah. he's not just like, I'm evil and I hate these people. No, he has a real reason. And I never imagined, like you said, Jake, I never imagined I would be so understanding. Like, oh, I kind of get where you're coming from. Like, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, obviously, I don't agree either, but I mean, it's crazy that yeah. I could leave the theater and understand him one of my favorite touches like little easter eggs is at the end credits that it says um donald's will return and that it goes with what you're saying rebecca even the movie itself is now giving donald's the bow and recognizing him as the hero that will return <laughs> right that's a, good, it, that's a great it's point insane. yeah it's insane and i thought that yeah it was great but- We've seen that even like with with Killmonger in Black Panther. I loved him in that movie because he was to me he was less of a villain and more of a victim of his circumstances, which makes his character so interesting and compelling. And and they've done it, but on a whole nother level with Thanos of like not that he's a victim, but just making him so interesting, his motives so interesting that you just can't help but kind of be like. Where is he going to go with this? Like, I, I got to see more of this now. Yeah, it was incredible. I, I never in a million years would I have thought that they would have actually done such a good job with this character as they did. No. Blew yeah. me away. It was one of my biggest concerns going into this. But on the flip side, I always had to think and sit back to myself and say, Brian, they cast Josh Brolin for a reason. This is not just, they just didn't cast like, and I love Chris Eccle, Christopher Eccleston, and I think he's a fantastic actor, but he doesn't have the, I mean, the A-lister status of a Josh Brolin. And, and, you know, even going into this movie, we kept, we kept hearing, you know, the Russo brothers and Feige saying, this is Thanos' movie. The, in a lot of ways, this is Thanos' movie. And, and as fans, we're jaded. I mean, we've been, we've been screwed over by so many other films in the past. And, um, we think to ourselves, whatever, whatever, whatever. You want to believe it. And they delivered. They won. Hundred percent delivered on on the on the uh, Brolin Thanos promise that they gave us, and it yeah. was unlike anything that I ever would have imagined. Yeah, it was yeah. unbelievable. And Such a marriage of performance and and writing. Sorry, Dan. That's okay, man. I was going to say like, and clearly like they wanted to make a statement at the, at the beginning of this film with the with the two deaths and him taking out Hulk. Yeah, they were basically saying strap in because this is going to be a fucking bumpy ride yeah and and it just it went on from there and one of the things i've got to applaud about this movie even though it was two and a half hours long i was never ever bored no (laughs) no part of it ever felt like you know it it slowed down it it flew by when i was watching it the pacing Mm -hmm. of it was just absolutely flawless do you want the you want the vision and scarlet witch uh romance comedy no. <laughs> I, and I, I love Vision as well. Yeah. Tell you what, I'll, I'll be honest, we'll get to that part, I'm sure, but, uh, oh god, I'll just say it now. Um, the little time that we had with Vision and Scarlet Witch in this and, and what they had by the end of the movie, the way they bookended it, um, when, when she starts to, feel the stone god i'm jumping ahead i don't care um when she starts to feel the energy in the stone and she says all i feel is you and then later on when she has to kill him and say and he says all i feel is you i started like getting teary-eyed in the theater and it just it, Mm -hmm. it it just bookended so 
it's like that's all I needed. And like Jake, we we talked on a previous episode. Like we need those two. I'd like to see them two. I said I would like to see them two meet and and their first you know their romance and stuff like that. But like the writers were able to give me everything that I wanted with those those two scenes. Like it was just yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And I, I remember that conversation. I agreed with you, but I was jaded and thought they would never show it at the start and yeah. just jump cut to the romance. Yeah. And, and that is what they did, but yeah. yeah, they somehow made that work too. I don't, I, yeah, it's, it's, it just blows my mind that they were able to pull that off because I, you know, it's like, I, I, I couldn't believe that I was feeling so much for vision in that moment. And just yeah. that relationship that they spent so much, just so little time on. And it was just those two lines, like, all I feel is you. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. You're killing well, well, me. How, how, how about when she's, like, right in that same scene, he says to her, you could never hurt me. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm just, <laughs> like, I, I'm in the theater. I've got the tissues, and I'm I'm tearing up. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is insane. And she's and she's sobbing, and he's like, it shouldn't have to be you, but it is you. And I'm sorry, but yeah. you've got to do this. I mean, oh, my God. That scene, that was so much emotion packed into those two little scenes that we believed that relationship. Yeah. We believed it. it was a, yeah. Elizabeth Olsen has really proved herself to me in this past year as being a fantastic actor. I mean, with Wind, oh, yeah. with Wind River and also with Ingrid Goes West. And the reason, like, okay, I just want to kind of, like, break this down. Like, why was Scarlet Witch the only one that could destroy that stone? Well, she was also her powers manifested from the mind stone. If we go back to Avengers Age of Ultron, that's where her and her brother Chris, uh, Quicksilver got their powers from was from the mind stone. So they're both. I mean, Vision was created from the mind stone and her powers manifested from the mind stone. So it's it's it makes sense. And I kept thinking to myself, is that why they're drawn together? After this movie got over with, I don't feel like they were – I feel like they fell in love. They just fell in love. It had nothing to do with the fact that they both had origins uh, from the Mind Stone. I felt like this was just two people – well, an android and, <laughs> and a woman um, that fell in love. I really love the um, first scene that they had together and the moment when they're on the street and, you know, he's saying that they work and she finishes the thought. And it's just such a charming scene. And I thought that scene really sold yeah. that they were just such a great couple, just their interaction with each other and how comfortable they seemed with each other during that little conversation. Yeah. And it really made you like jump. When the action happened, too, I thought, because you were so into the Mm -hmm. romance of it all. Mm -hmm. Like, it was working so well that when the cheap jump scare of the threat happened, like, it made me jump. Yeah, the guy in front of me, like, flew out of his fucking chair. (laughs) He was, like, he's a big dude as well. And he just, like, stood up and, like, kind of fell off to the left-hand side where he was sitting. (laughs) It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there was... There was one cheap shot. That was that one cheap shot. But my God, that was effective. Yeah, it was a great cheap shot. You know, the Russos were laughing about that. They were like, all right, the acting here has to be so good. Yep. So the fucking cheap shot will work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. The- well, I. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I wanted to say that I loved also how. Um, so with that jump, because you're not really expecting it after, you know, in the middle of this tender moment, I love that after, like during that fight and then like as it seems they're about to lose, I love that we get 
we we get Captain America right there with with Black Widow. I thought that was a great way to to bring him into it. We had seen that scene in the trailer where he's in the shadow and he catches that like spear, but uh, of course we didn't know like the context, whatever. I I love my theater erupted in applause. Same. Like when yeah. when, when he yeah. came on screen, my entire theater cheered. Like it, it was crazy, and I thought that was a great way to bring Cap in, into the movie. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Oh, that's one of my biggest surprises of the movie. Um, and I don't know if I if it bothers me or not, but I find it very odd for a movie that was directed by the Russo brothers who did the two previous Captain America movies. I felt like Captain America had almost the least amount of story progression in this in this movie, his movie of anyone. His next movie is going to be Avengers four. That's OK. I feel like this one was Tony. And I feel oh, like definitely this one was mm-hmm. I feel like this one was Tony and I feel like the next one's going to be more cap centric. OK, I do um, with all the characters that left us in this one. I feel we're left with a lot of old ones and I feel they're making they're giving us possibly the next movie with all these other characters out of the way giving us one last hurrah with the old regime, with the old team before some of these guys die. So, um, but I do feel like Cap is going to have a bigger, bigger presence in the next film. And then also, I also wanted to point out that what's also amazing about this is we never got a scene or a conversation between Tony and Steve Rogers at all. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You're Not absolutely once. right. I, I thought we would, but I'm guessing they're saving that for four. But, um, yeah, I, but Jake, I, I'm just going to agree with you that that was my initial takeaway from this movie too. I was like, there wasn't enough Captain America in this movie. Like I felt like he didn't have a lot to do. I felt like there could have been a lot more of him in the movie, but, but it's definitely, Tony heavy, absolutely Tony Stark heavy in this movie. Back, yeah, because we would say that back. It well, didn't matter how much Chris Evans was in this movie, it wasn't going to be listen, enough. I am, I am putting the obsession aside, and I am speaking as if I were not stalking him. So. Of course, of course. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm a savvy enough moviegoer, and I know you guys are too. That when you get to about the three quarters mark of this movie, with kind of the way the edits working, like in my head, I'm going, okay. No way Cap dies, no matter what, because they haven't given him any kind of an edit that could dictate that they could kill him off this movie, you know? I mean, I had never any fear that Cap was going to die just well, based on what they'd given us in the first 80% of the movie. Mine was the fact when they were like, the whole battle for Wakanda was protecting Vision. I was like, they, I just felt like, they're not going to kill Cap because the Vision is the ultimate. They're not going to kill Cap and then I think like directly kill Vision next. I just felt like that scene was – I don't know. I just felt – I felt like if they're going to kill anybody, they're going to kill Cap after they would kill Vision because that's a bigger death that yeah. we kind of like want to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, exactly. So, it just plot wise made no sense anymore yeah. once you'd seen yeah. three quarters of the movie. Yeah. It was like, okay, if they killed Cap here, it would be the biggest cop out ever because they didn't – there was no build to it, you know? Can we jump? Yeah, I want to. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, but also, like, um, you know, he, like, for Thanos, like, the, the Cap's like a, a nothing. You know, he doesn't doesn't even know who the hell he is. He's, mm. he's just a guy. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that was, he, like you're saying, man, like, he's after vision, he's after the stones, and that's all he's after. And just so happens that Mindstone is in vision. So that's what he's going for. So all these people that are, like, in his way, they might as well not 
be anything except for Thor, obviously. I want to see somebody. <laughs> oh my God. I want to see somebody do like a parody video of Captain America and Thanos in the Sylvester Stallone over the top movie with the arm. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, he puts the cap on backwards. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be so good? He's oh. all wrestling with his pinky because yeah. <laughs> it's as big as his hand. Let's jump. I yeah. want to uh, go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, but on the other hand, I was like, I completely fell into the fiction with Tony. Like, I completely thought the first time I watched it, I thought he was biting it for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. my God. Um, let's jump back. I want to jump back to Thanos at the beginning of the movie here real quick when he has the Power Stone. And, um, you know, we speculated that maybe we would get the scene where he goes to Xandar and gets it from the vault on the Nova Corps, uh, from the Nova Corps. Um, we find out later in the movie from Thor when he's with the Guardians, he basically says, and he uses the words that Thanos decimated the Nova Corps and yeah. and, and Xandar. So my question to you guys is, um, does this possibly set up, this possibly set up a Nova film? And, and, and let me bring this up. The character of Nova is Richard Ryder, and as a teenager, he was chosen at random by Roman Day. We've been introduced to Roman Day, guys. Roman Day was John C. Riley's character in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So he, in the comics, was the last surviving Centurion from Xandar. Um, and he chooses Richard Ryder, this teenage boy from Earth, to inherit the power to be Nova Prime. So I'm guessing that, uh, you know, I, and that was, and that was, uh, this was, this was after Xandar was, was kind of just destroyed by this character named, uh, Zor in the comics. Now, just basically all you have to do here is replace Zor with Thanos and we've got our Nova film. Mm. Yeah, I think this is a hundred percent lock, Brian. And I think half the reason we didn't see any of yes, this is because you don't want to interfere with that yes, director's vision. We're going to see that scene in the Nova yeah. film. That makes yeah. total sense what you're saying right there. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to yeah, see. And you don't want to run into any problems where it's like with the Thanos stuff where yeah. it's like, oh, he looks like this in that movie and this in that movie. Right. And we can just avoid all that by waiting until the Nova movie until we see it at all. Well, I mean, yeah. James Gunn, we've already found out from Marvel Studios that James Gunn is going to be heading up this whole like cosmic universe. I'm not saying he's going to be directing everything, but he's basically going to be kind of like the Feige for this, this, this cosmic, these cosmic set of stories. And I feel like Nova is the perfect kind of character for James Gunn and whoever, whatever director he chooses to take on the project. And I feel like Nova going forward, and it definitely, I think they're going to want to go with a teenage Nova. I think with Tom Holland being a part of this universe, that they're definitely want to, they're going to stay in Shuri. They want to, they want to have some younger actors involved in this. And I think, I think Nova, um, I don't know where they would introduce Nova. Um, I, I'm guessing I, I would have to imagine that at, at the end of one of these films, just like in this film, we got a tease for an upcoming character that we they might tease they might tease Richard Ryder, the Nova Corps, in another film. We 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 don't know, but um, I I think this sets up. I think the destruction, the decimation of Xandar definitely sets up uh, uh, the possibility of, of of having teenage Nova in the universe. Yeah, yeah, is no is Nova a movie that you would want to see? Yes, 100%. yes, yes. I love Nova. Absolutely, Nova is definitely a movie I want to see. It's- and you can you can just like imagine like this teenage kid finding out like all the powers of the suit 
and everything yeah. and flying up this, into space for the first is, time. It's going to be what go- it's going to be what the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie should have been. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I mm-hmm, was kind mm-hmm. of playing devil's advocate with that because yeah. that that would be a shitload of fun. That really will be. Oh. Yeah, it's so so much easier of a, I think a gateway drug into the cosmic universe than like say Adam Warlock would be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point, guys. Let's talk I about. Def- I definitely want Adam Warlock though, as soon as humanly possible. Guardians of the Galaxy oh, yeah. Three, it's happening. Yep, it really. Yes, yeah, and, Guardians Three, and oh, and and and, and months ago last year, uh, James Gunn randomly threw up a picture of um, an old piece of uh, electronics. I, I think it was a a Quasar VCR. And okay, uh, so we might be getting Quasar, possibly. Uh, I love Wendell Vaughn. <laughs> For Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, we might be getting Quasar, so we'll find out. That, that'll be cool. I, I love that character. So did I. I was reading that comic in the nineties. It's such man. a stupid fucking character, but it came out like when we were yes, that age. You know, yes. it was like one of the comics that could be our number one. Th- th- thank you, because when that comic came out and it had a number one on it, I was like, I'm jumping on it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, it, cost- and then it became part of Operation Galactic Storm. <laughs> yeah. and I got a yep. giant fucking. You know, nerd boner for that shit. Yeah. So oh, I loved it. I did too. And, but the costume needs updated. <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta give him the fucking galaxy cape. I, <laughs> oh, I love the galaxy cape. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta give him the cape. I, so I, good. You know what? If they did give me just comic accurate quasar, I'd be happy. I would. I would. I'd be happy. <laughs> Played by Owen Wilson. Oh, no. Get out of here. Wow. 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 Oh, my God. Oh, man. I love that um, idea of – I think Adam Warlock does work better introducing him in a Guardians movie and then from there moving on to a solo movie. Yeah. I mean, gosh, and knowing all the timing of it, like, man, they very well could end up doing Adam Warlock Infinity Gym stuff, right? I mean, the timing really lines up for that. Is hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Adam's going to be the villain in Guardians 3, as far as we know, because that's the way it kind of got set up at the end in the post-credits scene. Yeah. So, before there's a Mm -hmm. redemption, right? Yeah, I I don't know. That seems a little bit tropey to me. I kind of hope that's not the case. I hope he wakes up and instantly defies his masters and isn't the main protagonist Hmm. or or antagonist. I mean, I I, I guess then it would just be the Guardians taking on that golden race of aliens, which doesn't sound exciting to me. Oh, no, that sounds terrible. But I mean, you would have a different a different person that we don't know of yet as the main villain. I don't know if I like that at all either. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what they would do. But he I don't had, know. He has the Soul Stone, right? That's Adam Warlock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but how would he create... get that is the question. I they, I don't think they really have to to take from the comics. You know what I mean? I know, they don't have to, but it'd yeah. be cool. <laughs> well, that was a hell of a tangent. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to the movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about uh, what we thought were going to be called the Black Order, but then we kind of thought it might be called the Children of Thanos, and then we find out it's the Children of Thanos. So, yeah, let's talk about these different characters. we got Cole Obsidian, um, who just remind me of Non from, like, the Superman 2 film. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good good callback. And then yep. the noises that he would make when he would talk, it was like in an alien language. It, if you go back and watch Stargate, he sounds like the aliens in Stargate. <laughs> it's like, I liked it. I thought it was awesome. Um, but, yeah, uh, I liked it too. We got, uh, and then we got Kerry Coon as, uh, Proxima Midnight. Uh, we've got, uh, Ebony Maw, who was kind of like the wizard, and, um, Corvus Glaive, who is, uh, in the comics, he's a general, and in this, he just seemed more of like a, a, a warrior. And, um, I don't know, not too interesting of a character. They kind of tried to set up a little bit of a, uh, a battle and, uh, between him and Vision that kind of like, they wanted that to pay off at the end. And I think that, that whole scene, I think, paid off a little bit more with, uh, Cap and Vision and how, Cap was reacting to Vision taking off without uh, letting them know where he's at, and and uh, you know, I, that's where I thought that that was very cool. But um, what did you guys think about the um, the children of Thanos? I thought they were cool. I didn't hate these characters. I, going in, I think I said a bunch of times in the podcast that I was scared that this would be the dumbest part of the movie, and I thought they they were very effective in what they were. Just foils and things to fight and they even gave them each a little bit of personality and stuff to be interested in so mm-hmm. i thought they shockingly pulled this off pretty decent i like these characters my favorite was ebony maw by a long yes. shot i mean mm-hmm. um they you know just having him and he was taken out early he was the first one taken out but uh just what he was doing in new york was fascinating and it was amazing i loved how when uh Cole Obsidian got tossed at him. He didn't. He didn't use his powers to like stop Cole Obsidian. He just kind of threw <laughs> the big lug out of the way and had him hit a car. And I was just yeah. like, "That's awesome." He split a car down the middle so it wouldn't hit him. When he was flying, he was basically using like pieces of the concrete as like a um, an Aladdin's uh, you know uh, rug like to a like flying carpet, flying yeah. carpet mm-hmm. to just like go through. And he just he looked awesome. I thought the character design on him looked cool. He had scars and cuts on him and. And um, I just felt like he was a worthy kind of opponent for Doctor Strange there at the beginning. I I, I loved this character. I, I, out of all of them, I feel like he was the most fun and most interesting. And so when they took him out first, I was kind of like, damn. But, man, he went out in an awesome fashion. So I, I, liked, <laughs> I liked Ebony Maw. Yeah, me too, man. He he was my favorite out of out of all of the children of Thanos. Because I mean, in the comics, we get a little bit of backstory, and they each have kind of like their own particular strengths yes. that get focused on throughout the run of the comic. Which we didn't, you know, didn't really get any of that like sort of exposition in this. But you know, at the end of the day, like the Russo said, it's Thanos's movie, so we didn't need it. And it, was it just me, or was Proxima Midnight pretty hot? <laughs> was it, or was it literally just me? That <laughs> was, was you, buddy. But I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> just you, you fucking weirdo. Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they, I they called them. it. I thought they were great. They call her Proxima Midnight because you want the lights out if you're going to be with her. That's why they, <laughs> <laughs> they should have called her Proxima Lights Out. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? I love a strong woman. I can't help it. <laughs> well, see, the thing, I, I thought Carrie Coon did a fine job for the lines that she was given. I could definitely tell it was her. But Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was uh, – I don't know. And they kind of did something with her arc too. I mean, they had the fight at the end, you know, at the beginning with – with her and um, Scarlet Witch, uh, which we saw a little bit of that in the trailer, and no, in the uh, leaked footage that came out on Vimeo, and then we got Scarlet Witch 
at the end of the film, taking her out. And uh, apparently she has blue blood. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Was, um, Black Widow says, she goes, oh, that was really gross. That was really good. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. She just like gets minced up by those giant wheels with all those blades on. Soon as, oh, as soon God. as she shows up for that battle, though, as soon as she shows up, Scarlet Witch is on the grounds of Wakanda and she's fighting. Instantly, I think it was Proxima Midnight messaged the. She talked to Corvus Glaive and said, "She's not up there anymore." So, like they they knew yeah. they knew that yeah. Vision was unguarded, and that that's when they went in for the kill for Vision. And I was just like, "Okay, I, I, she had to be there to save them. She was doing the right thing, but." If she would have stayed back, I mean, they might have had more time to get that stone off of Vision. And I, oh man, this part of me is sad that she's kind of gone now because she doesn't have to deal with the ramifications of that. Mm. Yeah, it was. Um, it, that's the thing. It, it also speaks a lot to like the power level of the character as well. The fact that like you know they had to get her away from Vision because they knew that they weren't going to be able to get to him with her there. Yes. She absolutely destroyed them. Yes. That's so cool. Yes. But um, that's the one thing I, I I really loved about like the the Vision Scarlet Witch um like fights between them and the children of Thanos because it's so after that scene like that build up scene with their relationship and you know as, as a comic book fan anyone is sitting there and they're like yes like they're finally together and you know that was just brilliant to see but it's so emotionally charged and it's just like the absolute like rage that was coming out of scarlet witch where they were messing with her man was so fucking cool mm-hmm. and the fact that she's like arguably more powerful than he is and it's like so she's like the one that's going to be protecting them i thought that was really sweet well he was kind of taken i mean as soon i think it was uh as soon as corvus glaive stabbed him he lost all phasing powers mm-hmm. yeah that's right yeah mm-hmm. and that was and that was one of the things one of the problems i have with this movie but it this is something that isn't new in the MCU. A lot of the tech and a lot of the, you know, like the, the science in inverted commas, um, like behind like the metals and things like that doesn't make sense. They kind of work and they don't work when they need them to. Yeah. So like, um, like Corvus's blade, um, when he's fighting Cap, Cap has the vibranium shields on each hand and he can block the glaive with like, you know, with his shield. Well, Vision is made of vibranium, so that blade should literally have not done anything to him. Oh, wow. Yeah, good observation. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's great a, call I didn't out. think about that, but that's an excellent point, Dan. But but you're right. The, the MCU does that. You know, things conveniently break down and things conveniently don't work, and uh, but, 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 but they conveniently do work in other situations. Yeah. Um, what what you were saying earlier about the children of, of of Thanos, how like we didn't really get any backstory on them. I, I will admit that on my first viewing of this movie, that 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 bugged me. I was like, well, we don't really know anything about these characters. Like they don't even tell us their names. Like if you're not like a comic reader, do you even know who these people are? Um, but then on my second viewing, and then after like thinking about it for a bit, I thought to myself, the other thing about these children of Thanos who go after like trying to get the stone, et cetera, they're a great foil for how Nebula and Gamora are because Nebula and Gamora are also children of Thanos in their own way, but 
they hate him. They they despise him. They detest him. Whereas these characters, they like worship the ground he walks on. So totally different. And I thought it was a really good way to show like it was a really good way to show the differences between these two groups of people who are all his children. Yeah. Also, like um, that's an excellent point. Like it's almost like what could have been for Gamora and Nebula. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what would have happened if they had, if he had been able to charm them to his side, you know, would they be fighting against the Avengers? That's a crazy thing to think about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. It's almost like eventually Insano got what he wanted, like his, you know, the perfect obedient children. Yeah. And they've yeah. been, they've been with him for a while too. Like we, we get the flashback with Gamora and on her home planet and, and we've got, we've got Ebony Maw there giving out his, his famous speech that he gives that when they decimate yeah, half of the planet, you know. Yeah. Oh my God. That bit where I, cause I didn't see it coming. Like there, you know, we've seen that, that shot in the trailer of him walking Gamora yeah. up to those steps and everything. And he shows her the knife and you see that, the, First of all, you just think, oh, they've just like made kind of like a path between so they can walk through. But no, they've split the population in half. Yeah. And one side gets completely wiped out, whereas everyone else has to watch on. That is fucking brutal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was, oh my God. It was, there's so many moments in this movie where like you just, you, you, you don't see it coming and then these things happen and you just go, oh Jesus Christ, like. I never thought I'd see this in a Marvel film. He had to do it the old-fashioned way back then. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, So, yeah, I I really enjoyed these characters. Uh, As far as, like, uh, the Hulk in this movie, um, Bruce Banner's all over the place in this film, right? I mean, he starts off uh, on, uh, you know, with the Sanctuary 2, destroying the half of the Asgardians, as we find out later. Then he's on Earth hanging out with uh, Tony, and then by the end of the film, he's in Wakanda. But Thanos basically scares. I know the Russos said it's respect. I think... No. He scares oh, the no. shit. He's You're scared out of the Hulk. He's terrified. Yes. Hulk, Hulk has Hulk has never been beat in anything we've ever seen him in. He always overpowers what he fights. Yeah, that's that's what he does. And he could not beat this guy. Like he he got his ass handed to him, and yeah. he was basically being a little bitch throughout the entire course of this movie. No, just going, no. Yeah. I, I thought this stuff was hilarious. I. I think the metaphor is there, right? I mean, Thanos gave Banner erectile dysfunction, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, pretty much. That's a big, big, no, like, there's a gave, lot of innuendo. He gave the yeah, Hulk. Oh, yeah, he, it's there. He gave the Hulk erectile dysfunction. Oh, are you talking about Banner? Oh, Banner, because he can't get no, it up. No, he gave it to Banner. Yeah. Banner can't get it up, man. Yeah, I get that. I get <laughs> it. get it out. I get that joke now. Um, but Banner himself is like, I think the Hulk after this, I think this is necessary for that, for the Hulk going forward in the future, I think the the Hulk is going to have a newfound respect for Banner because Banner was the one in the Hulkbuster and he took care of Cole Obsidian. That was fucking awesome too. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I first, I don't know. I thought when he said he was going to do it, I thought he was going to lose because I knew things were potentially going to get dark. And when Banner won, I cheered like a fucking twelve. Well, don't you think that the Hulk <laughs> is kind of like? The Hulk is going to be a little bit more compliant to Banner going forward in the future, and don't you? I'm right after. after I, lo- I love that theory where Hulk's like, "Damn, dude, respect." 
Yes, I, 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 I feel like going forward because it's been a constant battle between those two. And I'm not saying like it's going to go away 100%, but I, I do feel like going forward, there's going to be a little bit more growth for the Hulk here, and he's going to have a little bit of respect for Banner. I feel like the Hulk is just like, you know, I'm the strong one, you're weak. And he says it yeah. to Thor. He even says it to Thor. So what does he think of Banner? He's got to respect the mind of the man now and, and the, and the sheer will of the man to, to do what he did. And did you guys notice that Cole Obsidian had like a, like a new robotic arm when that was going on? Yes. That was mm-hmm. fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he, I also love, Oh, go ahead. No, I just said he lost his arm when, uh, Wong shut that portal. And I that love that. So good. And, and then, and then, and then Tony says, Wong, you're invited to my wedding and flies off. <laughs> yeah, that was a great. Line. I love that. That, that was, was great. That was great stuff. That like, was I, I, I love the, um, what, what, what you're saying, Brian, about the Hulk and, and Banner. I, I, I think you're onto something there. I think, I think you're right that the Hulk is going to be, have more respect for Banner and the, the Hulk has really come a long way. Like we saw in, in in Thor Ragnarok, we saw how far the Hulk has come as his own character, mm-hmm. where now he can talk like in full sentences and make sense and not just be like, Hulk smash. Like he's not that guy anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and we, I loved the bits where he was in the Hulk buster and he's like, come on, come on. And then he, for a second, he's the Hulk and he's like, no. And then he goes back and he's like, what do you mean? No. <laughs> and then, I, I bust you guys, but when Banner said, fine, I'll do it myself. Yes. I laughed to myself so hard because that's the line we've been hearing about Thanos the whole time, right? Yeah. Fine. I'll yeah. do it myself. I loved that. I thought that was a great little self-aware and he called joke. The Hulk, he called the Hulk an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 we've never really seen Bruce be able to talk to the Hulk yes. like that. Like yes. we've never been able to do that. Like uh he he just he calls him the other guy and 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 in in, in Ragnarok when when he was Hulk, you know, he he spoke about Banner like, "Oh, you Banner's friend." You know that that kind of thing and but this is them talking to each other. Yes. In the same body, it was it was great. I think so cool. I think Banner throughout this whole movie, and I, I, I love this that he wasn't able to Hulk out. I think he asserted some dominance over the Hulk. I'm not saying that it, that the Hulk is not going to continue in the future to be impetulant and uh, petulant and, and and not be rebellious. But I am I am saying I think there's going to be more of like um, uh, more of a respect going forward. Um, mm-hmm. when, when yeah, you have. I, I think you're completely onto something, Brian. Because eventually, it just gets, gets old with that storyline, right? Eventually, you have to go to the next level. Yeah, and it's cool that they have a great plot reason as to why now Banner and Hulk can flip it. Will right? They didn't cheat it. You know, it's not yeah. cheap at all. Right? Exactly. Um, I really love the trailer manipulation that happened here. Trailer too, trickery. Talking, trailer talking trickery. About the Hulk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I loved that. I wanted to get into that too, Jake. I mean. um the are you talking about the, the Wakanda charging scene? Well, yeah. Just since we were talking about the Hulk in, in all forms, that's what was one of the big things for me too. I was like, I always thought Banner would get it up because I saw in the trailer that you know, yeah, there was he was the, charging with the Avengers, yes. and it was like, what the fuck? It's not it happening. Fucking lie! Yes. It was a lie. <laughs> well, and so I was, love that man. So was the guys. 
so I mean, we we we've been tricked by these trailers before. The San Diego Comic Con fans were tricked by Thor's having both eyeballs when he first met the Guardians. They saw Thor yep. with both eyes. Okay, so um, they were tricked there. We so that's that stuff is happening. So going forward. That's not off the table for them to do this. They're they're gonna trick us with this stuff. We noticed when in the original, uh, the second trailer, when we've got Steve Rogers and he's and he's doing the over to, over the top moment, and Thanos is <laughs> you know pushing down on him with the gauntlet. In the original trailer, we've only got the Power Stone and the Space Stone, yep. but we know at this time Thanos has. Five stones. I mean, he's got five stones. At the, the only stone he's missing is the mind stone. So there's trailer trickery going on here. How much fucking podcast time did we like we spend on trying to do the math because of how many stones <laughs> yeah. Thanos yeah. had in that scene too? So it's like you motherfuckers. Well, I, I you know like we both we both were leaning more towards okay, he's only got the two stones, right? Yeah, but we kind of like. It said that there is a chance that they did some trailer trickery here. And I think now that we 100% know that they did, going forward, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe anything. Nothing. Absolutely. It makes it hard. Yes. And I love it. Like when we, oh, I love it too. Cause like when we were, we were having the talks about like what was gonna be the like big final action set piece, that was like one of the big things throwing me off on that was like, well, it's not here because yeah. he has so few of the stones, you know. Well, I, I I felt like that, that it was. I thought I felt like if we go, if you went back and listen, I think that I was thinking that we'd we'd be on Titan and that that he would come back. And I was right about that, but I was wrong about a lot of other things. So it's but, but yeah, you, you were he, definitely you definitely called that he would be Titan first and then move to the um, yeah. What kind I kind of thought the Titan stuff was like the hidden third act that we didn't know much about. Yeah, mm, but you were right about a lot of other stuff, man. I remember when that first trailer came out where we saw the Hulkbuster come down and land, and you said you were like, "That doesn't look like Tony's in that," and you said that you reckoned that that Banner was in the suit and that he somehow wouldn't be able to Hulk out, and you were absolutely spot mm-hmm. on about that. And I, I call, I did call Loki's death. I did. You call did. Now I wasn't one hundred percent right about how like it happened, but I did call it, and I did say that I thought that the Black Order was going to execute him, but uh, I, I did say that Thor would be forced to watch the death of his brother, and, and we did see that. So, um, yeah, I remember you saying that too. I'm happy about that. Um, yeah. Oh, can I just come back to the whole very very quickly? Dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm happy I, I was right. Can I go back to the Hulk very quickly? What you guys were saying earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, like I, I think the people are kind of like aside from like dick jokes aside, I think they're kind of missing. Some people are missing the point that this is like you guys are saying, having Banner and Hulk actually having a conversation in the same body. This is the closest that they've ever been. You know, like Banner's not referring to him as like the other guy anymore. And he's not like this kind of like really dark mm. personality that yeah. he doesn't that is dangerous and he doesn't want to unleash. Like they're they've kind of like as the films have gone on, people say that Hulk's an incredibly shallow character. But as like as the films have gone on, they're getting closer and closer together. And now we're seeing them interact in the same body as well as what you were saying, Brian, actually having Banner be like the hero for once. It's, it's there's a lot of growth for Hulk and Banner in this film, which I think kind of is kind of like under the radar quite a lot. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes on, like in the next movie. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen films yeah. in, you can kind of respect it, right? It kind of feels like a really cool slow burn. 
Yeah, I think so, man. And it's and that's the thing, like because a lot of it is covered in jokes, so people don't really, you know, you sort of you laugh at the, the dick jokes and everything, and and you know him like going no, being this like petulant little child. Well, they they, but, they, they 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 found great ways too in this. It's just it's back uh, like talking to Ban- about Banner to exp- you know to explain that yeah, this guy's been gone for like four years now, you know, like four or yeah. five years or whatever. I mean, he's back. He had no idea that the Avengers had broken up. I mean, he's mm-hmm. finding about, yeah. he's finding out about it after Heimdall, Heimdall called the Bifrost one last time to send him back to Earth. He's talking to Tony and oh my God. And he's finding out that the Avengers broke up when he first sees Tony, when he walks out of the portal and he first sees Tony and gives him the hug, I about died like oh my yeah. god he yeah. is just scared mm. to death thanos is coming thanos is coming yeah. and it's like and i know I, I know that that scene has a lot of exposition in it you know in the character's lines but i actually because and normally i'd kind of roll my eyes at that and think oh that's just kind of like a little bit of like lazy storytelling but it really serves a purpose you know banners a thinking man and he is absolutely petrified yeah. and he just wants to tell everyone exactly what is happening in the straightest terms possible and this is this is happening so it, it just it really worked for that yeah. scene that just like no bullshit delivery i really enjoyed that they're close too i mean the friendship between banner and, and tony they've explored that we've seen that in other movies they both are kind of like on the same like um, they're both brilliant. The intelligence level between these guys is like right there, and and they've shared a lot. We saw like in the therapy session. I mean, they've shared a lot. These guys <laughs> forgot about that. They've had. A, they have a science cl- bros. They're science, science bros. bros. Exactly. <laughs> they've they've shared a lot, and so like that that moment felt very real to me. It felt very yeah. real to me, and I oh man, that, that was. Uh, I was just sucked in from all this, from yeah. all this at the beginning. I mean, all of the character interactions were seriously genuine in this. Like, I, I was, there was only one point that I was thrown off, and that was when, um, in like, kind of like the mid battle, um, but, uh, against Thanos, when they have him and the glove is coming off, and Star Lord punches him in the face. I don't. Oh. Well, someone has said that in, in, in the army page as well, that it's a lot to put on that character. And I don't, I, I know obviously like the reveal to, um, Star Lord that like he killed, uh, Gamora and everything is, is brutal, but it's like, it just seems like that Star Lord would, would realize after mm. saving the galaxy once already that, that him acting like that isn't going to help. Can so I, that was can the, I, can I, the can I, only thing. Can I play devil's yeah, advocate? He doesn't get much time to formulate a plan can, here. Can I play devil? Yeah, I let me play devil's advocate here real quick. Yeah, sure. This is the second time in his life that the most important woman in his life has been taken from him. Yeah. And so I feel like that is the reason that he does what he does here. And yeah. he doesn't... He's not thinking rationally. He's, yeah, he's not in his right mind at that moment. He's he's turned into that little boy that sees his mom dies and he runs away. That's he's turned into that boy. He's full with anger and he's and fear and and he's taking it out on Thanos. Like yeah. 
So, and yeah, Star Lord's not a saying. perfect guy either. He's nowhere near a perfect guy. How much does Star Lord care about anyone but his own people at this point? Still, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm Dan. I had the exact same reaction that you're talking about. Like when. I mean, and, and they're working as a team and the plan came together and, 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 and they're yanking the glove off and he's standing in front of him and, and you've got, um, you've got Mantis like basically just keeping him sort of just tranquil enough that he doesn't fight back and he's in his face provoking him. I'm just like, no, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, it got, like, I got upset at that point. But, I mean, I guess that's the point, too, of that scene. And and what you're saying, Brian, makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, he had to, he he saw his mom dying and, and he ran away. And then his, he finds his dad and then the dad turns out to be evil and he and he has to kill him. And then here's, here's Gamora, another important woman in his life. And she's taken from him. Um I think if I think about it more, I'll probably be okay with that. But in the moment, it, it's very upsetting to watch. Like it's it's angering that they've almost won and and he messes it up. One yeah. thing I, I I really love that scene. It was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I, I think there's a little bit of meta stuff going on there too. I feel like it's a little bit of commentary on how they normally wrap up these kind of threats in these kind of movies. Like, let's pretend Star Lord didn't do that and the plan worked. Like, what are you rating this movie then? If that's how mm. they stopped it. Spider-Man right. rips off the glove. They save the day. Cut to Wakanda. Everything dies. Everyone cheers. Roll the credits. <laughs> no, this is, this is, guys, okay, this is the way it was supposed to happen. And I 100% believe that Doctor Strange in this moment knows that this is what needs to happen at this yes. moment. Okay. Absolutely. 100% agree. Doctor Strange. Be. Why else does he give up that stone so easily? Well, yeah. Okay, here, thing. take the stone, spare Tony life yeah. because we just got done seeing him say i saw the future and i've seen 14 million blah 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 outcomes and only one of them do we win i, I yeah. think dr strange knows exactly what he's doing yeah well, by yeah. giving him the soul stone Be- i mean uh, the 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 stone before dr agreed Str- before dr strange dies he says this was the only way so yeah can we go back to the how many chances there were how many how many realities that he went through uh he went through like 14 million and 65 thank you and so basically (laughs) at that point he says this was the only way so he says it was only one way worked only one of those attempts worked Uh, Mm -hmm. and so this was the only way they have to let thanos win before they can win and yeah. Oh, I loved it when he gave him the stone, how it was hidden. It was a star and he plucked it like it was a star yeah. from mm-hmm. the sky. What a great. Doesn't Dr. Strange say we're in the end game now, Tony? Yes. yes. Yeah, he does. I fucking loved that line mm. when he said we're in the end game, Tony. He like that just to me solidifies that he knew exactly what he was doing. He's the master strategist here. He's the only one that can strategize. He's the only one who can see the future. And oh, that scene was just so because when 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 Thanos stabbed Tony, I thought, oh, this is it. This is yeah. it. He's, he's dead. We're gonna watch Iron Man die on screen. This is it. It's over. And yeah. and of course he does it in that moment because Doctor Strange gives up the stone. And okay. oh my so, god. So so people so people are saying, well, if this was if this is the one way, if this is the one way 
and you know that, then why don't you tell Tony? Well, okay, maybe that one way you're required not to tell Tony. You're mm-hmm. exactly yeah, exactly. So yeah, he basically has to trust that everyone is going to play their part into how this all plays out. Yes, that's, that's what he has to do. We got to understand this is we're talking about the Sorcerer Supreme here. Like this guy, like his first yeah. taste of the mystical arts was uh, the ancient one sending him through the cosmos. He even went to the quantum realm at one time. I mean, his first introduction to the, the the mystical arts was basically going through time and space. And since then, now he's the source of Supreme. Imagine his understanding of things at this point. So he knows the time stone. I think the time stone revealed to him what 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 needed to be done here. And so that's why, you know, when we get the death of all these characters, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at ease because of the things that Doctor Strange kind of like revealed mm-hmm. to us. Yeah, I agree agreed. with that. I wasn't a big fan of the end game line in dialogue. I thought that was one of the more ham-fisted lines in the movie. Oh, I love it. I love it. I loved it. Yeah. Especially, especially if like, if the next movie is called Avengers Endgame, no. then puke on that line. No. no. Agreed, agreed at that, but. No, in the movie, saying it was the end game was brilliant. Kevin, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I love <laughs> it. I just, I was like, can't Doctor Strange fucking not say something that completely vague and bullshit at this moment? I thought <laughs> I, I, it's a symbolic line, like the, yes. it's like the end game of death. Like you know, you've like most of the pieces from the board have all been removed; they've all been taken. So you only have like these few remaining pieces. That's what it's a reference to. It's brilliant. Yeah. I have oh, said oh, Avengers okay. disassembled or something. Oh no, he should have should he should have went checkers. He should have went checkers and said King me. <laughs> it's but the I'm, end game. I'm not, like, uh, I, can't, I think uh, I haven't watched Doctor Strange since I saw it in the cinema the one time. I, I'm around a, a taste it to high taste it. Depends what day it is. But I really love the writing of Doctor Strange in this, and I think the Benedict Cumberbatch did a, a better job in this than he did in the previous movie. I know he was finding his feet in the, in the origin movie, but in this it was so nice to see Doctor Strange like comfortable in his position with all of his spells and tricks all like just down to ah, it was beautiful just like seeing him like you know do all the gestures and all the different spells that he was using that was so cool it was like the Doctor Strange I wanted to see in the first movie so that was that was nice for me I agree with that 100% I, I enjoyed Doctor Strange as a character more in this movie than in the first one like they definitely made him more likable it was kind of like the ant-man civil war effect a little bit oh i i loved him in the first doctor strange movie i don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about i thought he was i don't think he's supposed to like him very much in that first movie though right oh i mean at the the beginning of the movie not so much but oh my god i loved i loved that movie i'm not like i guess oh i love the movie too no i'm just aware and i still do yeah i don't know i i i love i did love the character journey in that one and i i liked how everything kind of like I don't know. I, I I don't. I didn't really have a problem with it. It's no, no, kind of no. like the sequel effect, though. It's like how Spider Man Two is better than Spider Man One. It's like we got through all that awesome stuff, and now we're getting to see it just in full effect, and getting to see him be Doctor Strange in his element. Yeah, it's, like in his prime. That's what, and that's why I, I really enjoyed like seeing I like, him. I, yeah, just I guess being awesome. I like. I'm. I kind of like the origin stories. 
I know a lot of people. I'm done with Spider-Man origin stories, but like for Doctor Strange, I wanted that origin story. And I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I love that movie. It's, it doesn't take away, but the character definitely comes off as a more fun character in Infinity War. And the cloak was brilliant. In oh, this. Yeah. It was used yeah. to such mm-hmm. good effect. I loved it like, when it was attacking through. attacking Drax, and he says, get, get, "What do you call it? Like the blanket of death or something?" Yeah, 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 yeah. blanket of death. It's great. <laughs> oh god! I mean, this this is the thing about this film. Like, you know, we're jumping all over the place, but there's so much to cover, and in every single scene, there's there's emotional moments, there's laughs, there's amazing action, there's fantastic like you know score and cinematography and special effects it's it's just oh man every time every scene i think of there's a there's a piece of it that i can pull out and i absolutely adore it's just it's yeah. something else this movie the second time you see it was even better than the first too yeah like, i'm gonna go back and ugh. see it in imax 3d for definite because i only saw it in 2d so i i need to get that full-on experience with the enormous sound system and everything i can't imagine what it would be like seeing thanos pull the surface of a moon off and throw it oh, at God. them yeah, in it was 3d a- yeah, it was incredible. Can I can I explain like another thing that I loved about that scene and how they did that scene is and I'm sure you guys noticed this, but I do want to point it out um, because this was kind of like a combo thing is this whole battle sequence. And, and then it goes with the with him taking the moon out when he uses the gauntlet, each color as he does a power represents what power he's using. So when he first hits that moon, it's with the power stone. You see the moon kind of like explode and break up into little moon chunks and it's purple. Now, once it's now, now that it's in different little moon chunk pieces and it's ready to, uh, he's ready to hurl it at Titan. Then he uses the space stone. You see the whole moon turn blue representing the space stone. Each time he uses that gauntlet as a certain power, you see that power reflected by the different color. We saw him do it with the reality stone when he was uh, tricking Gamora and the guardians as the screen wiped as you saw a screen wipe it was it was red he also did it here on titan uh when they first threw that big piece of a q ship or something down on top of him when he turned that q ship or whatever it was into bats it was red you saw the red activate and i loved how they did that and they even did it with like vision at the end when he turned time back it went green i loved it it was just all color coded and just brilliantly done i loved it yeah, they never cheated, right? They like it's it'd be so easy for a lesser writer director to just, you know, wave the fist, do whatever cool thing you want yeah. on the screen. But they they never cheated. And he they had always... the cl- he had to close the hand. He had to close the hand. And I loved like all the ways that they kept trying to stop him from being able to close the fist and make the fist mm-hmm. to, to to activate it because like you had Tony and he had like that metal piece that locked in there that wouldn't let him close the and he destroyed that. You had uh you know Doctor Strange's uh cloak uh, the blanket of death trying to wrap it around his hand and, and not letting him do it. And, you know, I mean, all Spider-Man's webs, Spider-Man's and, webs, yeah. everything. It was just so, so incredible. Yeah, it's just so well done. Like it, so much thought went into just even like the small thing, even like what in some movies are just the dumb brainless action sequences. Yeah. There just felt like so much thought into what was going to cause and affect everything. All right, guys. Yeah, I, I got to uh, uh, go ahead, Dan. No, I want you to finish this thought. I was going to say very quickly, man. Um, uh, uh, 
Johannes from the Leftover Army put up a very cool post on our discussion page. And he just said, Jim Starlin loved the movie, I can tell. And then he put up three pages from um, the Jim Starlin run. And there's a page in there where um, someone is changed to ribbons by Thanos and someone is like extracted into cubes by Thanos as well, which we saw him do to Mantis and Drax. Mm. Yes. That, I, I, I didn't put those two links together. I did not that familiar with that run of the comic, but seeing those pages and that homage to the original story, they, these guys know their shit. They really do. And they, you know, like sort of, Paying, paying homage to the, the actual source material and all these little Easter eggs from the original comics is so damn cool. Guys, well, we, did, oh, did go you ahead. see how, I'm sorry, Brian. No, uh, did you see how at the end, like in the end credits, um, they specifically said, you know, the, 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 the directors or the movie, or the, yeah, I, th- I think it says the, the directors would like to thank Jim Starlin for mm-hmm. his special contributions. And then there's also a paragraph where they list all of these comic creators, like yeah. Brian Michael Bendis is in there because he was tweeting about it earlier today that he mm-hmm. was so, like, I'm so flattered to be included in this. But they, John- like, Jonathan directly. Hi- Jonathan Hickman as well was in there. Yes, absolutely. A lot of, like, really recognized names of comic book artists are in that paragraph and, and writers, etc. So right away, what 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 you're saying, Dan, makes a ton of sense because these guys are acknowledging the comic creators and saying that their contribution made this completely possible. Without them, we don't have this movie. Yeah, but and they, I thought that that was so important. They need to pay him more. Okay, let's be honest. Well, here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. No, absolutely. No, I, I, what I'm saying is, I'm saying that Warner Brothers paid. You got the same. You've got you've got you got the same creator and. I, I think it was – I can't remember what the character was, but I think Warner Brothers paid a certain creator more for the use of a very lowly character in the Suicide Squad film than Marvel paid for – and I think it was Jim Starlin. I don't know, but um, they um, – th- th- oh, I remember this story. Yes. I'm trying to remember who it fucking was. Well, is it there was a like a wolf character in one of the what's his name um uh, it was a starlin character too yeah it was a starlin character in a dc movie and the creator that created that character very low character in a, in the dc warner brothers movie they paid starlin a lot more than starlin got paid for thanos so mm. that's yeah they may recognize him in the credits but they might want to write their name on a check Wow, I I had no idea. That's that that's really terrible. Like I was so impressed that they put that in the credits, but now I'm like, well, that just sucks. Like, yeah, that's uh, yeah, absolutely. They they should just do more than just put them in the credits. They should absolutely give them the money that they deserve for the their their character. Bravo to DC. Yeah, that's on the studio though. I mean, the the Russos did their thing by thanking people, but it's not up to the Russos to make things right there. But I, I want to bravo to Warner Brothers. I mean, they don't get a lot right, but they 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 sure as fuck uh, recognize the creators. Mm-hmm. So good for them. Yeah. I bet they wish they didn't because Jim Starlin come out and said Suicide Squad was garbage after that. He's a man of his word. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about one more thing here real quick and, and then I'm going to have us take a little quick break, but um, no Valkyrie, no Korg. Uh, no. They're still alive. They're yeah, still they alive. Die? I'm convinced that they're alive. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. Sorry. Go, no, no, no. <laughs> I want you to say it. You know exactly what I'm going to say. 
I, I think I know what you're going to say. Thor says they killed half of my people, which means half are still alive. Well, I think also in the distress call, I, I, I was going to say that too. But the distress, the distress call in the beginning, it's choppy. But I felt like I heard something about an escape that some of them had gotten out. Yes, you're absolutely right. I am convinced if we did not see them die on screen, they are alive somewhere. Yeah, they, they can't alive. kill Korg Admiral Akbar bar style, right? That can't happen. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think they would have shown us that. I they think shown us that on screen. I think Lady Sif, if she's on that ship, we didn't see her. But if she's there, I think Lady Sif, Valkyrie, Korg, and Meek, they're safe. They're fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> this, this podcast did a lot of good therapy for me just there. <laughs> do, do you think that Korg was like standing next to like the pod and like, you know, with me, Kundra's arm, be like, do you want to get in this escape pod? You know, <laughs> and he's just talking to Sith They'll jump in and, you know, then he just talks their ear off for the next, oh, like, you know, few hundred Honestly, years. <laughs> I think that it would be fantastic if Korg is like, oh, I think I lost, I think I left Meek on that ship. And, and, um, it'd be great if like, if they didn't kill Meek because they didn't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> oh man. Half of Meek disappears and you find out Meek was two people. Oh god! <laughs> For a character that doesn't ever talk in a film, I fucking love Meek. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh, me too. I loved it when, they, when the first time we see Meek, he's like practicing his moves with his blades in Ragnarok, and yeah, I'm just, he's a badass. I'm just too. dying. I'm like, this is fantastic. All right. Uh, uh, awesome. So I yeah, he's I doing think, like katas and shit. <laughs> do you think? Okay, let's say let's say uh, you know Avengers four. You know they get the. They get the, uh, they get the stones, whatever. Do you think there's a chance they could bring back Asgard, that they would want to do that, or you think Asgard's gone? Asgard, I've always, Asgard is a people, not a place. Yeah. <laughs> I've always thought we were moving on to the uh, storyline where we do Asgard on Earth. It's, it really heavily feels like that's what they're, they're leaning towards, right? Listen, you sound like the Bengals. Heaven is a place on Earth, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember who did that run. It was the guy it was the Straczynski run where Asgard gets destroyed and they move it to like Wisconsin or something weird like that. I forget where it is. Hmm. Wow, I've never read that one. And it like it's under like a spell where no one knows it's really there, but Asgard is like living and breathing and taking place on actual earth. It's just no one knows of its existence. And since it's in Wisconsin, since it's in Wisconsin, they send like one guy out for cheese runs like every other week. <laughs> hey, wait, wait. Do you think that they just yell out Wisconsin forever sometimes? I don't, I don't remember if it's exactly Wisconsin enough. So I hope it is, though, because it fucks Well, it makes my joke nuts. work. It I makes know. my joke work if it is. I love, I'm hey, not the biggest Rebecca. fan, but it's an interesting story because the, the characters and the gods themselves don't even realize what's happened. And they've yeah. taken on all these new, like, human Earth identities. And they slowly, like, one by one start waking up and realizing the gods that they are. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. It does sound cool. I just, I, I'm imagining like as guardians with like those Packers cheese hats on. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Wisconsin forever. All right. Now I'm going to, I'm going to Google this Straczynski run because I'm going to feel bad if none of these right. jokes really work. You Google that Straczynski run and we're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're going to talk about more of the Avengers Infinity War. 
All right, hey, we are back. All right, we're talking more Avengers: Infinity War. Dan, you were uh, you were uh, talking about uh, you wanted to talk about Loki getting brokey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was, um, uh, again, like from what we said, like at the very beginning of this episode, I just couldn't believe what we were seeing. Like Tom Hiddleston's performance in that bit was, it was so dark and incredibly like, like unsettlingly realistic. And when he was choking him, like his eyes were bulging out of his head and they were going all bloodshot and all the color was draining from his face. And I was just thinking, that's not an illusion. And then he just Thanos finishes finishes monologuing, and then he just snaps his neck, mm. and it was just such a like a, a brutal and very swift end to a character which you know, as we know, has been like one of the fan favorites for yeah. years, absolutely years. It was just yeah, it's just mind blowing. Can we just talk about how cool Loki is? Yeah, right? yeah. When it, it comes, <laughs> all this being just you know, just the god of mischief. For all these, for all these years that we've seen Tom Hiddleston play this character and for all the times that he's let us down and like, you know, he's lived up to his name, the God of Mischief, for this one time, he's still being mischievous, but on the side of Thor and on the side of, and calling himself Odin's son. Oh my God. It just, it, uh, what, what, what payoff for us and, um, I don't think we'll ever see it, but man, part of me is just like, I, I hope we ever, I hope one day we get a kid Loki. I want, I want, I want kid Loki. <laughs> yeah. mm. That was I, I a fun see, character too. Yeah. I, I want to see a cut of the movie where he, Thanos doesn't see the dagger coming and he just sticks him in the neck and then it just ends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, lo- Loki is the savior and yeah. he's, he's turned around and he's now like a good guy. That would be awesome. Yeah. Oh God. That was just, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I honestly, I feel like I would love to just dedicate like, you know, half an hour to talking about Loki, to be quite honest. I mean, because it, it's I don't want to just glaze over that death. Like, that's huge. And it has huge but ramifications huge. going forward. Yeah, we got to give him the proper eulogy. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, it was cool that he went out a hero, though. I did. Li- I did like that. You didn't know which way it was going to go, if he was going to be scummy or good in yeah. the end, you know? Uh, let's talk about let's talk about the uh the first meeting of uh Thor with the Guardians. So like after all this ends like uh we get um, <laughs> we get Thor meeting up with the with the Guardians. I I I love this. This is some fantastic stuff here. I uh everything from Peter Quill mocking his voice to Oh, that was so good. <laughs> 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 when Drax was like fanboying over him. Yeah, like, what did he say like pirate it looks like a pirate angel. A pirate angel. angel. Pirate had a he, he said something about uh they said a pirate had a baby with an angel or yeah, something, something like, yeah like, is that what he said? oh my god he just he just, i mean and he was just like enthralled <laughs> with him and then like gamora's like touching his arm and he's like why are you caressing his muscles like yeah. it was just <laughs> it was so great I, yeah, I, I, I like that description as well like where she was saying that like it felt like his his arms, like his muscles, were like metal. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was just like you're realizing like how tough this guy is. If Gamora's saying that about him, and she is, you know, the, quote unquote, the most deadly woman in the galaxy, and she's just like, what? What is this guy? He's like ridiculous. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's so yeah, cool. I, 
Go ahead, Jake. I, was, I love the way they cut to the Guardians. I love how it was the only time we got an actual song in the entire movie instead of score. And so the audience just instantly knows what we're getting mm-hmm. ready to do. I thought that was mm-hmm. such a proper introduction to the characters. I love yeah, that. agreed, man. There was only two songs in this entire movie that were like credited, which is, you know, we, we're used to like seeing like reams and reams of mm-hmm. songs and artists appear at the end of the credits. And then it got to like, you know, the song section when you know you're about to see the end credit scene because that's always the end of the credits. And there was just two. Yeah, and it was, I was like, uh, wow. It was uh, it was this song, and it was like the Black Panther theme. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Sylvester had to, you know, give some acknowledgement for that because he didn't write it. Yeah, and and can can we say like how amazing the Alan Sylvester score was for this? Oh, I mean, incredible! Mm. Incredible! It was so good, and it was it is just like you know the perfect example of it, like a, a perfect score in the fact that. You don't, you don't notice it. It never like takes you out of the film. It just enhances everything that is happening. It was absolutely gorgeous. I love, uh, Teenage Groot. Big fan. <laughs> I am good. Hey! <laughs> 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 they were like, <laughs> this sarcastic tone. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, what was he you playing? Gotta, Defender? Was that Defender, yeah. He was playing yes. Arcade Defender on the handheld. And, and I loved, yeah. uh, I loved, uh, you know, Starler's response to him, you know, cursing or whatever he said in I Am Groot. And he, <laughs> whoa! Yeah. And, you know, yeah, you got a couple of acorns on you. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then Rocket Raccoon, he, he, he retorts and he's like, yeah, you start to, you start to produce a little sap and you just think you're Mr. Whatever. And I was just like, oh, this is great. That was, all that stuff was great. Um, I also loved how Thor could speak Groot. Yes, he learned I it. That, that line was hilarious. It was an elective he, on Asgard. <laughs> I love that line. Oh yeah, it's elective on Asgard. I, my whole theater just like erupted in laughter. Like it was just such a funny little thing that Thor knows how to mm-hmm. speak Groot because he learned it on Asgard as an elective. Hilarious. Like that's, that's great. Even later on, like where they're on their mission and like Groot has to pee and he's like, just use the bucket. What? We've all seen a twig. And I thought that was, <laughs> that was a great line. Like, yeah. That's another thing that we got right, Jake, when we talked about uh, the Avengers was that there was going to be the Guardians splitting up into two different missions, and we mm-hmm. did we did get that. We had the uh, the new uh, God Killer weapon mission, and then we had the Nowhere mission with uh, Gamora, Star Lord, and Drax. Let's talk about the Nowhere mission. So I was not, I was thinking that um, I didn't know how like. <laughs> how how soul crushing this film was going to be um i yeah. thought that the guardians were going to get there first and we find out that they weren't there first that thanos had already arrived and thanos uses this whole thing to just see how gamora would react to finding thanos there with the collector and and only having like the two stones and how she would react and basically thanos just using the reality stone he's already basically destroyed nowhere and uh is the hold on number one is the collector there or did the collector hightail it out of there because i think if the collector hightailed it out of there he i don't think that i think that he would just leave that stone he knows why thanos is there so yeah, I think he's gone, man. I think he he just skedaddled as quickly as possible. Maybe he's going to go hang out with his brother. <laughs> you know, I might see that later on in part four. Maybe yeah. There's uh there was one picture of concept art 
that uh, showed up on like a, a, for like an Avengers theme park, the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy ride, and the mm-hmm. one piece of concept art that they showed was um, on, on the wall for the ride is uh, the collector and uh, the grandmaster Grand playing chess, I believe. That's brothers. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. So I don't know if we'll ever get to see a scene of those two together. And if the collector is in fact dead, if if Thanos did arrive and and kill him and take it, then uh, we'll never see. Yeah, th- that's the thing. It's like uh, in the comics, the Grand Master and the Collector are both Celestials, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I don't know, but I the the nowhere stuff was great. Everything in nowhere, I, th- I thought it was fantastic, and it was more like character development between Gamora and Thanos. And I love the way they talk to each other, and it's just not it's not like Thanos is just like I'm evil. I'm Steppenwolf from the DCEU. I have I want to do that. No, it's he's talking like. Like a father would talk to a rebellious daughter. That's the way he sees her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot I, too. I felt like there were a lot of really great scenes in this movie showing Thanos and Gamora's relationship. Oh, and God. this was definitely one of them. Mm. Um, this scene where he lets her believe that she's killed him. And, and all along she's been saying how much she hates Thanos and, and he did all these terrible things to her and she hates him, blah, blah, blah. So when she thinks that she's killed him, when she like doubles over in this emotional pain and starts sobbing, it's like partially I think it was maybe in relief thinking, oh, I finally did it. But there was there's also a lot of like sadness there yeah. of her being like, I just killed the only father I've known. And I feel like that scene and then going back to like when she was a little girl, the stuff that happens in that scene, especially like when he turns her face away from the killing, mm. this scene prepares us for what happens later on. Okay. This, yeah, no, go ahead. Finish that thought. Yeah, just just saying that these were these were breadcrumbs leading us up to that final scene. Even the scene where him and her are in that throne room. I thought that was a great scene mm-hmm. of of Thanos and Gamora in the throne room and they're and he still calls her little one. That that was all preparing us for that sacrifice at yes. the end. And it was brilliantly done. Can we talk about the two times that we saw her uh, being held by the hand of Thanos? The first time as a child and basically saying, I'm sparing your life and I'm going to show you a new one. And the second time he takes her hand, he's taking her life. Oh, yeah. my God. That's crazy. Oh, oh, man. That stuff was so hard. All the Gamora stuff was so heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. It, it's, it's so heartbreaking because in his own twisted and creepy way he does love her I that's mean, the only way the not, soul stone works it's the only exactly. way the soul stone works yes. yeah exactly it's the only so but in his own way he does love her and the only way he knows how to show that love is by treating her how he's treated her her whole life and of course she rejects that because that's not that's not love for real that's not how a parent should love their child but that's how he loves her. Mm-hmm. And 
that whole arc of their relationship was so incredible in this movie for them to express that so well in a movie with so many characters. I mean, you, you have to give it up to the Russos for directing all that stuff. Like it's just incredibly yeah. touching and, and just showing that dysfunction of their relationship. Yeah. 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 That's um, the, when they get like, the, just after the throne room scene, when we find out what's happened to Nebula as well. Um, I bet, I bet that shit looked, I bet that looked amazing in 3D for you guys because we get the shot through the door and it just looks like she's suspended in the air in some Mm -hmm. sort of like tractor beam thing. And then the camera slowly pans around and you realize that she has been stretched and all of her parts are like been taken out. Mm -hmm. That was fucking insane. Yeah. My God. Uh, and that's like, you know, that's Thanos' daughter, too, that he's doing that. Right. Too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and just like in it feels like in a lot of families and in a lot of family stories, the dynamic is like the parent always loves one more than the other. And so that, mm-hmm. that, that's what we've seen here. And we got a lot of that story in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Anytime Gamora would defeat Nebula he'd take off another body part to improve her because she was never quite living up to the daughter that Gamora was. And he wanted to get mm. her to that yep. level. And, uh, and, and here he is using basically the same parts that he's added to her. He's using it as a torture device. It's a constant reminder. The only thing that I want to see that comes out of this scene where she, where she reveals that, um, Gamora knows where the soul stone is and she shows up the holographic image. I want to see somebody take that and change it to Princess Leia saying, Obi-Wan, help us, you're our hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's for sure. Do you think, um, do you think potentially Gamora is still alive and inside the Soul Stone? Jake, let's talk about that. Absolutely. 100%. That is something that I have here in my notes, and I, I do want to address that now. Um, oh, let's see here. I, oh God, I gotta find this in my notes. Um, yes, uh, after basically, uh, Gamora is killed later on in the movie, after we see that he uses the gauntlet, the snap of the fingers, and we're gonna, we're gonna get to all that stuff, we're gonna talk about that, but we're talking about this now since Jake brought it up. A lot of people are saying, and I'm saying this too, he, this is the soul stone because when he visits the, uh, as soon as he snaps his fingers and he goes into that world, the background is orange, the soul stone is orange, so I think he is in soul world at this part, in, in this part of the movie. This is soul world, and maybe this is his soul for all we know, but um, the, I, I think that this is kind of creating maybe a back door to where these characters can come back. I want to I def, I want to talk about that later when we talk about Avengers 4, but um I I I do think that there's a chance that she comes back. There, there was an interview with E Live from the red carpet. They talked to Zoe Saldana and she said this at least for me, and she was talking about Avengers Infinity War, she said, at least for me, it felt like a to-be-continued, because I knew that we will have to all come back at some point this fall and finish up the second, the fourth installment of Avengers. So it felt like, see you later, not like a normal goodbye. Now, she wouldn't say that if she knew she didn't have to come back. Now, the thing is, the thing mm-hmm. is, and it's not about her coming back as the child form either, okay? It's about mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana, the actress, coming back, giving this quote. Now, 
Is it just for her to come back and say a final farewell to Peter as kind of like a uh, Peter Quill as kind of like a bookend where he like we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, he got to see the soul of his mother and say goodbye to her in that film. And there's a little bit of closure there. Are we going to get closure here in in Avengers 4 where he sees the soul of Gamora or is there a way that they can actually bring her back? Man, I really think they'll bring her back. I think by Guardians 3, Gamora's back and on the team. I really do. I think there's a chance for her to possibly still be a hero in Avengers 4 by being inside the Soul Gym and possibly being a voice of reason that can get inside of Thanos' head. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that when we wrap the main talk. I've got a lot of stuff to go into about speculation about Avengers 4. But, Dan, what It's you- hard not to get into that kind of talk when we're talking about the Gamora stuff for me because it's <laughs> like I'm beat up about it, man, and the only way to think, think good about it is to think the speculation that I'm thinking. Well, you know? I mean, this, this movie, there's a lot of color-coded scenes, and this scene was clearly an orange background the soul stone is orange. He's talking to the young soul of – he's talking to Gamora through her old mm-hmm. – as a child, the, the way he remembers her as daddy's little girl. And um, I definitely think that he's in some sort of a soul world, which is which is a real thing in the comics. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Great, yeah, great, great so catch, Jake. Just before – just before the, um, the the sacrifice scene that you guys are talking about, who do we get to see again? Oh, I my knew God. he was going to come back. <laughs> he was, my, I knew he was going to come back. I was so glad to see him. My theater. That was not Hugo Weaving, though, right? No, 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 no. no, no. God, CG, no. wasn't it? Do you guys, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It was, it was an actor, and I'm going to get into the actor. The actor is Ross Marcand, Dan. Uh-huh. Ross Marcand from The Walking Dead, who plays Aaron. No. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, that is Ross Marcand from The Walking Dead. He plays Aaron on The Walking Dead, and he—if you've never seen—go to YouTube or go to Google and type in Ross Marcand M A R Q U A N D impressions and watch. Oh Ross, yes, yes. Watch Ross Marcand's impressions. He can do them all. Any impression you ever want to hear. Ross Marcan can nail it, whether it's uh, Christopher Walken, Al Pacino, Owen Wilson. It doesn't matter. He can do it, and he does it better than anybody. This guy is so incredibly talented, incredibly talented, and I was thrilled to find out that it was Ross Marcand in that role. And I hope – You just blew my fucking mind, man. Thank you. (laughs) That's so good because his – the the accent was – I honestly thought that Hugo Weaving had come back – done voice lines and they got a stand in and they, they CGI'd no, 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 him. That's no. what I thought happened. Hugo Weaving was so disappointed with working mm. with Marvel Studios for Captain America the First Avenger that I I don't know if he vowed to never come back, but he's never coming back. He's not answering that phone call. So oh. it, it's 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 they recast and they could have not a guy that can do so many fantastic impressions. You guys thought mm-hmm. it was Hugo Weaving. I mean, exactly. you thought it was, that's why they got Ross Marcand, and that's why yeah. this is brilliant. Yeah, and I, I know that actor very, very well. You know, like, as I've said many a times, Walking Dead, like, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I see that guy a lot. I've watched him a lot. I had no idea it was him. Yeah, you, can, wow. you, you couldn't tell. I had, to, I had to find this information. I, I can't remember where I found it, but um, I was... It wasn't easy to find, so good on you, Brian, because I spent about five minutes on Google and then said, fuck it. 
<laughs> Jake, not known for his patience. Let's talk about it. Did you guys it. like the Red Skull? I did. I, I, I cared when I saw him, but then, like, after the scene, I didn't much care for it. Oh. I didn't like how he was so accommodating to Thanos. He was I, not. I wish- he didn't fucking care. He did not fucking care if they got the stone or if they didn't get the stone. The only thing he knew was that he was been there for a lifetime. He can't wield it. And he saw that Thanos was worthy of wielding it. Like, this is a titan that can fucking wield it. Mm-hmm. He didn't give a fuck. And I... I, I the, I don't think that he cared one way or the other. He said he'd been there for a lifetime and he wasn't impressed by Thanos, wasn't impressed by her. And he's just like, this is how it is. I'm fucking stuck here. I thought it was crazy that Josh Brolin a couple years ago said that we are going to get um, death in the film. And so we all we all assumed after he gave those quotes that we were going to get a proper lady death. I didn't think that he meant this. And I felt like this was kind of like his version of death. Like this was the film right. version mm-hmm. of death. When I first saw it, it looked like death. He's levitating there. He's wearing like death's cloak. There was no sickle or anything like that. But I mean, like when, when we think about, you know, death in the comics, we think about, you know, uh, the, the love interest of Thanos, what he's, who he's always trying to please. And uh, I felt like that was maybe Brolin thought that they were going to go that route, but, um, they went with the Red Skull. I thought it was great. I thought the performance was fantastic. And I don't know now because when he went back – now that the Soul Stone has collected more souls, I think, and I'm going to get into that later. But I think when 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 Thanos goes into that – what I'm calling a soul world where it's the orange is – is Gamora now the new Soul Keeper, possibly? And did that create a back door for the Red Skull to Ooh. leave? And I like that. I like that. I, to me, though, it felt like they were just ending the character there. Like they really never made him feel like he was aspiring to any, to do anything but just be stuck there for the rest I, of eternity. I think that they are. They're shooting themselves in the foot if they do not give Ross Marquand a shot at this character. And we don't get another Captain America film with with the Red Skull, with this mm-hmm. Red Skull. I, and and yeah. I, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot if they don't get – I think Ross Marquand just like it's, – it's fucked up because I think I, I, Lee Pace is such a fantastic actor. And they didn't give him really a lot to do, in my opinion, with, with Ronan. And I think it'd be a damn shame if they didn't give Ross uh, mm-hmm. more <laughs> a Captain America film with with Red Skull coming back with with all this new knowledge and I don't know, man. And I, I, if, if I, that I've happens, wanted that since day one, since since the Red Skull disappeared at the end of First Avenger, I've wanted him to come back because. I mean, he is like a classic Captain America villain, and he's great for Cap to fight because he's another guy who, you know, lived through World War II also on the other side, of course. But he's a great villain. I hope I hope they bring him back mm, for yeah. uh, for Captain America 4 or anyway, really. I was so pumped to see Red Skull. I was yeah. it was such a cool callback to, to the to that movie. Yeah, he's one of my favorite villains too. And like I said, I cheered when I saw him, but then like just what happened just kind of didn't. I was like, oh man. Yeah, I thought it was great, man. I thought he was like the perfect example of like a tortured soul. He mm-hmm. was he was stuck guarding the thing 
that he wanted so dearly yeah. and there was no way for him to escape and Absolutely. and obviously he was in some form of you know like undeath or whatever you know well, he wasn't he, going anywhere he wanted the space stone he was going after the space stone and the space yeah. stone basically since it controls all of space sent him to this location on planet vormir which mm-hmm. i want to throw this out there vormir is part of the kree empire so oh, just want to throw okay. that out there. This is this it's part of the Kree Empire. So um but anyway, they the Space Stone sends him there and the Space Stone basically cursed him to be the stonekeeper for the Soul Stone. Fucking awesome. Yes. I, I absolutely loved it. Well, like, I just love seeing him like just like different as well and i really enjoyed the reveal as well of his face because uh, <laughs> because i i kind of i recognized his voice and then as he came into the light and then you saw like the hue of red i was like no fucking way yeah and yeah. I, I i had that with a number of moments in this movie and i'm sure one of them we'll get onto in a minute but yeah i thought it was great man i would love to see like ross uh McQuan come back and you know play play red skull because yeah. he was so good he was yeah if we touch back to this then it would definitely make me feel better about it but if this is if this is the end and we never see the red skull ever again then i'm not a big fan of jake i think that they've kind of possibly created a backdoor for the character to come back now i've also got to consider are they going to have both red skull and dr doom in films going forward because like i feel like dr doom is going to be a big part of these things I'd say in the year 2021 when they start doing this shit with the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. So I'm hoping that sometime maybe before then that they can incorporate the Red Skull. I would love to see, I would love to see a universe where, where we, where we're getting both Red Skull stories and Doctor Doom stories at the same time. I, that's comic books for me. And I, I think that there's room for both of those characters. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, like you said, Rice Marquand, like let him, play this character give him the shot this guy is is so fucking talented and uh i don't think i don't want him just to be like uh i'm not saying like relegated to the walking dead because it is one of the most popular shows on television but i want to see him be able to do some other things i don't want them to give him the fucking malekith treatment I want no. them to make – I think that this guy could shine in this role. This is a very important character in Captain America. Not only Captain America, but in all of Marvel. So definitely people have been clamoring for him to come back. It's. I don't think it's like, oh, we got to get Hugo Weaving to come back. I think Mars, uh, Ross Marquand basically proved that anybody – not anybody can step into this role, but like the, he can step into this role and do mm-hmm. it. So yeah, yeah, he's yeah. De- he's definitely got the chops for it, and you know if you if anyone watches Walking Dead or if you don't, him playing Aaron, arguably he is one of the best actors in the entire show. Like the scenes yeah. that he does with with like his his on screen boyfriend is so it's just it is. It, beautiful to yeah. watch yeah. it's absolutely beautiful he's, he's a master great. of his craft and i would love to see him get a full-time role in a marvel movie absolutely. love that guy absolutely i'm i'm 100 behind you on that now um there's a line here that we get from thanos when he's talking to gamora and it's right before he goes and throws her off this is basically the reverse lord of the rings where like the lord of the rings you're throwing <laughs> you're throwing the ring into the pit this basically, you've got to throw someone into the pit to get the ring. So yeah. it's 
inverse Lord of the Rings for me. And that's all I was thinking like, oh my gosh, this is like the opposite of, this is a 180 of Mount Doom. Um, but, uh, Thanos says to Gamora, explain this line to me. Did I miss something? He says, I ignored my destiny once, never again. And I, so, I was I was stuck on that line too, Brian. I had no idea what he was talking about. I'm is, like, did I miss something in the movie? Are we? Oh, well, are we going to revisit this then? Okay, if you guys don't know where this came I know, from, I know what he's talking about. What he's talking he's talking about his origin. He ignored his destiny by not allowing his people to let him save his world and letting his world die. Well, then you're, you're yeah. not, and now he's not going to let the entire universe die uh-huh. just because Gamora, the person he love has, has to die. You're lining up with kind of like where my thoughts was like, is this going to be explored in the Eternals movie? Possibly. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, I, re- I really do think that's what's up. Cause like, especially when you see it the second time and you get the Titan stuff later. Yeah, like, I agree. Once man. you, once you find out his motives, you realize that mm-hmm. his destiny is not to be stopped by people telling him he's wrong or people that, you know, seemingly he loves or love him getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Like nothing uh-huh. is going to stop him doing what he was supposed to do, because if anyone does try to stop it, the bad thing will happen anyway. Yeah, yeah cause I, I basically read it as like referring to what he told everyone before, which was that the, when he said, he warned everyone on Titan that like their resources were running out and they needed to like basically cull the population. Otherwise the, the planet was going to be destroyed and they called him a madman. And I think that that's what he was referring to. Oh, okay. I thought exactly. he was referring to something else completely. And I was like, I feel like I'm missing something here. But mm. that that makes sense, what you guys are saying. Yeah, Because it's the same thing. Those people probably didn't want to, obviously, they didn't want to do his plan because it involved a bunch of their loved ones dying. And yeah. when if he's in that same shoe, he's got to be stronger than his people were. He's got to allow his loved one to die for the greater good. Okay. Yeah. Or, or what he sees to be the greater good. Okay, yeah, I get that. I get it. Okay. Yeah. And, and oh my god, like this scene seeing Thanos cry and like the sheer willpower that he like like Josh Brolin's acting was like just it was just his bloody voice work, you know? Like just hearing the absolute torment in his voice knowing what he has to do and him like being strong enough to actually do it of course it's a horrible thing to do but being able to actually get that that feeling across was so cool it was just unbelievable like seeing it played out on screen it was amazing oh god that scene was gut-wrenching the moment he starts crying i basically started crying because i saw the inevitable and it was just like fuck yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. Uh, he's absolutely killed this role. He really did. Obviously, like, you know, it's to do with, like, a, a lot of it's to do with the writing as well. But, my God, if you didn't have someone that could deliver those lines and make that character believable, like a fully CG character believable in those incredibly intense emotional moments, then this movie would have failed. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It would have been Absolutely. terrible. But, I mean, yeah, he, 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 I was, I was gonna say he carried this movie, he didn't, but he, he just killed the role so damn much that it just, it brought everything together. And this was one of the, those particular scenes where it was incredibly important for him to 
completely nail this. And, you know, uh, Zoe uh, Saldana as well, absolutely amazing in this. Oh, man, this movie is ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> there's so many scenes in it. They are gonna, they're going to live on in my memory until I am dead. You know, it's, it's wow, that was so, dark. It's so cool. That was true. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dark movie, Brian. <laughs> it's a dark movie. It is. I know. No, I'm just. I'll, I'm thinking I'll about. Remember that scene. I'm thinking about Dan on his deathbed and like recalling this movie, and I just had like it was just really dark. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know, it, 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 it would just live on in my memory for like yeah. you know, like along with you know, um, like Eric Draven in The Crow. Yeah. You know, like yeah. to the pawn shop. You know, th- things like. Just like these, these, these memories of movies and these particular scenes, which mm. I find absolutely fascinating, and they were like perfectly done. Yeah. This, this ranks right up there, and it's, it, it's a Disney movie. That's the thing we've got to remember about this as well. And they just, they just let the Russos just like just go ham on it, and they, they absolutely smashed it in every sense of the word. It's fantastic. Yeah, the balls on this movie. I'm just overwhelmed yeah. by him it's crazy huge, huge acorns huge acorns <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about thor's journey thor goes off with yes. uh the, uh thor goes off with the captain of the milano we all know the captain of the milano is rocket raccoon yeah. okay so thor goes off on his uh mission to uh go to uh it's uh nidalevir nidalevir <laughs> yeah. it's like a drax joke <laughs> he goes to it's Nedavillier, yes, Nedavillier, and he. The whole goal here is to have um, the uh, I, I don't know the, the the leader of the dwarves uh, who is going to who we haven't been they hadn't revealed to us yet uh, is going to make a weapon that's uh, going to be kind of like a god killer, and um, so he takes uh, Groot who is still. Uh, I don't even think he's maybe lifted his head twice from the arcade defender game. Yeah, and you can s- always hear the noises. The yeah. Foley work on always yeah. hearing the defender noises. It was great. Up. It was absolutely hilarious. So they show up and uh, they're expecting to see like this grandiose kind of like uh, you know cele- like this uh, factory where they're they're making these weapons and like this huge burning star and and uh, these these rings and all this stuff and. And uh, they get there, and it's like basically it's a dead star, and nothing is moving. There's there literally is like no life there. And this is where we get Peter Dinklage, who looks like Hagrid. And I want to call. Damn wanna, it! Did we get Peter Dinklage? <laughs> we get we get a lot of Dink, and I want to call. He looks like Hagrid, and I want to call him Dinkrid. Nice, <laughs> Dinkrid. Yeah. This this was my this was my brother's favorite moment in the entire movie, the reveal of Peter Dinklage, and my my cinema went crazy mm-hmm. at this point. Mine too, mine too. Oh, people, there's so one. Good. There was one guy in the back of my theater who yelled out, "Whoa, Tyrion is huge!" Like, <laughs> yelled it out. <laughs> it was hilarious, but. What a great meta moment for Peter Dinklage, who obviously is a little person, to be a gigantic dwarf. 
I oh god. And then and weren't they saying beforehand that like he was just going to do a voice or that he yes, would be unrecognizable? Yes, yes. There was a then- there was the rumor um there's a rumor about last week, 2 weeks ago that he was the voice of Corvus Glaive. After the Good Morning America clip released that Anthony Mackie revealed on that show, you heard a couple lines from Corvus Glaive and he says I can't. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, that sounds like Peter Dinklage." Well, last week before we recorded Jake literally like half an hour before we started recording I heard that no that is not Peter Dinklage it was the actor that played Papa Midnight on NBC's Constantine that is playing Corvus Glaive and so still nobody knew who Peter Dinklage was playing now we all kind of like speculated that he might be playing Etri we've said it in past episodes but we weren't 100% sure and here we got the confirmation this is a lot better than a voice acting role and mm-hmm. on the poster, what made me think, what made me think that Peter Dinklage could actually be a character in the film was on the poster, we didn't get Carrie Coon's voice. We didn't get Terry Notary. We didn't get their names on the poster with the main cast, but we did yeah. get Peter Dinklage. Yeah. It always felt like they were hiding something special, even from the get go, right? Just like the, well, the kind of yes. cone of silence that was around it. When he showed up, to believe. when he was in Georgia, when they spotted him in Georgia, his hair was like that and his hair was a different color. It was kind of like an orange, I guess, at the time. So why would he show up like that to do voice work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. another fantastic point. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. I, I love seeing it too. And like his proportions blown up like that as a giant made him look like such a like freaking like, you know, comic book Kirby-ish character too. And like it just worked so well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy was, yes, he'd, like they said, like, you know, he was like the, like the master smith of the dwarfs. Yeah. And you just think, okay, well, it sounds like we're going to get Peter Dinklage. And then <laughs> they're fucking there and the ground starts to shake Jurassic Park style. And then he's just there. It's like, this is so fucking cool, man. It, what a great role for him. And again, just a, another, like, a bit part. Absolutely smashed it. Like, just brilliant. I, I, Gotta love just, that guy. Just, the, just uh, for us to be able to, as uh, a whole scene, guys, think about a whole scene. We got a whole scene dedicated to Thor getting a new weapon. Yeah, I loved mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> like, loved it. Guys, like, 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 we weren't there. We never got to see, like, the, you know, E-Tree make Mjolnir for Hela when she first got it. And... But we got to see like the birth of a new weapon for for an Asgardian god. Like mm-hmm. that's a scene that 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 that, that uh, Christopher Marcus, you know, that 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 Stephen McFeely that they wrote for this film. They wrote a whole scene of we're going to give you a scene of just making a weapon for a god, and like that's mm-hmm. how fucking cool is that? And, th- and so it, cool. Like, you go to you go to like a regular like uh you know like like a blacksmith and, and they're heating up metal at these insane temperatures. Well, here we've got like that on like a grandiose scale, where basically it's it's uh it's they have to heat the uru metal with the heat of a of a of a, of a dying star. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that they, they've got to heat the metal from a dying star, 
and and uh, the, it basically it, it's it, these huge rings have to uh, align, and then uh, oh shit! Uh, if the iris of the uh, the iris of the the needle point where you need to have the 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 blast of the dying star to heat the metal uh, goes out, if it, if it if it fails, well, you have to have an Asgardian god hold it open and take the full blast of a dying star. In order to in order to open the iris to do this, okay. and we saw okay. it. This is I'm, this is not ex, this uh, is not exposition. We're not hearing about it. We get to mm-hmm. fucking see it, and it was goddamn amazing. Dan, sorry. see now now no no it's fine. I, I'm I'm a huge like Thor fan, and I love Stormbreaker, and I'm not gonna lie, I cried during this scene. I on I honestly it was the moment in the movie that I cried the most and like hearing Peter Dinklage like describe the weapon and say its name finally on screen I just fucking lost it and having Thor like holding the iris open and him being burnt basically with like the rays of the sun and then being blasted out of the iris and and then like like um Itri saying you've got to find the hand on He's smashing the mold with his metal hands mm. that have been like taken mm. by Thanos, and he's smashing the mold, and you get to see like the two parts of the the axe hammer, and and he's like, we need to find the handle, and then Groot, who's another one of my favorite characters, grows the handle and picks up the hammer, and then chops off like those tendrils, and then we have the Groot slash Eat Tree Stormbreaker. <laughs> it was so fucking cool. It blew my mind it absolutely blew uh, my mind that was fucking amazing that was one of the moments where i knee-jerk applauded as soon as it happened as Mm. soon as Groot did what he did and made that handle i just erupted into applause and then like my applause created more applause it was like oh we can clap here because this is awesome (laughs) really was and i love the way they described it as well it was like it they said it was like it was it's the weapon of the king of asgard that's how they described it and 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 Oh. And in theory, can control the Bifrost. Yes, yeah. in, yeah. in, in, in theory, but, in but inverted wait, isn't commas. It, isn't that how he got back to Earth, though? Yes, Did, yes he, it is. Right, yes. that is how yes. he got back to Earth. Yes. He, yeah. used, he used Stormbreaker to create the Bifrost to get back to Earth. When that happened... I thought people were going to just jump out of their seats in my theater. Like they, I, I almost jumped out of my seat. It was so. Oh my god! Cool. If they would have played, if they would have played the Bengals singing "Ooh, hey, ooh, I, ooh, Asgard is a place on Earth," I would have lost my shit. Right? It's in Oklahoma. But, you know, you had to just bring that up and kill my joke. But, you know, because Wisconsin forever sounds better. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Dan, what what you're saying, like, that, that scene didn't hit me the same way it did you. But, like, hearing you talk about it the way that you're talking about it, like, I'm, I feel like I'm seeing it through different eyes now because – that I mean, yeah, that scene was amazing, and I love that entire story arc of going there and starting up the fire and blah blah blah, um, because it did have that very Lord of the Rings feel of like when they have to restart the fires and in, in, in the dwarf mountain and all that. Um, but it's hearing you talk about it the way that you are, like 
just I don't know. It just makes my heart so happy, like to think that that scene brought so much joy to you, and I'm sure to like so many other people as well. And then to watch Thor get that weapon, and to watch Groot mm, like mm. sort of finally snap out of his teenage angst and <laughs> yeah. and like create the handle for uh, Stormbreaker. I mean, just a incredible scene to watch on on the big screen and. It, Oh my well, god! What, what this about, movie just is filled with all of this. Stuff. What about what about characters constantly doubting Thor and 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 yeah. and, and and not seeing and Thor constantly having to impress them? Uh, Rocket is saying like, "How are we going to do this? How 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 do you expect to do this?" Number one, Thor isn't inside the ship; he's just standing on this fucking ring of this uh, factory. <laughs> Outside in yeah. space where most people would die, but he's a god. And then yeah, motherfucker, Ebony Moore died out in space. Yeah, Thor yeah. doesn't. Thor doesn't. <laughs> Thor's, <laughs> Thor's breathing. Thor is fine. And um, and and now we've got Thor, and he just that cable that's attached to the ship. He just starts yes. swinging rocket around, and he tosses it like it's Mjolnir, and he starts the rings up that way. And and yep. and, 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 and and Rocket never knew. Rocket is you know he hangs out with he hangs out with uh, the guardians he's never really hung out with a god i love just his fascination of like wanting to go to nidavellir and see where these <laughs> weapons are made he loves weapons and just to go to a place and see this um i i know quill said like oh you just want to escape thanos i really think that maybe it's 50 50 that he wanted to see these weapons he's he's a he's a weapon enthusiast like we've seen him in the guardians films make weapons and love guns and love bombs and all this stuff he wanted to go to the ultimate this is like the ultimate weapon convention and he's being taken by a god to go check it out and like this was oh god this was so Fucking satisfying. I loved it. Thor, since, uh, I'd say, since Ragnarok is just like, I, I love that character and I love seeing him do what he does. And just for Rocket to be in the presence of this god and be like, dude, I got this, bro. I'm not Peter Quill. I'm not Drax. I'm not Drax, man. I'm a god, dude. Let's get this done. And yeah, that was fucking it. awesome. I thought the pacing was fucking brilliant too on how fast we get from we made Stormbreaker to we're, to we're seeing Stormbreaker in action. I was yeah. like, a, mm-hmm. a, a not as smart filmmaker would have made an audience wait for what they already knew was going to yeah. happen. It's like, yeah. you already know what's going to happen. We saw it built, but just cut right to that fucking awesome shit. And I thought that was just brilliant pacing as far as the movie's concerned. Hey, he, he, had, yeah. he had control of the Bifrost. There's not, there's no reason to get in the ship and then travel back to earth it's like no let's uh let's bifrost this shit up and let's get back to earth and we just see stormbreaker just like mowing through outriders outriders <gasps> outriders uh, fucking group war crying i fucking yeah. loved too yes. oh my god can we talk about wakanda can we talk about wakanda yeah. let's talk about wakanda, talk about wakanda. um let's could, talk- I, could i just quickly go to the thor scenes just yeah. very quickly yeah go for it okay uh, I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed um, the way that the the Guardians and and Thor scenes really linked to Thor Ragnarok incredibly well. Not just because it's like yeah. cosmic related, but like the humor from Ragnarok 
really carries through to when Thor meets the Guardians. Yes. Still has that, yes. you know, that sort of like sarcastic thing, and he's you know he's a lot more kind of familiar with like human, um, yeah, human humor and all the rest of it. And so I just thought that like marrying Thor up with the Guardians after Ragnarok was a stroke of genius. Yeah. I just thought it's some of my favorite scenes. Those absolutely brilliant. Well, yes, it, okay. it worked out well for like when they got the Titan, and then the Guardians had already heard of the Avengers too. So it's, yes. it's one of those things where like, okay, um, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting on Titan. And then all of a sudden, okay, you're the Avengers. We've heard of, <laughs> we've heard of them. We're on the same page now. Now yeah. we're still, we're not going to get along a hundred percent because we still got to figure out a plan. And I'm Star Lord. I'm the, I'm the leader. I'm the leader of the, the guardians over here. And oh, I'm Tony Stark. I'm one of the most brilliant minds on earth. And uh, they, they were clashing heads, but man, it was, it's great. And I loved how that they included the fact that it all kind of like worked together seamlessly because we remember at the end of Thor, the dark world that the, the Aether, the reality stone, was given to the Collector, and it all – I guys, we're seeing from like a movie that was like done in like 2014, four years later, the payoff here from that one scene, that post credit scene, and it's just a quick conversation between the Guardians, but it all links up. It's not forced. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's amazing how all this just fits together. Well, I, I also wanted to say that, like, in those scenes with Thor, I mean, big shout out to the Russo brothers for directing Chris Hemsworth and keeping that that tone that was established in Thor Ragnarok. Because what, watching those scenes, I almost, like, questioned if Taika Waititi was on set, like, to help keep that tone because I felt like they really kept they, – they really – took into account all the stuff that happened in Ragnarok to keep that same tone. The same thing with Wakanda. They really just built on what Ryan Coogler did and kept that same tone that he established. And I just think what a great move by, by these directors to keep that, that character arc going and not to step on or to like push aside what some other director had done before. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, like, Having the having the humor in the Guardian scenes, that's awesome. It all carries through, like I said earlier. But then we have the the kind of breakdown scene with Rocket and Thor, where he's telling Rocket about everyone that he's lost. And for me, that was, yeah, it was. It was. It's my favorite Chris Hemsworth Thor moment. I really thought that he he sold that, and I just thought that he did a really really good job in that that heartfelt scene where you know he's like full of the the kind of like Thor bravado that we like saw in the first movie. Yeah. But it just it breaks down in front of you. Yeah. And, I, I, and I, you just you see the loss. I love those two. Um, the thing is though, it's like that you know that scene ends with Rocket saying something snarky at the end. And, yeah, <laughs> and then then th- we've got the scene where Gamora is pleading with Star Lord that if Thanos is ever going to take her, that she needs him to kill her, and yeah. and that that scene, I thought it was just going to end with the kiss, and and then it ends with the Drax joke of him being invisible, which I loved. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought it was pretty hilarious. I thought, even though like typically like. I think we got the full scene though. That's the, that's what, yeah. that, that's what worked for me here is we got the full scene. Like, like, uh, they kissed and like they could have cut there 
And but yeah, then, it's like it's like when Michael Douglas and his daughter have that moment in yes, Ant Man, yes. and then they have this, this a brilliantly acted, beautifully emotional moment. Cut to Paul Rudd with a gag. It's like it it does it takes away. I mean, you laugh. Yeah, I mean, I lo- yeah. I love Ant Man, and I, I laugh at that bit every time I watch it. But you just think, would it be better without that? Just to have this moment, just to kind of like ground everything a bit more, like make the stakes here you know, seem more real. Yeah, here I love the Drax moment. Drax, Dr- yeah. hey, how long hey. have you been standing there? Yeah, hey, all I gotta <laughs> an say, hour. An hour. <laughs> all I'm gonna well, say, my movements are so slow, you can't even see me. Yeah, I can see you. Drax, <laughs> Drax is gonna be Drax. Drax is gonna be Drax. You can't stop Drax from being Drax, right? Yeah. I mean, Drax yeah. is just gonna do weird drag shit and i got a kick out of like palm clemente as mantis popping in the room and saying hi drax i love mantis she's so cool yeah mantis is great i was glad she got mo- i didn't think she'd get fun moments and she got a bunch of fun moments you she know did. She and did. a few important ones too. i loved peter parker you've got the gauntlet it's <laughs> about to come off of You've got the gauntlet that's about to come off of Thanos and, and Thanos swipes him away and he throws Mantis off the top of his head. Peter Parker doesn't go back for the gauntlet. He makes a beeline towards Mantis and saves her, mm-hmm. does a barrel roll with the iron spider, um, arms. Oh, that was so cool. That's, that's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man's not, Spider-Man yeah. is gonna save somebody. He's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's gonna save somebody. And he saves Mantis here. He doesn't go back directly for the gauntlet. And I loved that about that. Oh my god. I love Spider-Man in this movie, even though I did have to, I'm gonna have to eat my penis now. You are gonna have to eat your yeah. penis. <laughs> I, I wanna, I want let's just get this out here right now. We had a previous episode, we had a guest on, Daniel Hepner, a good friend of ours on the show. Uh, I podcast with him on Transformers podcast that we do together. But, uh, I told him, I said, if Spider-Man dies in this movie, I thought it was an, I thought it was crazy. I said, if Spider-Man dies in this movie, I will cut off my own penis, fry it up, and eat it. Because I thought with, with the announcement, of homecoming the the spider-man homecoming 2 or whatever it's going to be called that uh you know with tom holland returning in that movie it'd be silly for them to kill the character off in this film so since then i have gotten many messages from our listeners (laughs) reminding me like i would forget that i said that live on air that i would (laughs) eat my own penis i even had greg alenti send me a recipe for um <laughs> of course he did of course, of course he did he. yeah so um yeah <laughs> thank you our own resident julia child sending me a recipe on how i can serve up my own penis to oh myself my wow but, um yeah i you know uh you know what the thing is is if i would have known that Half of the characters were gonna fucking die anyway and it's not like it's not like hepner like made like this like Spider-Man is going to die. He just said, I'm not taking him off the table. So yeah. I personally, when I podcast, and I'm not saying anything against Hepner, I understand. And he was right and I was wrong. I'm not trying to get myself, I'm not trying to weasel myself out of this one. I was wrong. But um, I, when I do this podcast and I make predictions and things like that, I don't play it safe. I think limbs are something to go out on. And I like, yeah, right. I like doing yeah, you're, that. You're I, bartering with your limbs. Exactly. Fine. <laughs> and I, and to, hold on. Let me, let, let me say this. I want to also 
realized that all the people that did message me and even Hepner just messaged me a little bit ago. I haven't responded yet because I'm not going to give him the satisfaction yet. But um, <laughs> I want everybody – here's the thing. The fact when Peter Parker died in this movie and he turned to Ash, there were a lot of people that just saw it and they teared up maybe. And I heard a kid crying in my theater. But there were thousands of people in that moment that were thinking to themselves, <laughs> Brian has to eat his own dick. <laughs> so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who has the power here? Who's who's really wielding the Infinity Gauntlet? I would say in that moment, I had so much power in that moment that people could not even concentrate on the fact that Spider-Man, Peter Parker, was dying. I think that there was a large group of people that were thinking, oh, my God, Brian has to eat his own fucking cock. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you think that enhances the movie or ruins it? it? Honestly, the first time I watched it, I was like, fuck, that ruined it. The second time I was like, I, I was just like, I accepted it. And it, it, uh, it, um, I felt more for Peter, you know, the second Peter, his name's Peter and I got to eat mine. Jesus Christ. What the hell is it? It's so meta. Um, but, uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Peter, they did a great job with Peter, this movie though. I love the first time you saw Mantis. So when yeah. you thought she was going to lay eggs inside. Oh of him. my God. Please <laughs> don't lay your eggs in me. That was hilarious. Well, I loved it. He was the one that came up with the aliens plan to kill uh-huh. Ebony Maw. And I, I love that the pop culture references. I I loved how the movie recognizes that Peter brings up a lot of pop pop culture references and Tony says, if you bring up one more pop culture reference, you know, I I kind of got a little bit mad. I was like, fuck you, Tony. That's a little bit pot kettle. You know, says the guy that was calling people Squidward in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Uh, I, th- th- I like that about Tony. He's funny. He's a funny guy. <laughs> no, I like it, but yeah. I think there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness there when he's telling that to Spider- When Tony, of all people, is telling Spider-Man not to use pop culture references. I yeah. think there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness. Yeah, well, and he calls yeah, me, he point calls break. Point Break, and then he calls Hawkeye yeah. Legolas. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I- I think it's also because Peter, every time he makes a pop culture reference, prefaces it by saying, do you remember that really old movie? <laughs> yeah. No, and fuck, then, you, fuck you, Peter. And, exactly. <laughs> and then he says something that's, well, not that I remember watching as a kid. So it's like, oh, come on. So I think that's where Tony's coming from with that. If you do one more pop culture reference, blah, blah, blah. Because he always prefaces it with that. Remember that really old movie. <laughs> Guys, uh, <laughs> Peter was officially knighted an Avenger in this film. Yes. Yeah. yeah very, I love that like, moment. <laughs> I love, I love the that fact moment. That- I love the awkward camera pause after it happened. Yeah. Oh man! They play the theme. That was a great score moment too. They they cue the Avengers theme lightly in the background as the camera kind of lingers for a second. That's great. <laughs> did they, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, very they- very clever. I, that cracked me up. Can I ask you guys this question here, real quick? We've been talking about Thanos' domination in this movie and him acquiring these stones. Um, we get towards the end of the movie, he's still got two stones to get. Doctor Strange has the Time Stone. We saw him use the Time Stone many a time in Doctor Strange to change time. Why well, he never? He only used the Time Stone to figure out different uh, ways to maybe all the different ways that they could use to destroy Thanos. He found one way to kill him, but he never used 
time to turn back time. He never went share if I could turn back time. And <laughs> what I've got thoughts on that. Is it because Thanos is in control of the four of the stones that he can't? I mean, the, the kind of defeat Thanos was able to use the time stone though, when it came down to it, a, a, an infinity stone had been destroyed and Thanos used the time stone to turn back time to bring the time stone back from vision uh, and, and basically forced Wanda to watch uh, the love of her life die twice, mind you. Uh, but I mean, he never used the time stone again. Is it because he went through all those different ways and, and the time stone said, Hey, I'm going to bench me, bench me. Is it possible the gauntlet itself is special? It felt like that was a little bit like kind of hinted at. Well, why I mean, would it's the not gauntlet, just some glove that he threw stones in, right? Why it's like would the, the last mythical, why would the gauntlet restrict Dr. Strange from turning back time? The gauntlet was made it by. It doesn't restrict anything. It amplifies things. Well, we saw in the in the in the, the Doctor Strange movie, he kept turning back time at the end of that movie to defeat the final. The, the, for basically the boss at the end of that movie to just be like, okay, Dormammu is like, dude, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You just keep mm. turning back time. I I can't stop you. Doctor Strange throughout this entire movie uses the time stone one time. I'm not trying to say this makes it a bad movie. I'm trying to say, why isn't Doctor Strange using the Time Stone? Why is Vision not using the Mind Stone other than to attack Corvus Glaive in Scotland? Why are the Avengers not using these stones to go up against Thanos? None of their plans involve the Time Stone or the Mind Stone. I, I would say that it was the same thing that we said earlier is the fact that he saw all possibilities and I'm assuming in those 14 million and 63 possibilities that you know that included him turning back time to a certain point and everything would just play out and they would lose that's interesting that's that's where I was basically coming with it too but that only explains Doctor Strange why he would choose not to use the time stone like, nobody it, else mentions like, it Nobody else. Yeah. Tony doesn't say, "Hey, let's use the the time stone." Uh, Cap never goes to Vision and say, "Hey, instead of like let's uh, instead of taking the mind stone out of your head, let's let's try to harness the power of the mind stone and use it against Thanos." Um, well, they, well, they don't say to t- to Doctor Strange, "Why don't you turn back time?" Because most of them don't even know who he is. They don't know what he can do. Do you know what I mean? Because like they're not the only other character in that movie is Wong. That's a so. good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and Wong is like, dude, I'm tapping out. I gotta protect the Sanctum Santorum because uh, the Time Stone's gone, and uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my uh, fifteen hundred rupees and buy a fucking tuna melt. I'm out. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, Wong is gone. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. And, and as far as the Mind Stone goes, like we've only. That, well, say we like the Avengers have only ever seen Vision blastings with it, and he's used it against Corvus, and he deflected it. So, you know, like what Jake was saying, you know, the Gauntlet is a, is actually a very very special piece of equipment because you know, like Eitri is forced to make it, and he killed all the other dwarfs. And he also took away Eitri's hands, yeah, so I'm he just could saying, never make anything again. I'm saying, like, uh, you know, you can uh, Prince of Persia, uh, you know, uh, Sans time this thing, and like, oh, yeah, you shit. should. Ah, oh, we fucked that up. 
uh, let's turn back time a little bit and let's try it again. Like Thanos at this point in time, he has control of space, reality, you know, uh, soul and uh, power, but he doesn't have control of time. That is still in Doctor Strange's hands. And so I feel mm-hmm. like with when you have time on your hands that you should be able to just keep repeating it over and over. I guess, I don't know. I, Dan, I, I see what you're saying here. I, I brought it up as well that he went through all the different possibilities and maybe that the, the only one possibility was for him to actually give up the time stone. I feel like maybe Thanos with being on top and being like, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the ruler right now and, and controlling all the stones like he's he's in a comfortable place and he won't see what's happening coming so but yeah i don't know I, it was just one of those things that i that, that after i upon my second viewing i kept thinking like you've got the time stone why aren't you using it yeah i understand that but I, i'm assuming that he just knows that it will just play out exactly the same way well, he didn't do that until they were on Titan. Like, even before then. Like, yeah, you're, it, it, it's pretty windy in New York City, and you use your power to stop, uh, you know, the wind. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe, like, it's, like maybe it's a matter of, this, like, if he's holding the time stone out and using it, at that point it's not being protected. Uh, like, can he really hold it out and use it against the Black Order that are... Yeah, you're turning back time. The Black Order is not going to be able to... If he turned back time, he's in the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is protected. If he's in the Sanctum Sanctorum, there's all this shit going on outside outside of New York City. And and they're, they're getting attacked. He could turn back time with the knowledge that the Black Order is going to show up. They could prepare for that battle between uh, Corvus, uh, between Ebony Maw and uh, Cole Obsidian. Okay. So you propose they do this, like, say, right after Tony and Spider-Man free him. Okay. I know exactly how to answer this. Okay. There is a point in the fight where he gets he's up against a car and he is literally using the eye of agamotto and then ebony moore restricts his hands and puts like uh metal around his throat and levitates him so he can't complete the spell hmm. do you remember that bit yeah i do i do so, so he's actually yeah. about to do that exact thing but ebony moore stops him so at that point he couldn't have done it okay yeah but hmm. then back to what i'm saying why not just do it after tony and spider-man free him and then just go all the way back to the beginning from there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, that makes it's, a, that make a very boring film. I get it. That, well, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, but that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing. There needs to be a line in the movie, Dan, as to why he's unable to do this because the it's still there. He, it, it's still, you can't tell me that like this guy is a brilliant mind, a doctor, and you got uh, that he wouldn't be like yeah, the eye of Agamotto. I mean, as soon as, like, they're giving, like, this, like, Wong is giving the history lesson of, like, uh, you've got these six stones, and he's like, this one controls space, this one controls, you know, soul, this one controls, and he says time, you think that Tony would be like, you control time? Well, holy <laughs> shit, maybe let's go back in time, share, because he likes to call people names, <laughs> um, and then they can, like, figure something out. They would have more time to figure out a plan to defeat Thanos. I mean, the next film we're talking, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that later, but like, it seems like that might involve time travel. They have that access right now. I don't, yeah. It's just, I mean, I'm not saying it takes, I'm not saying it makes it a bad movie. I'm just saying that there's a, maybe a line of dialogue 
dialogue or something that happens where you can take that out of the equation. Because if I'm still able to sit here and ask the question, why the fuck didn't he go back in time? (laughs) Then there's something that could have been done in this movie to basically say, this is why. Well, there is a point after they free Doctor Strange and they've taken out Ebony Moore that Tony's talking to uh, Peter and Doctor Strange and he says about taking the fight to Thanos. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why they take the ship to Titan is that they're they're going to, to fight him, basically. So instead of going backwards, he'd rather go forwards and face him. I do remember that bit. Yeah. That's something. Whether it's a good idea or not, probably not. Sure. I mean, like, while he's, like, instead of giving the thing to Thanos, why not just pull it out and rewind time from right then? Yeah. I, I kind of get what Brian's saying. It, yeah. Just, like, one line of dialogue yeah. to explain why yeah. it just can't be done is really needed there. You could actually just go back so far if you have the time stone you could go back so far if you control all of time you're not it's a spa- it's a, it's a, it's an infinity stone it's called an infinity stone which means infinity goes on forever which means you control all of time which means you're not restricted because you don't have the fucking nintendo power glove okay you have the power <laughs> of time you possess the power of time which means that they could go back so far as to Go back before uh, Thanos decimates um, Xandar and even has control of the Power Stone. I mean, if they wanted to, they could go back in time. You've all heard the question of would you go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby? Yeah. They could go back and – Yeah, I'm not saying that that's where I want the movie to go. I'm saying – because that's <laughs> ridiculous. I don't want to be like, oh, let's kill Thanos, baby. That's Avengers 4. We're going to kill Thanos, baby. That's fucking <laughs> stupid. Um, I'm saying that there's one line of dialogue, one thing that they could have written down in here to explain why Doctor Strange was not able to use what's called an infinity stone that controls time. Right? Okay. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, Mike, like, like, Mike do drop. Think, Mike drop. But do you think <laughs> that Doctor Strange by himself could have taken out Thanos and the children of Thanos when he destroyed all of the Nova Corps to get the Power Stone? I don't, do you think he's strong enough to do that? I think he's strong enough to go back and snap baby Thanos' neck. <laughs> <laughs> but would, would Doctor Strange end up being a baby as well? And then it'd just be like a really crap baby fight. He controls time. It's not like he's going to go back in time and then like, oh my God, I'm back in my dad's balls. <laughs> this comes down to a, like a thing which comes up like when you sort of discuss movies, which is time travel is a pain in the fucking ass. <laughs> it really is. It really is. You know, like, I'm not saying like, that this makes I'm, guys. I'm not saying this makes it a bad movie. I'm just saying, hey, I'm a fucking dork, and I fucking like, <laughs> it, this is actually actually I'm tossing this movie now. You should have used the time stone. Should have gone back. No, no. Why would he hand it over to Thanos when he could just go back in time and stop it all? Yeah, so, yeah killed the baby, even though the baby was surrounded by Eternals, well, and I, then I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it makes for a kind of a your movie but you know at least it makes sense yeah, it'd be a super cut it'd be great be like over in 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> well i think you get at least two hours out of it because you get up into the scene where he's gonna give it to thanos but then instead yeah, of yeah that's true yeah 
Yeah, oh. two two hours five minutes. I feel like people <laughs> think that I am like nitpicking and like really just like come on, Brian, really. And I'm just like, no, man, it, I totally understand. And like I said, it is a problem. Like as soon as you start dealing with time travel, yeah, the, the possibilities are endless. So. You know, it's it's a good point. It, it, yeah. it, it, there would have been if there would have been like one thing. Okay, if there would have been like one time in the movie where he tried to turn back time and he says it's not working. So it's not working. What, what? What? Why is this not working? And something I don't know. Like that. That would have just. Been, I would have been like, okay, something. Something on a magical level is not letting him go back in time then it would have made more sense to me it's just it's just there was nothing like that so have him say uh the time stone hasn't worked you know in the last few months other than me looking at possible you know futures for some reason it's not allowing me to do anything else or just any fucking throwaway yeah like the 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 year warranty is expired yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know. You, know how, you know how that thing goes. The right. day after the fucking warranty expires, exactly. not go then back in time anymore. Fuck, my time stone stopped working. Like, yeah, the yeah. day after it starts then, making this fucking ticking sound everywhere I go, right? And, then, <laughs> and, then, now, and you can't find a fucking 800 number for customer service, you know? Yeah, every time I bring it to the antique shop to show the guy, and it won't make the goddamn ticking noise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, now it works fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, now I can go back in time. <laughs> All right, as soon as I leave here, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but this, I think we've moved on to our own pent up frustrations at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is huge, though, Brian. I don't think you're being nitpicky. I feel like this could snowball into something that eventually Kevin Feige will have to address. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't know if I'm just. I mean, well, yeah, it's guy. huge. Why? There's a, there's at least half a dozen points in the movie where if you can just turn back time. Why? If you have the yeah. human DVR. Yeah. Why aren't you using it? Yeah, Rebecca, are we are we out of our minds here? No, no, I don't think you're out of your mind at all. I've, I've been listening and thinking about what you're saying, what you guys are all saying. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if if he uses the time stone and goes back in time, I mean, your movie's over pretty quick, and that's I know, but, but th- th- you got to throw that one no, no, no. piece of dialogue in there. I, I agree. I agree with you that that is what is missing from the movie. I, I'm agreeing with you on that, that right. you, you, you need to have some exposition line in there saying why he can't <laughs> just, do it. Because, I, I think we're just doing circles at this point, right? We're just well, like, I, I was, I, maybe have him try to do it and have it not work is even better than a line of exposition. That's what I was, that's what I was saying. I was saying yeah, yeah. earlier, I said like he tries to do it and he's like, guys, it's not working. It's not working, but it's not letting me do this. I don't know why. But then, like, then are you asking the question of, like, oh, does the time stone know that you can't do it right now because this is the way things need to play out? People would be saying that. And I don't think the Russo brothers want to give that up. I think it has to, you gotta, you gotta do something a little bit more. Um, you've got to maybe expose it to some kind of energy that, uh, you know, like they talked about in this film, like with, uh, a Scarlet Witch exposing her energy to the Mind Stone would be able to destroy it. Maybe you get the, uh, Time Stone, um, exposed to something to where it's not working the way it should, it's, it's exposed <laughs> to like a, like a, um, a, a Seiko watch or something. <laughs> Or a Casio. <laughs> it's exposed Casio. to a Casio calculator watch that doesn't let it. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, guys, the, the, I I figured it out. 
he dropped it in water and he didn't put it in the in the bag of rice. That's <laughs> what happened. He should have put it in the bag of rice and then it would have been fine. That's what happened. How how about how about this? How about the spell that he's put on it means he can't use it? Oh. oh. But then, but then, uh, the spell like, is a protection though, spell. You have to say those things. It's a protection. You, you don't know how magic works, da- Brian. Dan, hold on. No, 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 no. It's a magic. It's a protection stone from somebody else. It's not like, it's like when you put your fingerprint on your iPhone to open it up. It works for you, but it's not going to work from some asshole named Ebony Maw. Right? Yeah. You're like, maybe that means he can't use it. I thought the protection was just on the thing protecting it, not the actual stone itself. I th- I, from somebody else using it, it's like he's he's the guardian of the time stone. It's not like oh, it, it didn't it, it didn't have he didn't have a problem fucking using it against Dormammu. I'm just saying, it's not like no, it's okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two things because magic because time. That's it. <laughs> but it, it's, the, the it's the it's the clasp it's the clasp that's been enhanced that. Is protecting the stone, right? That's what burns his hand, not the stone you, itself. You don't know that, Jake. You don't know. He how says much. that, right? He, he, no, he says it's a protection spell. It could be anything. You don't know. No, Ebony Ma. Ebony, spell. Ebony Ma, spell. as he gets burned, says, The clasp is burning my hand. <laughs> I remember it's not the stone. It's I, the club. I, yeah, I got one of those things that you clip to your seats where it tells you the subtitles while you watch the movie. Yeah. And so he clearly said, said class. And he said it twice. He wanted to reiterate and make sure that we all knew. Let's move on to something else because Hey, can I talk about something really weird before I forget about it? I think we've been um, I think we've been doing that, but if you want to move on to something else. Well we haven't <laughs> talked about stuff I forgot about yet. But sure. um, it, earlier on in the scene when when Iron Man first gets on the spaceship, did Pepper Potts tell him she's leaving him right before it cut off? It cut off. She, um, I think she was saying like, "Don't leave," is what she said. Yeah, I thought I heard yeah, "I'm yeah. Lee," and then it cut off. She was saying, "I'm going to buy Lee press on nails," is what she said. <laughs> oh man, that's that's not a good fashion move for her. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> that's very tacky. I thought she well, said like, "Don't leave." And that's yeah, what that's I heard too. I I heard don't leave. That's what yeah. I heard. Okay. I was like, yeah. Jesus, did she just leave him again? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming everyone is super stoked to have Gwyneth Paltrow back as Pepper Potts. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's Thanks see here. for showing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about. Um, Captain America at the beginning of the movie seemed uh, extremely annoyed with Vision and Scarlet Witch um, not checking in with the with the um, I don't know the second faction of the Avengers I don't know what to call them it's just there's two factions yeah the nomads exactly I can tell you why that's the case so he's still not getting any. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. Has, it, has, it, has, it, has, has the show just turned into amateur comedy hour? I don't know. What I was, was going to say we're now three three hours in, and we're starting to. Uh, everyone's been drinking. Yeah, I've been drinking. Yeah, yes. um, I don't even mean to make it to have it be a complete joke. I mean, who? 
does he is he really going to have much sympathy for these kind of romantic rendezvous? You know, I don't think so. No, that, that, that that's exactly where I'm going. I, I feel like he's definitely in the right here. I feel like I feel like Vision and Scarlet Witch are being really selfish in what they're doing. I mean. Uh, they're part of a cause. They're part of a greater cause. And Cap sees how valuable they are to the team. And I mean, at the end of, uh, at the Avenger, at the end of Civil War, I mean, Scarlet Witch is one of the, one, uh, she's standing with Cap. And like, he, you know, here they are just like going off and doing their own fucking little thing and like doing their own little romance thing. Like they're fucking like, uh, Edward and, uh, the Twilight Girl or whatever and doing like their own <laughs> little romance thing and, uh, not checking in with them. And, um, this, it just, for Vision to be such a logical character, to be that smitten with her, um, I don't, I, I thought it was, I, I loved it. I loved how this played out in the story. I'm not saying, but it was just like, mm-hmm. it was one of those things where it's like, he's that smitten with her and he's such a logical character that he was just like throwing caution to the wind and saying, fuck it. I just want to be with you. I don't care about anything else. Let's just be a normal couple to the point where he looks human. He's disguising himself as a human because he just wants to be with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And love, love conquers all, dude. Yeah. And yeah. so here's the thing. Like, um, Later on, they, uh, he's talking about, you know, they're talking about like destroying the stone, the stone and Cap saying there's gotta be another way that doesn't involve killing you. And so they got Shuri on it and Shuri is going to be able to get the stone out of his head with trillions of different connections there. They actually have to manually, uh, basically detach these connections otherwise it'll kill him and so she's working on that and uh vision just you know like vision's basically like you know thinking about himself as a sacrifice at this point and cap is like we don't trade lives mm-hmm. and i love that line mm-hmm. that was like great captain america line and it's bookended at the end of the movie when cap i didn't like this scene i didn't like corvus glaive handing captain america his ass and then I did, but I didn't. I don't like it because a comic book, as a comic book fan, I don't want to see Cap getting his ass handed to him by Corvus Glaive. But mm-hmm. I did like it because of the payoff when Vision comes up behind Corvus Glaive, stabs him through the fucking chest. And then Cap says, I told you to leave. I told you to leave. And he says, we don't trade lives, Captain. That like, that was like Vision gets Great. it now. Great payoff. That that mm-hmm. was a great payoff line. But you, just, just talking about Vision real quick, there is a line earlier on when Tony and and Bruce and Doctor Strange are all together, and he says that that Vision turned off his like basically GPS tracking yeah, yeah. two weeks ago, and and somebody asked like, well, why would he do that? And and he says, well, Vision is evolving. Like it's it's sort of just like a one little quick line, but. That's why we see Vision so different in this movie, too. He is becoming more than just the sum of his parts, which is like a very classic science fiction AI theme of like, can can the puppet ever become a real boy kind of a thing? And mm. and yes, he is alive, but at his core, he was designed to be an AI uh, because of Jarvis and because of Ultron. So to see him do that, I thought that was a great story arc. For, for, for vision to become so human and have so many emotions that he throws caution to the wind just to be with this woman that he loves. Uh, as you said, Dan, I mean, love conquers all and it even conquers 
like this basically a robot. I mean, it's it's a great story. It's a classic story that's been told a hundred times, but it's so neat to see it told a, a little bit differently this way. Yeah, that's it's it's really cool. It's um, an android in love. I love this. I mm-hmm. I, I want to. That's one thing I want. I want to see. Of course, I I want to see more of this story with Vision and Wanda, but. I think it's going to get – I think it has the potential to get even weirder here. And let me, let me bring this up, okay? Um, when we Steve see – Demon babies. <laughs> the, well, this is where I'm going to go with it. When we see him killed by Thanos, Thanos rips the Mind Stone you know, from his, from his temple. We see Vision turn black and white. Now, in the comics, he's white. We saw that, like, in the West Coast Avengers, where Vision, he was basically, like, they, it, it, villains had dismantled him. And then when he was rebuilt, he basically turned into Spock and lost all of his emotions. And it, he was white. He was colorless. And I feel like – let me just throw this out there. I feel like in – they there's a there's a possibility that Shuri will try to bring him back online. That Shuri being, you know, like she we've seen her we've seen her basically help Bucky. You know, Bucky, you know, uh, was like brainwashed and for years and and uh by Hydra and uh she fixed Bucky and maybe they think that they can bring vision back online and bring him back but when they bring him back without the mind stone he comes back and he's like this you know emotionless vision shell yeah yeah yeah, yeah not the vision yeah that i i think that's a solid prediction i mean that's that's the perfect way to ratchet up the drama. Wanda's now fully in love with the vision and now he doesn't even know who she is anymore. Yeah. 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 If, and when Wanda comes back. So yeah, absolutely. And I think Shuri, yeah, I like that. Shuri's the perfect character to try to bring him back. Shuri was not taken by the, uh, by the, uh, the ash, like the, the snap of the fingers at the end of the movie. So, uh, I wish it would have been a little bit more Shuri in this movie. I know that's so much to juggle, but it was like, ah, oh, I know she just got the spotlight in Black Panther. Yeah. Well, it's I think, kind of a little bit of a, such a tiny role for her. I think it opens it up for her to come back in Avengers 4 next year to have a more of a, more of a bigger role. Um, because the fact that her brother's gone now, she's gonna, we want to see how Okoye and, and Shuri and, we didn't get any Wakabi in this film. Either, which no. was weird to me, and, uh, and no Nakia either. No Nakia in this film. That was well, weird. I, I hope that's yeah. explained. Yeah, I thought like it was like no, we have to like we're going to do stuff with the Black Panther, but it's going to get cut to the most minimum because it just got a movie. Yeah, like I don't know if that was the logic, but I kind of felt that a little well, bit. I, I, I kind of felt like maybe like Lapita Nyong'o, you know, had other things going on too. So. Yeah, I mean, with Nakia, it's kind of that. That is a bit like mm, what's going on. But with, um, oh, sorry, what was the other character's name you said? Wakabi. Wakabi. <clears throat> no, Wakabi. You know, he was one of the guys that turned against him. Yeah. At the end, so but we had we had Mbaku. Matt, I love seeing that guy back in this movie. Oh, <laughs> I was uh-huh. doing, doing the chant, doing the yeah. war chant. Fuck, that was sick. Now, hold it. Is did the reason that they didn't put. 
Nakia in this movie is the fact that when they take Black Panther, if she's there to react, it takes away from the Vision Wanda stuff if we get it duplicated. Mm, you don't want yeah. double romance. I can see that logic. Yeah. yeah. Also, do you think she was possibly out like doing her normal work and like, you know, trying to help people out and stuff all over the world? She might have been. She might have been at one of those uh, centers that he put up in uh, the United States. Uh, one of those uh, centers that he put up to, to help people. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, Dan. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why she she you know wouldn't be there. Oh, you know what? I bet she was trying to figure out why the fuck Doctor Strange wasn't using the Time Stone. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dan. Sorry. I love you, buddy. Okay. I do. love you too, dude. Let's talk about these, let's talk about these deaths. We got some big time deaths in this movie. At the end of the movie, you know, of course, Thanos, like we got, we got Thor showing up with, uh, Stormbreaker, uh, Thor kicking some ass. These Outriders, Outriders kind of, uh, terrifying, right? I mean, willing to sacrifice, going kamikaze style, sacrificing themselves, uh, with the barrier in Wakanda that they put up. Another thing that I wanted to bring up is that, uh, T'Challa has the ability to call in an order and open up a certain section of uh the uh the barrier right okay okay we know that the outriders are going around the uh the the sphere the sphere they're going around there and they're worried about them uh breaking in through the back of the sphere breaking in through the sphere and then uh, being able to get the vision now hold on uh he's able to open up certain sections do you think maybe he could have opened up the top section and let some of his uh fucking ridiculous helicopters fly out of there and just bomb the fuck out of the outriders do you think <laughs> yeah or just or just war machine himself right yeah i mean uh, do, you yeah. Think, do you think do you think do you think maybe that ever crossed his mind i i don't know and you got it cap- obviously didn't it didn't because they opened up a whole section and let, like let them charge through but i don't want to be a nitpicky son of a bitch that talks about dr strange turning back time for 30 minutes <laughs> um so just well, like we said like very early on man it's that whole kind of like stuff happens because it happens like the tech works mm-hmm. where it needs to yeah. and it doesn't work other times and stuff like that. i'm assuming it's the same thing yeah i don't know I, I, there are certain things that i you can't you can't tie all the loose ends i guess and i it was just one of those things that i was thinking of like i remembered like those those cool ships that like you know you, you saw them flying in, in in the black panther movie and i'm like why aren't mm-hmm. they using any of those those ships those ships were incredible yep. like just open up the top section to fucking epcot center and like let them go out there and destroy those outriders and um, I will say this: the Outriders look better than the Venom does in the Venom movie. Moving I, on, they look like Venom. Didn't they look just like they? I, I saw them coming through, and I was like, "Oh my god, they look like Venoms!" Like that was crazy. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that was yeah. Those things were terrifying. They were absolutely terrifying, and and it, it was so cool to see the reaction of Okoye when she was like. They're sacrificing themselves. Like, what the hell are these things doing? Like, like it, it, it was such a great, like, such a great, like, sort of mindless soldier character just to throw in there, like an animal just clawing at the at the shield. Well, they were they were scary. Thanos, it reminded me of like a Resident Evil experiment. 
Oh, the uh, oh my gosh, the uh, the liquors from uh, Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, just like one of the just like creatures gone wrong and twisted yeah. up and everything. It it had like such a horror movie look to it. I thought they were really cool too. The thing, yeah, I'm like you know Thanos has two armies that he built up. The first one we saw in Avengers, which was the Chitari, and then of course we saw the Outriders here and. The Outrider. When they first released the Outriders, did you hear like the the little bit of music that they played? And it reminded me of the Planet of the Apes, the original films with Charlton Heston. The music that they played when the apes were sent out on the field to destroy the to kill the humans or capture the humans. It was like, oh, it was just listen to it again, and it's like this this like this uh, this war cry, and it sounded like the music from the original Planet of the Apes. It was so cool. But um, that's awesome. The yeah. only link I got like score wise was um uh the the kind of like the Wakandan sort of music when it was coming in with the drums and everything. Yeah. And they were obviously like fighting in the woods. It reminded me of Predator but that's because Alan Silvestri did the score for Predator, so that, that <laughs> makes total sense. But it was yeah. really cool to see that as well, like, and sort of, like, make that link to, like, his past works and stuff. Um, I want to talk about the deaths. Are you guys cool if we take one more break, come back and talk about Oh, the- I would, I would, I was getting ready yeah. to ask for okay. it. I'm glad I don't have to. Okay, that's what, that, we're going to talk about the, we're going to talk about the deaths and the ramifications of the deaths when we come back and then we're going to talk about the future of the MCU going forward before we wrap the show. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. We are back. I, I, you know what, before we jump into the deaths, I want to just talk about what are your favorite scenes from this Wakandan battle? Like for me, it was, uh, Steve Rogers being introduced to Groot for the first time. I am Groot. I'm Steve Rogers. (laughs) I loved it. It slayed me. I, I lost my shit in the theater. I loved the team up of uh, Rocket and uh, Bucky when he's swinging around uh, with, uh, with Rocket. Uh, uh, <laughs> so cool. I thought yes. that was fantastic. And I also just like some of the really small, subtle things that we got to see in this movie. Uh, we know Black Panther has the suit that absorbs the energy, and he's able to uh, basically absorb all the energy and the blast that he gets in this. There were two scenes that, that really stuck out to me and, and the one scene was the fact uh, was an overhead shot where we saw him do the the blast and we saw like the purple energy blast like uh, fuck up a bunch of outriders but then later on we saw black panther go up against thanos himself and he the blast did jack and shit to Thanos. <laughs> and I was just like, that is great. It was two really small things. But what did you guys like? What were some of the big things in the Wakandan battle that kind of stuck out to you that you guys remember and enjoyed? I mean, definitely, I was definitely going to say the Bucky Rocket moment was one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Um, I, I liked them. Um, when they do the initial charge, I like to see in Cap and Black Panther get out in the lead because yeah. they, you know, they've got that super strength and that running. And I thought the difference of, of, space between when they got there and the other guys got there was just perfect that like was, that, that was such an cool. awesome overhead shot that was really cool like seeing them like well. stretch out into the lead leading the charge that was awesome yeah i, I loved that I, I really liked when um proxima midnight was in the trench and then um okoye jumped down and so she was between okoye and um uh god black widow and I was like, oh, you done fucked up now. 
<laughs> I was like, the, oh, I just thought that um, was correct. The only thing that I didn't like about that scene is that they, when they showed uh, Black Widow, they played like the Avengers type music. But mm-hmm. when they showed Okoye, they didn't play like that, uh, that Wakandan, like, uh, Dora Milaje war cry that, that we heard. That in- is my favorite bit of music in that entire movie. Oh God, isn't it so good? It, like when she's, when, amazing. when they're in that casino in yes. South Korea and she yes. is fighting those guys and you hear that, that Dora Milaje war cry that whoop, 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 whoop. I was just like, why did I not hear that here? And why did I only see Black Widow kicking Proxima Midnight? And it looked like – it didn't look like Okoye was really using her spear, her vibranium spear that much. I was kind of – that disappointed me a little bit. It's nitpicky, but I wanted to hear that, man, because that's – I I fucking love Black Panther. Seen it four times. It's still in theaters. I still plan on seeing it a fifth because that movie is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I love love the setup. I thought that like the – like it was like – yeah, they cut away from it before the fight starts and I was like oh this is gonna be fucking sweet but you know the actual fight like you said like Okoye didn't didn't really ah. get to do much in that yeah she's like and she is formidable yes absolutely formidable and you know like she she basically rescues like T'Challa like when yeah. he says oh no I think I've, I've got it covered and then she's like oh you've got it covered and then she like comes down later on and kicks the fuck out of a load of dudes it's like you know you know you, she's awesome but know, um yeah you, she kind of I, I think it would have been great for her to get a few more licks in that would have been good agreed you know that part where uh, it's like M'Baku's like oh they're gonna destroy Wakanda and then like that's like immediately after that um, T'Challa says Wakanda forever I was thinking to myself uh, Wakanda for now maybe (laughs) 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 I was like Brian that's awful Wakanda forever come on stop it I was just thinking I wonder if the I wonder if the stuff with the music cues is just a little bit of you know the movies being made so close together maybe they just weren't in tune with what Kugler was a hundred percent going to do just yet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like that, they, that, I mean, we, we've seen so many times Jake though, in like post where they add things like literally like weeks before the movies come out. So I felt like yeah. it, it, it would have just been a nice like touch. Um, yeah. Dan, it sounds like you would have liked to hear that, uh, that Dora Milaje kind of like a Koye, uh, I really would have, man. I, it was my favorite. Oh yeah, character. I, I'm I'm in a hundred percent agreement with yeah. you that I would have liked to have heard it. I'm just trying to possibly think of an explanation why they would not have done it. Yeah, it I, just seems like it just seems like it's a trick that they missed. You know? The, yes, the, yes. They just kind of it just it just kind of didn't occur to them. I mean, if, Jake, if the Russo brothers can include like they worked on Arrested Development, if they can include in the Collector's Museum a scene of Tobias Funke from Arrested Development, all like in blue. In- <laughs> I was hoping someone would bring that up. If they can do that, they can throw in a Koye's fucking music, right? I mean, come on. Cause like, yeah. Well, I mean, the Tobias thing, we don't know if that happened a month or two before the end, though. I mean, it's a little bit of a different scenario, right? 
It's kind of apples and oranges. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know. I was one's like, an Easter egg they decided to do. Jake, it was just me. I wanted to bring up Tobias Funke being in the movie. All right, I wanted to, <laughs> David Cross. Uh, you know, somebody playing David Cross, dressed in uh, painted in blue. It was just that like, was so funny. I loved it. It was just like, yeah, that was just a way for me to bring it up. To be quite honest with you, but like I feel, <laughs> okay, I got you. Like, um, yeah, it really, that's how. It, went down but like i i think with a lot of these movies especially with marvel we know with the shawarma scene was one of those things that like when they first premiered it uh overseas that scene was not included it was dan you you know that yep so didn't get to see it exactly so like after the premiere after you know it was in the uk uh we got that scene i just felt like you know, with all these, we hear about these directors working so closely with one another. I don't know, man. I, I just would have liked, for me, being a big, huge fan of a Koye, and I know you all are. I know, I know everybody here on the podcast is a big fan. Like that would have been like we. I would have loved to hear that, especially when she's fighting. Like that's that's what she. That's what I want to hear from 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 that character. That that would have made that moment a little bit more special for me. I was me too. Every, every time I watched it, I was like, that's what's missing in this scene. You gave me a little bit of the Avengers theme with uh with Black Widow there. You can give the same respect to Okoye. She deserves it. She's a fantastic character and it would have made oh. that fight scene so much better in my opinion. It- Imagine if they somehow merged those two tracks together. So you had the Avengers theme with oh, the vocal part. Stop. Uh, and and oh, that's amazing. both of them. Love that it. would be so cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, but aside from that, um, obviously Thor turning up with the Bifrost. That yeah. was wow. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah, I, I, part of me wanted them to play Led Zeppelin in that moment, the immigrant song. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit of me did as well. I thought that would have been a bit too close. I no, no, do it, do it. I'm glad only the Guardians got a no, song. No, no, no. I wanted, I wanted immigrant song. Let's do it. Let's fuck it. Let's go all out. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. No, the Doctor Strange should have played the. He should have used the Time Stone then, so they could have played that goddamn song. <laughs> mm. I'm not co-signing that. Oh, I love it. I. It would have been. It would have been incredible. The theater would have fucking erupted. I don't care what anyone says. Theater would have gone nuts. It would have been amazing. I would have groaned at the immigrant song. Oh, you groaned at Endgame. So get out of here. (laughs) I can't be the only one. (laughs) I love you, Jake. I know. I groaned at Endgame. It was such an awesome line. It was. It was. And I think Dan, I think Dan gave the ultimate explanation as to why it was such an amazing thing. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you both. (laughs) Checkmate, bitch. Anyway, um, (laughs) I love Jake. I love you. Stop it. It's five years. I love you. Is Endgame coming for this podcast? (laughs) Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it with your threats. Wow. Stop it with your threats. It was a joke. It was a joke. I know. Wow, that hurt a little bit. You know what I mean? Jeez. Ah, man. It's like, ah, man. I thought, you know, we've had such a great time, but then like it's, it felt like the next morning when I'm like pissing blood, like, oh my God, what, what happened? What a, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> man, there's a, there's a price for everything. So, um, you know, uh, let's talk about these big deaths that happen in this movie. Uh, Thanos snaps his fingers. The glove, the glove itself that was made by Eitri to be able to harness the powers of the six stones. Uh, when you use all six stones for this purpose, it has such a power that it basically fried the gauntlet itself. Mm-hmm. The stones are 100% intact. So the the stones are fine. It's just the fact that what he did, his actions, snapping the fingers, was so powerful that it fried the gauntlet that was made by Eitri. And so at this point, we've got characters that are dropping off. They're turning into ash. The first one that we see is Bucky even the fucking vibranium arm that was made by the by by Shuri was was destroyed the only thing that was left was his gun everything attached to his body was ash yeah and that's yeah. how powerful this was um, we saw we saw Bucky go uh, let's see here I mean we've got a bunch of characters that died in this and I'm, I'm gonna name them off here we got Bucky we got Drax leaves us uh Groot leaves us Mantis leaves us um uh Spider-Man himself well, yeah Peter All Quill. the Guardians but Rocket right Yeah Yep yeah, yeah. Uh, Scarlet Witch is now gone Doctor Strange is gone uh Black Panther and then um uh Falcon Falcon dies in this. So the only members that we're left with are we've got Nebula and Stark. They're on Titan together. Thank God Nebula is there with Stark because I don't know. Stark is brilliant as he is. Like Nebula showed up with her own ship to get onto Titan. Thank God because I feel like everything on that planet is – I don't know if Stark could MacGyver all that shit to make something to get off the planet. It looks like it's dead. A dead planet. As dead as Vormir was. Vormir, Vormir was so dead. There was no vegetation on that planet. The, the whole planet was eclipsed by a sun. It was like, it was, it was just a dead planet. Um, but, uh, Stark and Nebula on that, on Titan. Steve Rogers, of course, Cap is alive. Thor's alive. Bruce Banner's alive. Um, Natasha's alive. We've got Rhodey, War Machine's alive. Rockets there. Okoye and, and Mbaku are, are still alive. So, um, I want to talk about these deaths. There was an interview with Entertainment Weekly with Kevin Feige from March 9th. And he was asked by Entertainment Weekly, one criticism you've gotten is when somebody dies in a Marvel movie, they tend to come back in some way. If it happens, will it be for real this time? Kevin Feige replied with, yes. I mean, I could always list off the characters that we've killed in our movies that haven't come back. But the big ones, which I know they're looking at, I would just say yes. People need to be careful what they wish for. Bullshit. Yeah, well, he's just trying to scare little kids. <laughs> I think that Kevin Feige is actually talking about the characters that died before this snapping of the fingers moment. I think he's talking about Heimdall. I think he's talking about Loki and possibly Gamora. I think those characters might not be able to come back from this. Yeah, but he specifically says the big character, so I don't know. It's hard to 
lump any of those into what Kevin would define as the big characters, well, right? He also might be thinking about the grander scale here where in Avengers 4, one or two or three of the big three, and I'm talking Thor, Cap, Tony, could die as well. So, um, but I think, I do think, I think Loki's gone. I do. I think Loki's dead. Mm-hmm. I think Heimdall, yeah, Heimdall's I, gone. I think so too. And I think, I, I think yeah. so too. Gamora might be on her way out. We'll find out. Feels like Idris has wanted a way out for a while. <laughs> it's sad though, because I feel like, um, I feel like Idris ha- could have done a lot more with Heimdall. You know, no, I, I agree. It wasn't yeah. his. Definitely the writer's room fault for that and not his. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's not much Taika could have done because by the time you get to the third movie, you pretty much just have to kind of do something else besides the Asgard thing. You know, you yeah. can't just redo the same movie a third time. Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah. I don't know. You guys want to talk about the post credit scene? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I hated the post credit scene. What? I hated the post credit scene. Why? Because I hate most post credit scenes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why do we have to? None of this means anything to Uber nerds, and it was just—I don't know. I just thought it was stupid. Oh come on, whatever. I did find it hilarious that the people in front of me looked at each other and went, "What was that?" <laughs> like, exactly. They, did, they didn't I, know what the symbol was or anything. I thought it was pretty awesome that it was me and another guy in the theater at the exact same time that said Captain Marvel before we even fucking saw the logo. <laughs> I said it too. Actually, I turned. I I, I turned to, to my friend as we're looking at the at the beeper, and she's like, like intently looking at the screen. I'm like, it's 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 got to be Captain Marvel. It has to be Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. And then, sure enough, when they showed the showed the logo. Everyone around me was like, "Yes, Captain yeah. Marvel!" Like, who else was it going to be? He wasn't going to fucking page Hawkeye. Like, of course he's going to page Captain Marvel. Yeah, we saw the eight pointed red and blue star, and I was just like, "This, this is it's on, it's on Captain Marvel." So, I, yeah. I, 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 I think that even though the Captain Marvel film is set in the nineties, um, I think that that film's going to give us clues. Actually, I don't know. It, I, I'm going to talk I, I want to talk about Ant-Man and Wasp a little bit later when we jump into like predictions for Avengers 4 but maybe I don't, I don't know I, it's set in the 90s that Captain Marvel film do you guys think that it's going to have many connections to what's going on with um, the the ramifications of Infinity War no I think it, if any, it'll it, at the least it'll set up getting her from point A to point B maybe a little bit at the end yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of Kree stuff in that, and then uh, like, at the end of the movie, she will be, you know, in like the cosmic side of Marvel, and then yeah. that will be like the, uh, Nick Fury's way of calling her back to Earth. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it'll be like she'll be in deep space, but before that ever happens, yeah. like there'll be like this, you know, this modified beeper that Rebecca talked about that that'll be, you know, like even the screen on it was like '90s LED, right? So yeah, yeah oh, totally. Absolutely. So yeah, Mar- yeah, Maria Hill is gone now. Nick Fury is gone. He almost said "motherfucker." <laughs> and I, I, I did chuckle at that. That I, was very uh, funny. I read. Yeah, but you didn't chuckle at it in Homecoming, did you? Mm, no. 
No. I, I didn't need to wait fucking eight minutes, though, to chuckle at Samuel L. Jackson almost saying motherfucker. Though. I, I wish if I if I could get the Infinity Gauntlet, I would abolish all end credits. I would snap my fingers and all end credits would disappear. Speaking of snap, snapping uh, the fingers, did you were you guys like Im- impressed or did you have a nerd moment where like he actually just snapped his fingers, you know, straight oh, out I, of the comics? I like gasped. I couldn't yeah. believe that. I mean, obviously, I knew that's what happens in the comic, but mm. the movie, the movie doing that is another thing. And I was in yeah. shock they went it, there. It was one of those oh, things beautiful. where, like, when when he when he snapped the fingers, and then like Thor pushes the Stormbreaker further into his chest cavity and says, "You should have taken the hand." I was just like, "Oh fuck!" Where he said you should have aimed for the head. No, he said the hand. Are you I sure? thought he said head. He I said hand. He said hand. You should have taken the hand. Okay. He can't Blue snap his fingers up. if he's fucking taking his hand. I uh, you can't do nothing if you hit him in the head. <laughs> I just think, well, I, I don't know, but you can't snap your fingers with your head. That's true, but you yeah, can't but control you your hand. Your head off, if you can't do anything. Yeah, if it's a killing blow to the head, there's no snapping going on either. But I, I was, I was very, very happy that like Thor like embedded Stormbreaker in his chest. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. It was like you know he had all the Infinity Stones and thought he was invincible, and then fucking Hammer comes down and is just like doesn't even give a shit. But Thor being a bit of a dick. You know, doesn't actually kill him. He sounds like makes Jake, him suffer. Sounds like Jake wishes he would have snapped his fingers and like did away with all post-credit scenes in any movie. Jesus Christ! Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I said. Did you? I wish it would have happened. Oh, yeah, verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I did. I must have not have heard you. Anyway, um, I block you out when you start talking about post-credit scenes. Um, no, I, I I don't mind them. I actually look forward to them in the Marvel movies. It's kind of like something that I. It's like. Dessert, like I ate the main course, and it's like, oh, what do you got for dessert? That's that's the fucking post credit scenes. And Jake's like, no, I don't like cheesecake. I'm lactose intolerant. I I know you're lactose. Halfway home. Yeah, whatever. I like to sit there and check my phone and shit, and then all of a sudden, you know, and then I like to watch the idiots get up and leave that don't realize that there's post credit scenes in Marvel's movies ten years later. But um, uh, let's see here. So. (laughs) I uh so Captain Marvel probably in deep space doing some stuff. Uh we know that the the Kree Scroll War is a big thing in the Captain Marvel film. I think she's going to choose a side. I think she's going to choose the side of the Kree. She's going to get her powers from Marvel who's going to be played by Jude Law in that film. She's going to choose the power of the Kree and she's probably still just trying to she chooses a side. The of course uh the uh, the Cree are going to win that war. It feels like, or or turn the tide and be able to kind of control the scrolls. And maybe that's what she's doing is just like keeping balance out that in that side of the the universe or whatever. So we'll know more then. Um, but um, let's talk about you guys. Are you guys ready to talk about the future of the MCU and uh, the Avengers Four going forward? And this is going to include. If you want to drop off at this point, we're going to be talking about possible spoilers for Avengers 4 and and uh Ant-Man and Wasp possibly. Are you guys are you guys comfortable or do you guys have things that you want to talk about as far as Avengers Infinity War that we didn't cover? No, no, I'm ready to, no, I'm good to pontificate go. about 4. 
I, I just wanted to say about like the the deaths. Did any of them actually kind of hit you guys at all or not? Or were you kind of, you know, like you just think, oh, it's all going to be reset, so you weren't too worried. Peter, because I stuffed. Peter, because I got to eat my own dick. Um, no, yeah. well, <laughs> no, I, I just thought, like, I mean, obviously, I know they're going to figure out a way to bring back Spider Man, so I know it's not permanent. But I thought of all of them, I thought his was the most gut wrenching because. It just reminded us that he's a 16-year-old kid who's afraid to die. Like, that that really got me. I yeah, thought that, I, that was that was very emotional. Yeah. my emo- I got emotional, but it was, like, kind of the other way around. It's like my emotions weren't so much for the characters that were disappearing, but for, for the characters that were having to witness what was happening. Mm, like, it's like, yeah. as an audience member, I know these characters are coming back. But to see, to see Tony hold Peter in his arms and have to witness that happened to him and you know for cap to see what happened to bucky and yeah it was was more seeing everyone's reactions to what was happening that kind of ate me up more so because i am oh come on no i i I will agree with you lots of people want to yes i i will agree with you jake like when when bucky disappeared and cap like went over to where he was standing he was just like sifting through like the ash or the leaves on the ground, it was just like, oh man, that really, that was sad because, yeah. you know, here they were fighting again together, like they were in the old days, and 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 Bucky's like semi-normal again, and Cap has to watch his. How many times does Captain America have to watch Bucky die? Like hey, a lot, apparently. I got a question. Yeah, Rocket and Groot was really hard too. Yeah, that I got was a sad. Got a question for you. Do you think that Cap or some of the other Avengers? collected the ash and they're going to give it to Hawkeye and he can use it as compost on his farm? (laughs) (laughs) No. I think Hawkeye can use his own dusted family members as compost for his farm. Okay. All right. I just thought thought about that. I was like, man, that Groot compost might be really good. Oh, that's... I'm sure that stuff is full of all the proteins. Yeah. It's like, I would... I I thought it would have been like, on my third viewing, after I kind of like got numb to all the deaths, after Groot died, I almost wanted to say, I am dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, but I yeah, it's, it's like Rocket's reaction, though, that really eats you up, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Unbelievable. No, I mean, for me, it was only Spider-Man that that I really cared about. Just because of the performance. Yeah. Just because of like what Peter was saying. Saying that he didn't want to go. He wasn't yeah. ready. And that um, that reminded me of like when he, in Homecoming, when he's like trapped under all the rubble. And you just, there's, there's a point in there where he's calling out for help and you just re- again you're just reminded like Bet was saying that he's just a kid and I I, uh, I saw on the Facebook page that a lot of people that that scene they weren't too keen on homecoming but having again like you said at the beginning Brian having all this like backstory with all these other movies that actually made the like kind of father son relationship between Peter and Tony really pay off Yeah, when he said he felt strange and he was saying like Mr. Stark I don't want to go and it was like okay now I'm crying yeah Yeah. that was was rough to watch like yeah, that and it did bring me back to that scene in Homecoming, which was one of my favorite scenes when he was stuck under the rubble and he's calling for help and he, he kind of starts almost crying and it, it just keeps reminding you, this is a teenager. This yeah, is a kid, kid who 
who should just be worried about school, but instead he's got these powers and and yeah, when when he yeah, to watch Tony hold him because he is like a father figure to him. He's that he's that mentor figure and then to just watch him fade away and him being so saying how scared he is, how he doesn't want to go and and then he's saying he's sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Sark, I'm sorry I let you down. Oh my God. Yeah. Gut wrenching. <laughs> yeah, that I mean because uh, everyone else was basically silent when they, you know, like disappeared, except for Nick Fury. But um, you know, like that, I thought that that one particular death was incredibly powerful. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I think I, even though he's coming back, Drax, Drax said Quill, and then he went. Oh yeah, that was nice as well. And yeah, I think that's Buck, the thing. It's like just having yeah. people disappear. It doesn't have like that much weight, especially if you you know you you you've read the comics on or or you think you know what's going to happen yeah it doesn't you know it but actually having like some dialogue really sells those scenes so i wish that they had done that a little bit more mm-hmm. all right yeah let's talk about um let's talk about predictions for avengers 4 and are you guys ready for this yep. yeah yeah okay some of this is some of this, I'm going out on a limb again. I love going out on limbs. I love making wild predictions and seeing if if um, if you guys agree with me that some of this stuff could line up and happen. So um, we've seen some pictures from Avengers Four. There have been some leaked photos. If you, if you don't want to know about this stuff, just turn the podcast off now. Don't give a shit if you leave us. So bye. Um, you can go turn to Ash just like Bucky and the rest of those fuckers. Um, we got your download already, motherfuckers. Exactly. So a lot of people are assuming, based on these pictures, from the look of the characters that we've seen in these leaked photos, that they might be pulling from a specific Avengers comic book storyline. And that comic book storyline is Avengers Forever. And the Avengers Forever story is, uh, it, it takes place five years after the events of Infinity War, and it has Tony Stark and the remaining Avengers, they're working as agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, with the help of Hank Pym, they develop a new time travel technology that they will use to go back in time to defeat Thanos. Now, with this being five years after the Infinity War, this, this makes sense because the shots that we saw from the leaked photos of Robert Downey Jr. on the set he had grayer hair, and he's also in a shield uniform. Okay, um, keep that in mind. Uh, there's also been shots of Scott Lang with Tony Stark in these set photos, so it's not out of the question that that uh, Hank Pym might be involved in this as well. So you've got Shield, and we know that there was a line that Natasha gave in this movie. And she and Natasha talked about um, Shield and Scott Lang and Hawkeye on house arrest. It was either I think it was Natasha. But they were talking to yeah. they were talking to Rhodey. They were yeah they were she, they were all talking to Rhodey. And after after Cap and them got together, and she said that Scott Lang and Hawkeye are on some sort of like house arrest. And so I thought it was that they they opted out to be with their families. Or did they, was well, it what, called a house yeah, what, she, yeah, yes. what she says is that 
that it was too hard on their families, yeah. so they took a deal. Yes, yes. And I, part I'm, of the deal was that they were on house arrest. I'm, okay, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna get to that because it, it, it I can prove that 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 is the case, and I'll, I'll get. I believe to, you. I'll, I'll get. It's, to, a, it's a non-factor. I'll get to that. So let's say the, uh, they're on house arrest. They've taken this deal from Shield, and um, so I'm thinking uh, maybe the events of Ant Man and Wasp is not taking place um directly after the infinity war it might be taking place right before infinity war and during infinity war now let me let me get to this and and it'll kind of line up more that shield that that scott and hawkeye aren't on shield's bad side anymore okay so we know from the leaked photos that we've seen in the battle of new york that captain america is back in his avengers movie costume we we've seen these photos and it could be it could be time travel in play here but we we don't know but what's weird is that in these leaked photos we also see paul rudd who plays ant-man and tony stark in a shield uniform and Cap in his Avengers costume. So we see Cap in his Avengers costume, Paul Rudd in the Ant-Man costume, and Tony, not in the Iron Man costume, but in his S.H.I.E.L.D. uniform. Now, they're all wearing these bracelets on their hands. These these bracelets. Uh, Ant-Man's is actually kind of embedded into his suit. But we see Tony, and he's got like a bracelet on his hand with like a circular device on the top of it. Uh, same goes for Cap. I'm thinking that Hank Pym is working with S.H.I.E.L.D. after he's inspired by interdimensional travel that we will get with the Quantum Realm in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And he uses the the science of the Quantum Realm to develop technology that they'll be able to use to... for time travel. Now, hold on. Let me let me explain this a little bit more. I'm going to go into this a little bit more and try to prove it to you a little bit more. Why does Hank Pym align with Shield and develop the technology to go back in time? I think that the film, like I said, is going to take place before the events of Infinity War and also around the same time as Infinity War. And the reason that I say that is, like I said, like Black Widow said to Rhodey that Scott and Hawkeye took the deal from S.H.I.E.L.D. And in the trailer for Ant-Man and Wasp, we see who I think are S.H.I.E.L.D. agents putting a device on Scott Lang's foot. There's a device they put like a, like a, if you've ever seen like a house arrest boot, they put something on his leg, on his foot that I think is like a house arrest device from S.H.I.E.L.D. And we see that in the first Ant-Man and Wasp trailer. And I think mm. we're watching that happen in that trailer. Um, I think that that's a house arrest aspect. That, that, that uh, It's part of that deal with S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm betting that once they find a way to get Janet Van Dyne, who's been trapped in the quantum realm, out of the quantum realm, because Scott Lang got out of the first Ant-Man movie... Uh, he got out of the quantum realm in the first Ant-Man movie. And they said that once you're in, you can never get out. You just continue to shrink and you can't get out. Well, Scott Lang got out. 
So they're going to try to get back in there and try to get Janet Van Dyne. And we've seen a leaked shot of Hank Pym on a beach with Janet Van Dyne, and they're enjoying some time together. I think that this is what I think, and I don't know if, if – tell me what you guys think about this. Scott Lang, Hope Van Dyne, they go into the quantum realm. They pull Janet Van Dyne out of the quantum realm. She's out of the quantum realm. She's spending some time on the beach with Hank Pym, and they're having a beautiful moment. All of a sudden, Janet Van Dyne turns into a pile of ash. No. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I've read a lot of stuff in the last, like, 24 hours where um, they're confirming that um, Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place after Civil War and before Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been reading the same stuff. Okay. I'm not, I'm not So you're, you're dead on on that. Okay. So I, I, I'm actually not even done with everything. I've got more stuff that I can present to you, but I'm glad that you guys are. Oh, I'm, re- sure. I'm glad that you guys are reading stuff that's lining up with what I'm saying. So I'm saying that that uh, they're in the quantum realm. They get her out, and her and Hank are on the beach, and everything's going great. And then as soon as he gets her back, just like Bucky, just like Peter, just like Quill, Drax, she turns into ash on the beach. We think that we're watching this wonderful moment between these two reunited after so many years, and she's gone now. So um, not only not only time travel, but I think that we might get a scene – and I don't know about this, but I'm going to go into it anyway. We might get a scene of all of the ones who have died in this that were taken by Ash in Soul World. The orange world that we saw in this film where Thanos is talking to young Gamora. The quotes by Sebastian Stan that I actually read on the last episode, Jake and Rebecca, that you were on with mm-hmm. me, they kind of right. line up with this. Sebastian Stan said, there was one scene, I think, we had everybody was there. I can't really talk about that scene, but I knew it took them three months in planning this scene to have everyone there. You look around and you just saw everyone from Samuel L. Jackson to Michael Douglas to Michelle Pfeiffer. Everybody was there. Now, hold on. Does Hank Pym use the quantum realm to visit the soul world? Does he use his science and understanding of the quantum realm to develop time travel, or, or is he taken as well? Does he develop the time travel before that and then is taken? I don't know. We'll find out. But I think that Hank Pym is going to be instrumental in the time travel if there is time travel involved. Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you go to the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe Wikia page, it says this about the quantum realm. The quantum realm is an alternate dimension only accessible through magical energy, mystical transportation, using a sling ring, or by tremendous subatomic shrinking caused by the Pym particles. In the quantum realm, space and time are believed to be irrelevant. Number one, you can get there through magical energy, we saw, um, or mystical transportation. That's how we saw Dr. Strange get there. Or by tremendous subatomic shrinking. That's how Scott Lang and Janet Van Dyne got there. Okay. Uh, it also says in the quantum realm, space and time are believed to be irrelevant. So if space and time are irrelevant in the quantum realm, maybe the time stone and the space stone won't have a presence there at all. And Thanos will not be tipped off 
that they're even using it for space and time. It's in an alternate dimension. Now, if you read the Infinity Comics with Jonathan Hickman, there were different dimensions that were basically colliding into each other and destroying one another. There's so many different multiverses, and they were all just kind of colliding and destroying each other as they met these different, like different worlds would just smash into each other and then they, they would go out of existence. It was one of the characters in that infinity run by Jonathan Hickman. I think it was black Panther that, that basically he traveled to another dimension and he was part of the infinity stone Illuminati and he had a stone and he was going to use it in the other dimension. And when he tried to use it in the other dimension, the stone was destroyed. The stone had no dominion in the other dimension. So an infinity stone only works in our dimension and it got destroyed in the other dimension. So I just wanted That's to, interesting. I wanted to throw that out there. So what does that have to do with Soul World? I also read this on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Wikia. I'm not going to the comic book pages, guys. I'm going to the MCU Wikia page, okay? It says nothing. This is not comics, okay? This is MCU Wikia. And it said, Scott Lang's incursion into the quantum realm began on a microscopic level, then entered atomic size, later dissolving into pure energy and waves, then in a fractal-like reality where the shrinking person meets an infinite number of mere images of themselves a possible indication of the soul concept and ending in a weightless dark void with pockets of dim light I find it interesting that they word it as a possible indication of the soul concept Hmm. Yeah, just using that word makes you – yeah. And what you're saying about everyone being in the same – there's a lot to unpack in what you said. Um, what you said with everyone being in the same scene together, I do see what you're saying about like how do you make that scene happen. It's got to be some kind of mystical gathering somehow mm-hmm. and the gathering in the Soul Stone makes sense there. If um, if Hank Pym uses the the science from the quantum realm, which basically space and time are irrelevant – if he can do that, if he can find another way to time travel and use space and time and make it irrelevant through the quantum realm technology and what he's learned through the quantum realm, that means that Thanos has no dominion or the stones for that matter have no dominion, no power in the quantum realm. Captain yeah, Mar- did it. Yeah, and Cap- it just becomes a mission of getting him there, and that that's an interesting story. How do you lure Thanos in there in the first place? You or, can try to get trick it. Him exactly. Well, we know in the original Avengers film that a portal opened up uh, from uh, wherever Thanos and the Chartari were to enter into New York City. Could they try to turn that portal into a way to get Thanos and the rest of the Chitari into the quantum realm to trap them there? I don't know if that if that's what they're going to do. They might just even use the quantum realm and the science and the to from the quantum realm to figure out a way to be undetectable by going back in time and trying to stop Thanos. I don't know. Yeah, that's but, what I that's because I've, I've obviously read into this as well, and I I picked up on that quote too about like time and space not yeah. being relevant. Yeah. So I thought that 
that might be part of like the technology that they use to either time travel and stay off Thanos's radar, mm-hmm. but but also not not again. This is all like sort of Marvel tech, but like they they wouldn't they wouldn't be adhered to the rules. They couldn't use the time or the space stone against them. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Because it's, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's another dimension. The quantum exactly. realm, in, if you go to Marvel Wikia page, it says that the quantum realm is an alternate dimension. So in an alternate dimension, th- okay, we know from Wong telling us in this film that the stones were created in our dimension. If you yes. take the infinity stones and uh, and you put them into an alternate dimension, they might just be fucking rocks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The other dimension might have their own stones. And so the ones you brought with well, you don't mean dick. That was the case in the Jonathan Hickman infinity run. They had their mm-hmm. own stones. So, mm-hmm. um, Joe and Anthony Russo also revealed that the title for Avengers four might be a little bit spoilery. So that also mean, that also makes me think that maybe the title of the film is actually Avengers forever, which kind of like, is inspired by everything that I've just kind of talked about with Hank Pym developing the technology. And yeah, that's uh, one of my favorite comic series ever, by the way, Avengers forever. Uh, Kurt Busiek wrote that Carlos Pacchio drew yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I it's was going to say, awesome. I was going to say, Jake, are you excited? Because they introduced Kang in that. Yeah. So yeah. do you think that they, we might get Kang and then maybe your dreams will come true? Listen, if we're going to ape Avengers forever and then not introduce Kang, fuck you, MCU. <laughs> well, Jake, like, it might be a post credit scene leading into, like, the next phase of Marvel films. So Yeah, because why introduce things, like, the proper way? Why not just do it the cheap post credit way? I love post credits. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to, like, th- agree with you on this whole post credit stuff. That's I never, all you, man. W- what do you think that's what my goal is? No. It's, whether it's, or not I like post credit scenes is not indicative know. on whether or not you like them, Brian. Oh, I know. I'm just, I, I just, I want to reiterate it every time that you bring it up that I hate it. And it's just like, it's like, it's just a constant theme on this show. Five years is a five year celebration. <laughs> and it's just five years of me celebrating them and you just fucking, like knocking them down, popping those balloons every time. I, every- I, I don't like them. I didn't know liking those post credit stingers was a requirement here because I think they're dumb. No, I'm not throwing up a fucking like. I'm not. It's not like I. It's not like I'm putting up a fucking like podcast rules on my goddamn refrigerator and saying like you gotta like. I just every time you bring it up, it's just like I, what the fuck this guy? Why all the time? All the time with the post credit scenes. Jesus Christ! Well, they don't get any better. They just get worse. Oh, they so do it, not. It's it, you're out of your goddamn mind. I'd say, I'd say, most- it's, it's art. I'm allowed to think they're dumb and I think they are dumb and in some ways destroy the art. Uh, it's fine. It's just like in, it, like, like in comic books, like, like some of the last panels in the comic books is like, it's just a cliffhanger to leave you to, to, to get the next comic. That's yeah, but thing. Brian, I don't have to flip through 30 pages of nothing to get to that fucking panel. It's, oh, it's stupid to me. I know. It's a, it's a time thing for you. It's like, why don't you use it? Dr. Strange can use the time stone to like flip through the fucking credits so you can watch your post credit scene and leave the theater. I got one fucking life, man. I'm not trying to waste it sitting through a thousand movie credits. Oh, God. Oh, oh if I could have back all the time that I sit there and would listen and I have to acknowledge all the people that made this <laughs> wonderful movie that I just Tupperware. God forbid I sit there and read about all these people that put this movie together for me. Hey, get out of there. 
Oh, God. So all every movie you see, you sit there and honor all the people that made the movie? Yeah, I do. I fucking, I, I've got a fucking, like, a little, uh, I don't know, like a little worship table in my bedroom, and I got all their names up there, and I fucking, <laughs> I pray to them and shit like that. And all. No, Because I feel like the only reason you're honoring these people is because they're making you, because you got to stay there and watch It's anticipation. I like anticipation. <laughs> I like the anticipation. It's, it's, it's basically when those fucking credits show up, it's like the woman, she's got her lingerie on, and I'm waiting for her to take it off. I'm ready for the fucking, I'm like, let's do this. Like, okay, now I'm, in, I'm enjoying like, oh my gosh, wow, what a lovely shape you have. Okay, now we're taking the lingerie off. Okay, here we, now we got the post credit scene, and awesome, amazing. I have no problem sitting there. It's really not that long, Jake. Jesus Christ! It's not that. Yeah, but there's long. no payoff. Yeah, there is. We found out there. We found out that 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 uh, Nick Fury sent a fucking page to Captain Marvel. We know we're getting. Would have been way cooler to find that out in the Captain Marvel movie or somewhere else instead of where we did. I hate it. Oh, get out of here! No, all right. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine with talking about it. It's so much speculation. We talked about it in this episode. It's so much. I'm not fun. fine with talking. Fine with talking about it, but I I don't like the art of the post credits sequence i think it's stupid i love the post-credit sequence i just want i I still i'm all for a movie just called post-credit sequence it's just (laughs) (laughs) post-credits what do you have to sit through to see that movie you literally have to like it's like one name on the screen and then you get a sequence and then they throw another name on the screen and you get another sequence and the movie is literally it's torture for you it's just torture. I, I won't you. see the movie. It's 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 well advertised as post credit sequence. The movie, so it's I, not torture for me. I know. It, no, it's it's perfect for me because you're not going to be on that review, and I don't have to listen to you piss and moan about it every goddamn time that Marvel has a post credit sequence. It's a it's a fucking amazing that you hate the DCEU movies because, like, I'd say like more seventy five percent of those don't have a post credit sequence. I've, I've praised many a time. I've praised the DCEU movies for not having stupid post credit credit sequences. You know, I'm going to throw a post credit <laughs> sequence into this fucking episode after I play the end music. I'm going to have a post credit sequence. Just to just 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 throw it in your face a little bit. Yeah, you, use your pager and find some fucking host that'll fucking say he likes them. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> God, Beck, Beck, our dads are arguing. Uh, I mom and dad. Um, can we use the? Can we Doctor Strange use the time stone to go back and avoid this whole conversation? Is that possible? <laughs> I, I wish I could use the time stone to go back and not have sat. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh my god. Oh Jake. Oh my god. Fucking uh fucking first world problem sitting there watching Oh no, I'm in I'm in an air conditioned building and I'm like oh god no I, I, I just don't understand why I'm not allowed to dislike them. Like why you're so like I don't can't I just think they're stupid? Oh oh you can, but like, I have it- I have every right to berate you every time you bring it up. <laughs> I have just as much goddamn right to sit here and berate your fucking ass for this fucking stupid no, no, trivia no, 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 this stupid I, goddamn trivial bullshit. No, every time there's a goddamn post fucking credit scene, it's, if you're gonna sit here and piss and moan about him, I have every right to fucking berate you. I'm not taking away your rights. I would love to do another two more hours of this. It's Beck and Dan that were asking us to stop. 
<laughs> oh God! Yeah, I know. Seriously, I'm not complaining about this fight. I, I know. find it quite amusing. Just like Beth no, and Dan were getting uncomfortable. <laughs> they asked if we could stop. I know. Hey man, I know you guys. If you're yelling at anyone, you're yelling at Beck and Dan. No, hey, 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 hey Dan, Dan. We're trying to take away your rights, Brian. Dan, hey, and listen, listen to me, God damn it, Dan, Rebecca, grow a fucking sack on your chin like Thanos and just deal with it. <laughs> You guys got to understand, like, when me and Jake go off on each other like this, it's just, it's all in fun. Like, I I really, like, one of the things, I love uh, that Jake hates post-credit scenes, and I love bringing this shit up, and I love talking about it, and it's fun. It's just, I, you know, of course, I want to, I want to, I want to force my views onto him. I know that he's never going to like these things, but I feel like. There's- and I swear to you guys, I love deadpan jokes. I'm saying the shit and then I'm hitting mute and fucking cracking up. <laughs> you guys, it's, it's, it's one of those things like people listen to this and they sit there and they get uncomfortable and they're like, oh my gosh, oh my, he's yelling at these two men. They're yelling. At-. It's like, it's, it's one of those things like it, at the end of the day, I'm not going to get off this, this, we, Jake, we've been doing this for five years. And yeah. there's nobody else that I would rather yell about post-credit scenes with than you because you're the only one that gets it. There have been – we've had people on this show before that are really super sensitive and and, and they, can't, they can't handle it. And, Jake, you get it. You fucking get it. You get me. No, it cracks me up. And I'll only say this once and I'll deny that I even ever said it even that it's on a podcast like – I'm just fucking joking, people. I was never going to get on my pager and fucking, or I never wanted Brian to get another host. That shit cracks me up. It's the deadpan seriousness of right. it that is just my kind of goofy humor sensibility. It's, so. it's, it's all thrown out the window at the end of the day. Like, I am not, like, I don't get off the podcast, like, fuming angry um, about this <laughs> stuff. I think five years in, me and Jake kind of get each other. And, like, the fact that me and Jake can make so many people uncomfortable when we do this, that's why. <laughs> I like. That's like our Wonder Twin power. Dude. It is. It is. It is. It is. It's like it's like we don't turn into a we don't turn into a like a, a mop and a a bucket. We we we, we have the power. We turn into fucking vinegar and baking soda. Yes. I, I'd say it's more like uh, I don't know, like uh, ammonia and uh, how do you make mustard gas? Um, anyway, um, let's see. Here. My God. But to reiterate, post-credit sequences are fucking bags of dicks. <laughs> like how you just—that's that's Jake's little period on the whole sentence. I, I like. <laughs> I, I, Jake, you're just. Oh man, you're just you're 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 fantastic. Anyway, uh, Scott <laughs> Scott uh, Scott Shooty had his own prediction for Avengers Four that I kind of wanted to go over because I did think it was brilliant and I love it. Um, he says, Scott sent me a message. He said, uh, Tony has to survive because he is the one who will wield the infinity gauntlet and bring the universe back to order. He has the connection with Thanos as well, but in order to wield the gauntlet, the soul gem will need a sacrifice. Captain America will make that sacrifice. Yay. Get rid of him. <laughs> Jesus, Dan. No, I actually really like that theory because it's very 
it's it's exactly what Cap would do. It's a hundred percent what he would do. It stays true to the character. Okay, so do you think that maybe Thor says to Cap right before Thor dies in the Avengers Four film, Thor whispers to Cap as his last dying words are he needs to cut off the hand of Thanos. Or like you guys said, his fucking head. Cut off his head. Cut off his um, hand or whatever. But anyway, there. do you think that maybe um, there's no real proof that you have to be worthy to pick up Stormbreaker, but a lot of people think that it is believed that just like Mjolnir, that no one but Thor or somebody worthy can lift Stormbreaker. So no. maybe we get a scene of a worthy cap picking up Stormbreaker, cutting off the hand of uh, of Thanos. That would be awesome, but there's nothing in the, in the lore of the movies that says that you can't wield Stormbreaker. It doesn't have an enchantment from Odin on it at all, like Molia did. Yeah, so that's yeah. To- that's completely plausible. That is, yeah, it's it true. I. Yeah, part of me, part of me would love it if they explained it. Like, he did explain in the movie that nobody else would be able to wield the weapon. It would destroy, none, none of, none of the guardians would be able to wield it because it would like, their minds would collapse and it would kill oh, them. Oh yeah, that's right. They did say that, didn't they? And their yeah. bodies would like shrivel up and die. Yeah. So it's like, for Cap to be able to, to wield that strength, to, to wield the weapon, uh, that's made for a god or, or, or an Asgardian king. And, um, you know, we saw yeah. him. Yeah. I, I think- I've always wanted to see Cap with the shield yes. and the hammer. Yes. That's mm-hmm. what I want, man. I want that to happen. Yes. That'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. It does kind of take away a little bit of the special of it when he's not picking up, you know, the old hammer yeah. and getting to use it. True. But, it could still be cool. Yeah, and they've already had Vision pick it up, so fuck. Thanks, Joss Whedon, for that. I mean, god damn it. And, uh, <laughs> how, how is Vision able to, like, Vision worthy to pick up Mjolnir and he's running off with Wanda after their fucking love connection with Chuck Woolery? Like, fuck that. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have, be like celibate to be worthy. Well, like just half. not, pu- not, not, <laughs> not pussy whipped, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> You know? Yeah, Thor is, Thor dumped his woman. He ain't pussy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all I got. Do you guys have anything that you guys want to finish on here before I, uh, I do want to say a couple things, but anything Infinity War related? No, I, Scott's, Scott's plan was interesting. I like it. It's good shit. Good. I, when I got that, I read it. I was like, I really like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think it's true to all the characters and, I, I think, I mean, we know just like legally speaking, you know, Chris Evans has said next movie is his last one. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna have Cap go out like with a death, him sacrificing himself to save everyone that he cares about is absolutely 100% Captain America. Like you would, if that have, if it goes down that way or in some form of that way, like, I would be I would be okay with saying goodbye to the character that way. What do you guys think about them going to uh whatever Soul World and Cap going face to face with uh the new Soul Keeper, which is uh Red Skull? Oh god, that would be amazing. That, yeah, I would I, love I, 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 I would hope love to see that. Red Skull again. 
Yeah. I hope Cap sees Red Skull again. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's I, what I want too. I, I want Cap to see Red Skull again. Like I want Cap to know that Red Skull is still running around doing stuff. Like that I think would be would be super cool. Hmm. Give me Cap with the shield and Stormbreaker taking out Thanos in and then using the gauntlet as a sacrifice interspersed with the clips of him diving on the grenade from the first Avenger. Oh my god, stop it, Dan. Stop it. Then then I would cry, and that would be a perfect end for me. That would be amazing. I'm crying right now inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only the only way they could make that better is if they make that a post credit scene in the film. No, it's too it's, it's it's too important and it has sustenance, so it can't be in the post credits. Uh, yeah, it's so not that meaningless be... drivel, so it has to be in the main movie. Ah, there's there's that guy. You're... <laughs> there's that guy I know. There he is. There he is. I I bet you any new listeners will find it hard to believe that only two weeks ago we were all in a bar drinking and laughing and and (laughs) telling uh, each other and singing, you know, just hanging out the best time ever. It's very true. I want Very true, Dan. Let's talk about Let's talk about that. Five years. I hate all three of you. Hold on. Let's talk about that. Whatever. I never liked you anyway, Jake. Five years ago. I know. I could tell. Five years ago, me and Jake, we, we started this podcast and, uh, here we are five years later. And just like Dan said, just like a couple weeks ago, we're in Chicago. Dan lives in England. Rebecca's from New York and me and Jake here from central Illinois. And not only just us, but we had people from California. We had, uh, uh, Faye came from Scotland. Scotland. I mean, we, I mean, we had, uh, Dan, uh, Dan Mottram. Yeah. Manchester. Yeah, I mean, uh, California, where else? Like, uh, all, all over. Connecticut, Connecticut. Kentucky, Florida. Missouri. Florida. Yeah. Florida. Scotch. Florida. I mean, we had, I, literally, I'd say over 40, near 50 people show up. Yeah. Iowa. Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Gafford came down from Michigan. Um, I mean, we had people from all over. Yeah, uh, Joe Stark, um, you know, former guest on the show. I, I, I see former guest, but I want to say like just friend, you know, it's like, it's, 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 the, the, Oh yeah. That's what all these people are more than guests at this yes, point. Yeah. Like, um, except Beck and Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag truth. <laughs> I mean, here, Jake, this is fucking, it's, it, it's incredible. And it's, it's funny. Like I, you read the one star reviews. On it, and 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 it's and uh, you read the one star reviews for our show, and um, it doesn't matter. It does the one star reviews for our show don't matter when you've got five star reviews, and those five star reviews turn into like lifelong friends, and that's what this. Like I don't, I, I try not to get too sentimental on this shit, but like when I sit back and I think about it and when I, when I was at C2E2 and we're all in Chicago and we're all up there and like hanging out and there's like so many people in a room that traveled from all over to like be not only just to meet me and Jake, but to like meet each other. It me, it, it, it just, it just like Jake, like, did you, did you, did you, do you, do you sit back? Do you sit back on the outside and you think to yourself like, did you, when you looked at that scene, did you think like, I did for like a split second. I thought like this would like if we didn't do this, like none of these people would know each other. And like, this is us. We did this. 
Yeah, man. We created all these like lifelong bonds that yeah. are just so special to everyone. And I mean, it's eclipsed us at this point. I mean, we yeah. may have started it, yes. but it, at this point, it's fucking eclipsed us. Exactly. It's become its own fucking entity. Exactly. And it's fucking yeah. amazing. It's like exactly like I said to you outside, man. Literally, we were saying bye to each other. And it was you, me, and Beck, and Jacob Harmon. And I just went, if it wasn't for you guys doing the show, that little moment, us outside the front of the hotel, we wouldn't be there. We would have been somewhere completely different doing something totally different not knowing any of these people it's it's amazing yeah, yeah it's it's incredible yeah like this is we do the podcast but the friendships are our post credit scene to <laughs> don't, don't ruin the fucking <laughs> No, the no. Friendships also are important and have substance, so they would happen in the main movie. <laughs> you know like what? The, the post credit sequence is like Scott's spreadsheet and shit. Oh, no. <laughs> I, no. Uh, it'd be all the credits, and then this big spreadsheet would come up. One of the one of the coolest things that's ever come out of this show, too, Rebecca, is um, what happened with your sister. My sister is engaged to another listener. Is that wild or what? It is <laughs> yeah. wild. And they engaged to another listener. Yeah, they met each other through listening to this show, and I got mm-hmm. to meet them both at C two E two, and like, I like I like I don't want to take credit for that. That seems so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I think you can take like five percent of the credit. Yeah, I think you can take five. I think that that's. Yeah, I I think that's that's a reasonable amount of credit to take. Five percent? I'm yeah. going to say fifteen at least. <laughs> yeah, fifteen. <laughs> These people never met each other if it wasn't for us, right? <laughs> yeah, agreed, man. <laughs> I remember when I first saw Gus, I attacked him for having a fake name. <laughs> you know what? You know what? It wasn't until until me and Cat had dinner with Janine and Gus and we were having dinner we'd order our food and I went what's your name <laughs> and I was like I've been talking to the guy for years yeah and I found out his actual name <laughs> I remember the first time he sent me like he'd sent me emails before and the first time he revealed his real name to me I never forgot it it was it, it, like you guys, like the thing is, I want our listeners to know, like the ones that really like reach out to me, like all the time, that you guys like are, you know, like you guys listen to us and you, you know, like, oh Jake and Brian, you know the dynamic, and you guys think of us as like your hosts and like your fans or whatever. And I think that it's it's kind of weird for me to think about it that way that that Jake and I have fans, which is fucking weird. But like on the flip side, like I look at you guys like rock stars too. Like I look at like. Dan, I look at you as like a fucking rock star. Rebecca, Jacob Harmon, like you guys are fucking like rock stars in my world now, which is, it's, it's. Oh my God, that's so sweet, Brian. Oh, you're getting emotional over here. It's true. I mean. <laughs> you cry at everything. I do. I never said I haven't, but I'm just saying that it's, 
This, yes, I've the, also had a lot of beers, so yeah. that, that'll make it even more. No, Dan's the real rock star here. I will guarantee you that after everybody came to see you, Brian and Jake, the next po- the next most popular person to be seen at C2E2 was Dan West. Like that, I and and Scott and I were talking and said that next year, Dan, we're going to set up a table for you, and we're going to do another spreadsheet, and we're going to have uh, time slots for you to spend ten minutes with everybody because that's yeah. the only way everyone can get some Dan West time because that's what everybody wanted <laughs> yeah I'm very Dan flattered West. you put Dan ahead of me because there's no way that's fucking true I said if met you, Brian and Jake, then it was Dan West. No, that's- no, I'm saying that I'm very flattered that you think that, but that is not true. <laughs> I know you're drunk, but follow along. They like Dan more than me. I remember I, I remember the first time I got a Dan West email. Like it I remember the first time I got Dan, a Dan West email. I, I, I was so excited. I probably screenshot it and sent it to you, Jake. And, 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 oh, for sure. And I, and, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, we have an international listener from England that's listening to us. And it's like, we're, we're not, we're, we're crossing the ocean. And Dan said, you know, your listener from across the pond in his email. And I was just like, I was blown away that like we had uh, a listener that was like, um, in another country listening to us that really enjoyed what we did. And like here, Dan, you're on the show. Like I've met you twice now in person and it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's such an amazing thing. Like that's the thing. Like if you've, if you've always kind of like, uh, wanted to ha- start a podcast and do one, just try it. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and you might you might meet some really cool and amazing people that that you will never. I mean, I these are friendships now. This is just five years. I know we talk. We if you, if you don't want to hear this shit, just turn it off, okay? Because like we're I'm, I'm done with talking about Captain America and and tossing shields and hammers and shit, okay? I'm talking about <laughs> wow. I, I, I'm, I totally I totally just undercut how much I love the MCU, but um. Yeah, this is also a five-year anniversary show, so I want to let everybody. This is kind of like I just want to get real, like like everybody know that like listens, like how much you mean to me, and how important it is that you do listen, because uh, Jake, like uh, it's the show is 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 not. It's, we're not huge. We're not like it's not like we're Joe Rogan or anything. We're not like Kevin Smith, but we we do have quite a following for just two guys that live in central Illinois that aren't anybody that don't come from anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've rubbed elbows with some, some named celebrities on those iTunes charts and man, that's so flattering that just me and you from fucking central Illinois basements can fucking end up on iTunes. But it's not because of us. It's because of our listeners and it's because of our listeners being dedicated and it's because of our listeners reaching out to us. If nobody guys, we would, I would have stopped this a long time ago. I'm not trying to say like, Oh my God, me and Jake were so fucking good at this because I think I'm terrible. I literally, I, <laughs> yeah, it's the list, it's the listeners telling their friends and, yes. and getting new. I, mean, I we've gotten countless listeners from our passionate listeners spreading it to their yes. friends and then their friends become just as passionate as the original listener. And the thing is, it's like we want to, we, I want to invite more like-minded and fun people into this. I, I want to meet the next Dan West. I want to meet the next Jacob Harmon. I want to meet the next Rebecca Daling. I want to meet the next Paul Hart. The next Joe Stark. I want to meet all the next people that we that I Rod Claire, but I, I, I Scott Shooty. I want to meet 
all of the next who who else is gonna like and I, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to get all David Crush and start a goddamn cult here. I just want to make some new friends and meet some new people around here. Not it's not like at the end of the day, like one of these days, I'm gonna be like, hey guys, all right, like, let's take a sip of that punch, okay? Let's do that. Oh, okay? I can't wait till we tell them our actual mission statement. <laughs> I, no, I just I want to I want to I want to I want to cast that net and I want to see who's out there that's like minded. That, that enjoys what we do and wants to be involved in this stuff because I love giving people a voice. I love the fact that Dan West, you, like, you, you came, you just, you sent a fucking email. You could, you didn't know if I was going to even fucking respond or Jake was going to respond if we were going to reach back out to you, but we did. And, and then we, we started talking like, and now, now you're on the show. Now you're a voice. People know you, Dan. People fucking know you. And the someone same- asked for my fucking autograph at C three two. It was you ridiculous. <laughs> Did you charge him? No, <laughs> dummy. Dude, I was hungover and eating breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, Brian, like just like on a, on a personal note too. Like I still, I remember the day that you messaged me and said. Hey, I know you're going to watch Runaways. Do you want to do a Runaways podcast with me? Mm. And I was like blown away because I said, oh, wow. Like you could ask anybody to be on that show. And you asked me. I was so flattered. I was so I was so humbled. And I was so like excited to do that show with you. And I had so much fun doing that show with you. And then it turned into now we're doing number one comic books together mm-hmm. and now we're with Joe and Rod and now we're doing uh, oblivion song podcast together. And I, I, it's just like, it's absolutely incredible. I never thought like as much as I love to talk <laughs> because you can't shut me up as much as I love to talk. I never thought I would be doing this ever. Yeah. So I, I think it's really, I think it's really cool. And I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to call you my friend. I'm happy to call Jake my friend and Dan too. And everybody else in the leftover army. I'm happy to call you all my friends. So that's the thing. I like for all the people that give us one star reviews that kind of like listen, shrug us off and say whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll take those one star reviews, but you know what? I'll also take the five stars and I'll also take new friends and friendships. And that's what's going to keep this going. Okay. It's like, and I'm, I'm here and I know Jake's here. We can sit here and we can like, we can fucking like, uh, uh, yell at each other about post credit scenes. But at the end of the day, man, if I'm having a, if I'm having a bad day or if Jake's having a bad day, I want him to know that he can come to me, you know? Oh yeah. And you know, I know that. And I know yeah. you know that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, it's great. I might tell him that I'll support him in a post credit scene, but. You know, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like, I don't know, man. It's like it's crazy. Like, I the last thing that I would have ever expected when we started this is for like Jake to be like one of my best friends in the fucking world. But you are. Yeah, the whole that whole thing was ridiculous. I mean, me and you were the most like at each other's throats when this whole thing started. <laughs> yeah, it's true, <laughs> you really were. It's true, and it's like I don't think anyone saw that. I think it was more than just me and you not seeing mm-hmm. that coming. I think our entire audience that has been with us since yeah. those early days is like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jake, Jake and Brian fucking are really good friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell Jake anything. Like, literally, I can tell Jake anything. Like, uh, I will, I will actually, I will text Jake every once in a while. I'll be like, dude, don't ever tell anybody this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never do. I keep to I know you don't. Shit I keep to myself. 
I know you don't. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, don't tell anybody this, but boom. And it's like, it's great. Oh, man. Yeah. There's, whenever we have that final episode, we'll have some good stories. That's for sure. Absolutely. It's, we're going to go out and I'm honestly, the last episode, whenever the last episode is, I don't know when it'll be. But it's just going to be – it's going to be everything. We're going to let it all out of the bag. <laughs> I agree. I agree. We definitely need to average – like I hope when we do go out, we like plan to go out. Like exactly. I don't want yeah. us to, it to be like a falling out and then we, like the last episode is like a cliffhanger, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Our yeah. show gets canceled. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week for Star Wars Episode 15. It's like – Oh, Brian got hit by a bus that week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would really put a damper on Star Wars for me. Yeah. Well, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember you always saying that, like, if you were in an accident and, like, you couldn't remember what was happening, then we would put you in front of a mic and make you podcast anyway. <laughs> and, that, yes. and then we would tell you that you were, like, a really big deal and stuff like that and just lie to you all the time. <laughs> oh, man. So basically you were saying, like, I, oh, did I – was it me that said this? Yes, it was, it was you. you. I, I remember this. I remember this. Episode oh yeah. Too. If I'm no, absolutely. If I'm brain damaged, throw me up in front of a mic. Absolutely. Do it. <laughs> you like basically just wheel your brain dead ass up to the microphone. No, and so, do what yeah. Got to do seriously. And I, I seriously, I want it to be played for laughs. I don't want you guys to be feel, feel sorry for me. Like whatever I did, however I got brain damaged, I want you guys to realize that it was probably my fault. Okay. So that <laughs> like I. <laughs> I want you to like as soon as I start talking, like in my head, whatever it makes sense. But like as soon as it leaves my mouth and it comes out like gibberish, like I'm, I don't know, like I'm speaking in tongues at like a weird church. I want you guys to laugh at me, okay, and have fun with that. All right, I don't want you to feel like you guys can't enjoy yourselves. Like, oh my gosh, oh my, look, Brian, he's he's fallen so hard. These are bad times. No, I want you to. Listen to my incoherent ass and just, and just, and just have fun. Just laugh at me one last time. Don't laugh with me like you usually do. I want you to laugh at me. Okay. That'll make me feel good. All right. I got your back. All right. All right. All right. And you know what? If I start drooling on myself, don't worry about it. Just let me do it. All right. No, no, don't worry about I'll give you a bib. Yeah, don't, don't even, don't even, nah, just let, just let me go to town and okay. Just like, just like, just, drool town. Just, yeah. Let me drool it up. Okay, yeah. yeah. What the fuck am I even talking? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's uh, happening. <laughs> I like to just send this bitch. I'm ready to eat. I'm ready to go too, <laughs> guys. Uh, five years of pop culture leftovers. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for listening, Rebecca, Dan. Thank you so much for being on this episode. I had a ton of fun. Thanks, thanks, having thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, right. thank you, dude. It's you know, uh, it's been a crazy five years. Let's put it that way. I feel like like I want to end this episode like Cap does when he says when when we think he's going to say Avengers Assemble, but he just says Avengers and then it ends. So how are you going to do it, Avengers? Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. 
already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's all been done before we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it, it, it's a trap good at tossing good at taking do we love it hey let's fix it clean erase it let's embrace the tupperware party subculture spill over like a vulture carry over counterculture push over pop culture